Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. The Brewing Network Sunday session is brought to you by homebrewing superheroes, the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them online at morebeer.com. dogfish heads, old brew house. They just have a more of a connection with this living organism. And let me tell you, that was a piece of shit. Well, it doesn't help that we got like 12 dudes in here. I feel like Sam bent me over. Pre- preferentially, I think you'd be naked the entire time. Sam's a walking boner. Well, don't get used to it. You're going right now. I don't get those cues that well. Maybe because I'm not freaking gay. Sometimes you need to take a step Keep back and just go, you're kind of small. You're climbing that manhole pretty easy. In defense of your wiener, your balls are gigantic. No. Seriously, weird oh, um, sideshow big. Okay. Sweet God. <laughs> <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Nobody thought I'd play that new intro. <laughs> no pussies around here, though. That's nice. I love it. Well, there's I one. Like it. Vinny's good there's, at it. There's one behind me. That's true. Yeah. I love Bevo. <laughs> it was hilarious. So My face feels so warm right now. <laughs> That's God slapping you. <laughs> yeah. What an addition to the show Bevo is. You don't notice it because it only happens in, in little parts like that. Yeah. But then uh, when you isolate it all into one clip, you realize how valuable it is to have Bevo on this program. I'm a gem. We do need to have a 100% Bevo intro. All I think you're right. I think you've had said. enough 100% Bevo closeouts of my just drunk ass rambling. Yeah. I think we're good. No. Well, you act like there's no. not going to be any more. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We need lots more. Yeah. Stop being stingy, Bevo. Okay. That's right. I'll work on that. I'll share pray your, about it. Share your talents with the world, like JP does. Yeah. Like me. Wait, how do I do that? <laughs> your webcam. Oh. Yeah. JP'sRoom.com. You guys haven't seen that new. Uh, <laughs> oh. You guys haven't seen that new site? 
Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, it's exciting in there. Only twenty nine ninety five a day. <laughs> That's right. Or three days for a dollar. Which room is it? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. It's the sweaty one. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome, JP. <laughs> we got a good show for you today. Uh, a brewery that I've wanted to have in here for years, actually. Uh, Budweiser, no. Yeah, I've always, always been one of my favorite beers. Uh, actually, really, one of my uh, favorite breweries, uh, Alaskan Brewing Company's on the program today. We're going to talk to co-founder Jeff Larson and Curtis Holmes, who's the plant manager. Uh, so we'll be talking to both of them about smoked malt, smoking malt, smoked beer. Uh, I got to talk with Jeff a little bit at GABF. Um, he did a panel discussion there. Where he talked all about Alaska and brewing in Alaska. It's real outdoorsy like. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah. he wear hiking boots indoors? Is that That's all there is to do there? Yes. He does. That is all there is to do there. So, yeah, what else well. do you do in Alaska but make beer and shoot? Go, yeah. Since you got a glacier, go, go visit one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Club seals and uh, have a good time. Yeah. And smoke some malts. Yeah. And so, listen to Sarah Palin talk. Right. I don't think they listen to her. <laughs> yeah, they don't listen to her either. We should ask about Sarah Palin. What he, what, what all, uh, what all Alaskans think that. about? Yeah, that. we, we got to do that. Maybe he can see her house from the top of the brewery. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. in fact, she's right here. <laughs> Sarah, what do you think we think of you? Uh, so we'll be talking about smoked malts. So if you've got questions about uh, smoked beers or smoking your own malts at home, this is the show to do it. So join Bevo in the chat room by hitting the chat now button, or you'll be able to call us at eight 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 four zero one beer, and you could ask the questions yourself. So. You know, all the normal stuff that we do here. So, uh, I wanted to mention that uh, Jamil got a taste of the real Studio D (laughs) this this Saturday. And, uh, well, Doc's back in the studio, by the way, this week. Hey, everybody. I haven't been here in a while. Yeah, it seems like forever. These these, uh, headphones feel real funny. Yeah, it's not normal anymore. No. Well, so, you know, one of the, when Doc and I were building Studio D, one of the things that we noticed was um, that it's right next to the bathroom in, 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 in the west wing of the house here. Yep. So we thought that, that that could be a problem. And the other thing about Studio D is that it's, it's surrounded by, by bedrooms. So Jamil got and here. Thin walls, too. And thin walls are thin. So Jamil gets here Saturday morning to do a couple episodes of Bruce Strong. And, uh,. And I'm I was already in the studio working, so I don't know what's going on out in the rest of the house. And Jamil walks in, and uh, he's like, "Hey, uh, someone getting stooped over there in Schumann's room, or what?" <laughs> and I, you know, I kind of look like out, I kind of look outside. I don't see any cars around or anything, and I'm, so I'm, I'm yeah, I don't think so. And he's like, "No, no, someone's getting sticked right now in the, in the other room." <laughs> and sure enough, shoot. brought home some dirt squirrel from the bar the night before, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> and he's and he's stabbing her, yeah. <laughs> and she's and she's not uh, not being too quiet about it. Oh wow! So he gets to hear that, and the Take next her. thing you know, then I don't know if it's her or Shoe or Chad. Yeah. But five minutes later, someone comes out and just drops a giant <laughs> juice <laughs> into the bathroom here. That it's right before showtime. Uh, we're just about to go on air. And the whole studio just oh. reeks like you're sitting there next to whoever the is dropping. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awful. We had to open up all the windows. Have you ever heard of a courtesy flush? Anything. <laughs> in this case, uh, there was no helping. Oh, so Somebody's it, so diet the tip was... tip of it hits the water, you flush. <laughs> I don't know. Was that you, Chad? I don't know. I don't think so. Someone I needs brewing, to work so on... Uh, I was doing pretty good. Someone needs to change their diet. Someone needs to consult me. It's probably the chick. Some fiber. It could have been the dirty yeah. one. That's what's up there. <laughs> she could have been cleaning up from Schumann. That's, maybe that's what smelled. Oh. Ah. 
Maybe he loosened up a. Oh, maybe he oh, loosened oh, something oh. up. <laughs> okay. He was playing You're turd done. pinball. He was time out. Shuma so, was very concerned, though. He was. Shu <laughs> comes in like a few minutes later. He's all worried. He's kind of not embarrassed, just real worried that he, he thought we were on the air and it was getting picked up in the microphones or something. I'm sorry. I didn't know you had a show. I was like, well, what were you going to do? Not sticker if you knew I was on the air? Yeah. I put a pillow over her face. <laughs> something. So I'm thinking, you know, so we, we start the show straight faced and don't mention it. You know, it's Bruce Strong. Got to be serious. No, oh, yeah. But I'm busting up over here trying to keep a straight face, just thinking. So this is what it's like to come to work at the Brewing Network. You got one roommate stabbing somebody in the other room. Uh, you got another one dropping bombs that, that will make the neighbors move from the neighborhood. And you got to come sit in the studio and do a show. I love it. It's got its uh, uphill battles for sure. The oh, yeah. joys of yeah. working from home. You should have a home dental practice, Doc. You'd get, yeah. to, you'd get to experience this. No. <laughs> Can you imagine you're sitting in the chair and you... Some deuce wave comes in and your mouth's all wide open. You can probably taste it. That's uh, gross. Awful. All right. The other thing I wanted to mention on a more uh, brewing-related note was that Chad over here has been brewing like eight days a week. Like a madman. What happened this, this week? Season. Getting ready for comp. Getting ready for World Cup and NHC. And, and what else is he going to do? How many, a bunch ba- of beer. how many batches of beer did you do? Six. Five-gallon batches. In how many days? Like three. <laughs> <laughs> You've been double batching it like yeah. all week, right? Yeah. How come just five gallon batches? How can I do it? Because we don't have room for ten. Uh, yeah, it just works out better. You know, you got the chest freezer, so you can pop five in there and then yeah, do a couple outside. So what'd you brew? Seven total. A uh, couple stouts, a porter, uh, Belgian blonde. Um, shit, let me pull up my list here. American amber, uh, Hefeweizen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a bunch of different beers, man. A half, huh? Yeah. You're just stacking the deck with that one. <laughs> no one brews a half because they like halves anymore. I'll tell you what. I Not was for really, competition, anyway. I was pretty excited after that show, uh, you know, brewing with wheat and read the book and okay. looked at a bunch of recipes and just kind of did some studying. And I don't know. I'm pretty stoked about the beer. I think it's going to turn out really well. You know, I took a look in there when the half was uh, fermenting and uh, looked like blowing fermenting. off the top, wasn't it? Going crazy. Always does. So now steps. I understand the open yeah. fermentation part. You know, I mean, it's just a top crop and yeah. crazy yeast. Yeah. So and it smelled like bananas. Yeah, sure. it's actually really low fermentation temp, so it'll be interesting. What temperature? Uh, <laughs> well, I have this chest freezer, and I got a bunch of different yeast strains at different temperatures, a bunch of different beers. So I started this one at like sixty-two, and I have a couple other beers in there that were supposed to be around sixty-five, so sixty-two is okay for them. And another beer is supposed to be 60, so I kind of just compromised, so 62 is kind of For everything. Part. Yeah. Sounds good. You yeah. Fine. What What else is in that freezer? With- so a couple different stouts, a porter, uh, American Amber. Okay. And this half. Yeah. Those all are all good beers to do low, yeah. right? And then I'm doing the Belgian Blonde and Belgian Wit, uh, pretty much room temp. Yeah. Trying to do some firm wrap type stuff. Did you do a yeast starter for every batch? Everyone. Yeah. I think I used everything in the, the house every that was glass. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least a good size, like a glass pitcher, water pitcher. I've used that. I mean, totally whatever bold. I could find. I did. Yeah, I come out there, and uh, yeah, uh, there was something fermenting in everything we own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what vessel you use for a starter, right? Do what you got to do. You yeah. can use growlers, toilet and bowl, ice pitchers. I mean, I clean them all Just the same. Dentist. You know, yeah. soak a PBW, and yeah, you know, acid rinse, good to go. Didn't you have an infected starter or something? You know what? I I did have an issue. Um, the starter actually smelled a little funky. It was a yeast that I don't use all the time, so I kind of just 
I was sick too, so I don't think I could smell very well. Yeah. And uh, I just pitched it into a pail, and uh, I think there's something a little funky in the pail. So what did you? What made you think it was funky in the first time? What did you smell? Smelling just just a little f- more funk than should have been more neutral type of yeast. You okay. Know? You know, talking like a cal ale. Yeah. Uh, I had one like that, and I just didn't trust it. And before I pitched the starter, I looked at it and it had a pellicle on it. So. All right. And we're not pitching that one. So you should always smell your starters, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And certainly take a look at them. And, and have if, the you balls. Can, if you can see a pellicle. I always smell them, too. You know, and I, I just, I don't know. I wasn't that familiar with the yeast. I thought something was up, but sure enough. Yeah. So. So should he not have pitched that if he smelt that? He should have right, just said, yeah. you should have waited and done another starter, right? Yeah, probably. It's going to be a sour yeah. pail. But I blame it on my sickness. I don't think I could smell as well. I see. Yeah, but you knew it. You you had a. I did. You I had an idea. Weird. I know. I see. That will. Should have brought another nose. So now it's a Belgian pill. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> see, sometimes you can compensate. That's right. Or just let that thing sour for the yeah. next year. I still dry hopped it. See what happens. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, a bunch of different yeast strains, uh, a bunch of different temperatures, so it's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, using the chest freezer is a blast because... The temperature really fluctuates. During the day, it's like 70 degrees, but that chest freezer stays as cold as it does th- throughout the night. It gets even colder at night, so it's been dropping. Oh. You know, so it started at like 60 degrees, and it doesn't want to move anywhere higher than that. So I pretty much had to rinse my chest freezer from all the fermentation going on, yeah. starting at 60. What do you so mean, I just yeast blowing off? The- blowing off okay. the F you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I just dumped a couple big buckets of uh, hot water in there. Sure enough, my temp went up a couple degrees. I'm good to go. I see. So it's working out pretty good. What's wrong with your with your firm wrap? Oh, the firm wrap's not working right. Yeah, it's probably just wet. I know it probably got wet. Some yeast so, gunk in there or something. Yeah. I got to pick up another one too. I got to use it indoors. Yeah, so. all this is done on our uh, our sponsor, uh, More Beer Sculpture. You've been brewing on all week, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and a More Beer Conical. The More Beer Conical, uh, and then a bunch of shitload of carboys, essentially. Yeah. Um, but also a nice little treat that I borrowed from Tasty this week is the uh, Blickman Therminator. Yeah. To cool your word down. I mean, 10 minutes down to like 68 <laughs> degrees, 65 really? degrees. It's, it's unbelievable. Tasty's been raving about that thing for years. I'm not raving about it. What do you mean? Like, oh. You do. And like everyone it. gives yeah, you shit a- about it because they think that you can't clean it. But yeah. your beer always turns out fine. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's got to clean it well. Yeah, yeah. Clean it like you think it's dirty. You use it every batch, right? That's yeah, your chiller. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I've got uh, counterflow chillers and used immersion chillers before, but uh, this just it's real tight and yeah. doesn't this fits real good into my process. And he's got this little footstool for a, uh, you know, uh, it's like a it's just like this little stand, this little yeah, setup he's like got. It's all bolted footstool. in and right. so it was three-legged, but now it's four-legged again. <laughs> I drilled some new holes for him. Oh, nice. Got him a new one there. Fixed it, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for letting you borrow it, but uh, yeah. pretty so awesome. Did you, did you use it for every batch oh, this yeah. week? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, actually, I did one batch without. But so you canned our our whirlpool chiller. That thing broke. So oh. uh, yeah, had some issues there. Broke copper. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if we're you kinda, good, Doc. If, if you bend it and then bend it back, type of deal. A lot. It just kind of. Why would you bend it? Because uh, it didn't really fit in the kettle. It never right did way. fit our kettle quite right. <laughs> so. But it's more because I think we have the wrong lid than it yeah. is because we have the wrong chiller. We have a funky lid for our kettle, no, too. it's so nobody's you, kettle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you pull down on it, and it just starts going down, 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 and you start bending back up on it, and it just kind of got a little pinch, and that, it just a little you, leak. If you put it like over your leg, if you need to, to bend the neck down, 
you put it over you put it over something, something or like a towel and bend it so you because uh, yeah, yeah if you, so, if, yeah. Because so if you bend it yeah it's a soft metal so it's gonna it's gonna fold in on itself yeah. right yeah. but just you know throwing it around and stuff yeah. like that yeah so anyway it, yeah. no more I like the big uh, you know get the spoon or whatever you're using to stir with and get oh. that whirlpool going do the manual whirlpool oh so there's no chiller yeah. yeah man now you gotta spend two hundred dollars uh, instead of yeah. eighty yeah. for and another then, one yeah Terminator it's pretty sweet yeah because I'm taking that back today. Yeah, yeah. See, you can't keep tasties. I just I've never had a clear running wort like after the fact. I mean, it's just it's amazing the way it comes out of there. Okay. It's all clogged in the Terminator. <laughs> it's all stuck in there. Yeah. Much. It's, it's a filter yeah. also. Uh, pretty stoked. Like a little bit of Chad's beer in my beer now. So, Great. Yeah, a lot of beers and uh, I was really happy with all the brew days. I mean, uneventful. Uh, the only thing was that temperature change on some of the yeast strains, but um, you know, I'm just going to ramp it up. Just have a good ferment towards the end. All your mashes went fine. No, went great. No temperature issues there. No big issues. Um, and you know, doing these big, I did a Belgian wood as well, and all that flake wheat, and you know, uh, that usually no clogs problem. the mash, right? No problem. Yeah, with rice holes, a few rice holes, and uh, just higher, you know, water content as far as the mash makeup. So, so you did use rice holes. Yep. How much for a five gallon batch? Uh, like half a pound. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it was, and you just mix that all up in mm-hmm. the, the, with everything else. Yep. And it kept it. Uh, it was flowing. fine. Yeah. All just right. you know, sparge real high on those wheat beers, and no problem. How do you like doing a five gallon batch on a system that's made for 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 ten gallons? I, I'm serious. I mean I, that seriously because it's a it volume wise, it must look strange. It feels strange. You have to make some adjustments, right? It does. And uh, I got this new phone, and it does all these calculations for you now so it's really nice everything's real quick so i can plug it in and take measurements a lot easier now um and i was off on my volumes because my boil rate was a lot different i'm used to a certain boil at 10 gallons or you know whatever i collected you know close to 14 gallons right and ending up at say you know 10 points lower than what i start at for starting gravity you're probably evaporating more yeah we got less liquid to heat up it's gonna be more vigorous and it looked like the same boil you know what i mean so that was kind of tricky, um, but also just, you know, my collection of volume versus the target gravity I wanted, you know, pre-boil was off. Yeah. So, you know, I came up a little short, but I always, in the back of my mind, thought, you know, it's not quantity, it's quality. Sure. You know, from a long time ago. So, it worked out all right. You know, I might be a little short in a couple of batches, but... But your gravities were what you wanted them to right be. Right there, yeah. So. so, you would just stop or keep boiling... Exactly. You were taking a you were taking gravity at the end of the boil and knowing whether or not you had to keep going or or right from the thing. exactly throughout yeah, yeah pretty quick with a refract so yeah it's kind of nice well change the uh, boil off percentage on your exactly five gallon batches so exactly you can so I mean that was really only the first batch I had an issue okay uh, so the rest I mean so I what you dialed just in more changed more. it in your brewing software then exactly all right exactly. All right, and speaking of brewing software, you know, we need to mention uh, a new sponsor of ours and a great new piece of software that we've found here at the BN and been using lately, the Beersmith program. And you can go to beersmith.com and check it out. You get a free trial out of the whole deal. But it's a really sweet program. You can do a lot of things. For example, just recently on a Can You Brew It episode, JP was brewing a beer, and he couldn't find the right hops. So we went into the Beersmith program, and they have a hop comparison chart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, so you can just mouse over whatever hop you have, and uh, and it'll say you know the, the basic characteristics, a couple words about it, um, you know, generic alpha acids, and it'll say substitutions. And it'll okay. give you two to six, depending on the hop varietal. 
different recommendations. Yeah. Of, that's great. Yeah. So what a cool uh, feature to have. There's a lot of other things on that. Uh, you can scale up your recipes. You can scale down your recipes. You can build your recipe right in the program, print out a shopping list, head yourself down to the More Beer uh, website or location or your local homebrew shop and uh, have everything right in front of you and know exactly how much you need. Uh, it's really a sweet and slick program. I've been, although I haven't brewed a batch with it yet, I have been dicking around with it mm. because I need to rebrew the Mirror Pond oh, yeah. for Can You Brew It? And I'm, uh, you know, I was pre- Previously using other brewing software, and I'm switching over to the Beersmith. So uh, I've been plugging in my recipes, and I dig it. And I really like the interface, too. It, uh, I'm kind of a techie nerd. I, I like things to look and feel like they're high-tech. And Beersmith has that for me. Yeah. Like, Do you know what I'm saying? The I interface on it just... He's the more te- He's even more techie than oh, me. Okay. But I sit around... the Like, while you're wowing, yeah. I'm like just, I just read tech blogs and do oh. stupid things so like that. So while I'm that. respecking like my audio gear. Yes. Yeah, you're trying to figure out... Okay, I get yeah. you. But I, Beersmith to me has that really kind of, I don't mean technical complicated, because right. I'm not that kind of a techie. No. I mean like it looks new. It doesn't look like it's from the 40s. And I kind of, I'm you know, not, saying, not saying anything yeah. uh, but other than it doesn't look like it's from the 40s, and I kind of dig that. So yeah. go to Beersmith.com, get your free 21-day trial. If you dig it, you get to keep it. you got to pay them, but, uh, you, know. Well, you know. If you don't dig it, uh, what the hell? You didn't, yeah. you didn't lose a thing, did you? 21 days. Beautiful. All right. Thank you very much to Beersmith. You're welcome. All right, a couple other announcements we do have today, unless I missed anything else on your brew days. No, yeah. that was pretty much it. I will point out that Jamil also had reiterated recently on one of his shows, if you really want to become a great brewer, you have to brew every day. <laughs> and I think Chad took that to heart. He's been yeah. brewing every goddamn day. <laughs> so, good work, Chad. A lot of fun. I hope the beer comes out all right. I hope you do well in competition, too. Of course too. it will. No problem. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. No problems. Who are you putting down at your club? Brewing you Network. get this right. That a boy, Chad. You got the, you're sitting in between Doze 1 and Doze 2 yeah. over there. Yeah. Good answer, I paid my though. dues. Tweedledee and Tweedledoes. You might want to rethink that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see how we do at World Cup here. All right. Depends if I want no, to be on your team or not. <laughs> what is that, World Cup the trade deadline? For a better offer? Just trying to keep listen, you know, all of Doze has to step up, right? So you can't just put it all on Chad's back. Oh. Otherwise, he's going over to the winning team. It's going to be a close race. Well, <laughs> St. <Saint> Paul, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Next yeah. year, for St. Paul this I'm year. I'm flipping over because that will be the winning team. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to uh, Plisse. Uh, we were doing the Morbid podcast, and he's like, you know, he's like, fuck those. I might just <laughs> brew for Quaff just to see what happens. Oh, oh boy. Like, you should brew for the St. Paul people. He's like, yeah, if Jamila Gordon can do it long distance, why can't I? <laughs> John Plisse. <laughs> or St. Paul Homebrewers Club. Yeah, would that be great? That would be kind of great. Oh, man. We could just sway it every year. Just, all right, guys, who do you want to brew for this year? Yep. And we would be the dominating force. <laughs> of course. All right. Subscribe and join the BN Army. You get to send us $2 if you do that. How cool is that? That's a good, that's a good turnaround. <laughs> you give us money. Yeah. And we, we take it. You, yeah. And we, we let use you. it. Yeah. <laughs> we buy uh, pasta with it. What you do get is auto entry into the More Beer Donation Giveaway, which we attempt to do monthly. When we don't do it monthly, we try to catch up on the months we miss, like we did in February. We, we did, did it. two drawings. Congratulations to Gregory Menzel and Brent Merlington. Oh! Yeah. That's right. Greg won himself four refurbished kegs, courtesy of More Beer, and Brent won a $100 gift certificate nice. to More Beer. Both of them were recurring donors in the BN Army, so all you got to do is you can sign up for 2 bucks all the way up to f- like 50 bucks. and um, your your increment uh, it tells you how many tickets you get. $2 is one ticket, $5 is two tickets, $10 is three tickets, $15 is four tickets, $20 is five tickets, 
Fifty dollars, I think, is like fifteen tickets and a handshake like and a hand. Yes, sounds like a law for Menzel and Merlin or whatever it was. It kind of does. Menzel and Merlington. Menzel and Merlington. Your injury specialist. Yes. <laughs> Your tax specialist since nineteen seventy four. Do you need a cash settlement now? Call Menzel and Merlington. And I want it now. <laughs> I've been practicing law since I got out of night school. <laughs> Last yesterday. <night>. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm good. All right. Also, you can buy Brew Your Own Magazine. That's a way to help yourself and us help you uh, by clicking the uh, B- uh, BYO logo right there on the homepage. Uh, we get half of your money for that, too. Yeah. So, so help us help you. Yes. Yeah, we're helping us help you. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, help right. Um, you can do the same with AHA. Uh, join the American Homebrewers Association by clicking the AHA banner on the homepage. Tell your friends. It's not on the store. It's on the homepage right there. And uh, we get a portion of that. Sign up for all these updates over on Twitter. Just go to twitter.com slash brewing network or on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Send your show ideas to chad at thebrewingnetwork.com. C-H-A-D at thebrewingnetwork.com. You're still sending them to me and to other places that they're being yeah. ignored. Uh, and to me, too. Cease and desist. I don't want them anymore, either. If you want to hear it on the BN, send it to the big man. Chad. Chad. That's right. Send your feedback, though, to feedback at... The Brewing Network feedback at the Brewing Network. That's where all your feedback goes. Got that? Yeah. I and do. speaking of, I'm sorry. Where does the feedback go? And feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Feedback. Oh my God! You've got mail. Kick ass. <laughs> Feedback's brought to you today by Downtown Joe's in Napa. You can find Downtown Joe's at downtownjoes.com or search Downtown Joe's Brewery over on Facebook. And you can join Facebook. their fan page and they'll tell you all about different events and things happening yeah. there you can at also Downtown Joe's. Find them in Napa. Yes. yes. At in Napa's. In Napa's. Downtown, Downtown Napa's. Napa's. I think we're going to be back there sometime in April. I think, oh. I think Colin wants us back there in April for another remote. Another live remote. Tattoos? Mm. Uh-oh. We should do. Doc, you ready for your uh, hop grenade tattoo yet? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you right. discriminating, Doc? <laughs> you should get a tooth grenade. No, I just know what's healthy for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I go home with that. It wouldn't be pretty. A little hep B never hurt anybody. Pamela yeah. Anderson's still doing fine. She has C, though. Yep. Oh, whatever. It was very clean. You know, as clean as no, it's just... outdoors in a bar can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mommy, where did you get that? Well, there's a place called Downtown Joe's, and it's a bar. I fully expect this cough I have to go away any day now. All right. couple of uh, feedbacks to read to you. Uh, I just discovered you guys a couple months ago, and I love the station, working my way through the archives, listening to podcasts all day. Several times I've heard Justin read emails where people claim the Brewing Network as their brew club. This may be stupid, but do you guys benefit from from that at all? Or if not, do you guys care if we state uh, what we state as the club? Brewing Network, BN Army, what do you want to, what do you want us to say? He says I'm still a noob to the competition world and if uh, if or when I start racking up medals, I'd like to pay respect to the guys who taught me a lot of what I know. And that's from Josh. And Josh, that's a good question. Uh, so I'm glad that you wrote it in. Um, by all means, everybody, write your club down as the Brewing Network. It doesn't help us uh, directly, but indirectly, it does quite a bit. It makes me feel real good about myself. Makes JP feel good. Yeah. And not a lot does a that no. for JP. No. So that's a, that's a lot. I could stop right there, and you would know why you should, yeah. you should do it. 
Well, one thing it does do is it just it gets the word out. It's kind of a grassroots way. Uh, it, just imagine there you are at your at your homebrew uh, competition awards <laughs> ceremony. Imagine, close your eyes you and close your eyes for a second. Yeah. All right, now picture the hot broad <laughs> up on the. You know, well, just make the fat guys read yeah. the awards. Uh, Pretend in your, your beer's good in your mind's yeah. eye. Um, be a hot broad pretending that your beer is good, and you're you know you're about to be announced, and they and they announce. I don't know your last name, Josh. We'll make it uh, Smith for now. Schwartz, um, no, Josh Schwartz for Schwartz, Schwartz beer, Schwartz beer in the Bre- in the Brewing Schwartz. Network Club. <laughs> Josh Schwanzer. Oh, Josh Schwanzer, you have just won from the Brewing Network. Oh. It is the greatest Schwanzer beer I've ever had. I've ever had the pleasure of putting into the mouths. I've taken this black thing and put it in the mouth so many times again and again, and it's just wonderful. A little dribbled out the front on my shirt. I give you gold. You and the Brewing Network gets gold. Gold! 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 gold. <laughs> yes. So, now that you've imagined that, Please do put the Brewing Network, uh, not BN Army or anything else. The Brewing Network is a registered club with the American Homebrewers Association. We get points for these types of things when they're club competitions, etc. Exactly. Et I think, didn't the Brewing Network come in fifth or something last year? Or? I think we did come in fifth. Yeah, we did yeah. come in fifth. Oh, fifth. Yeah. Uh, Dry. Oh, that's, that's third. <laughs> Foomph. You know, it's not even that the voices are creepy. It's the faces you guys make to each other Foomph. when you make the voices. They're so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if that's wrong, I don't want to be normal. <laughs> all right, no even. Stri- oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, straight. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, uh, uh, by the way, I predict that uh, the Brewing Network will uh, be the number one club within three years. Within three years is three. Tasty's prediction. That's the over-under? I think uh, year after next will be second. What no. do you think we're going to be this year? Do you think we're going to remain third, at maybe, fifth? Maybe, take, maybe overtake those. Oh, we're going to bump off those, huh? Wow. Cool. Are you switching your allegiance this year when you enter <laughs> into uh, into the competition? No, but the year that we're that uh, BN's going to win? That's when you're I'm switching bailing. your allegiance? I'm oh. <clears throat> I see. Then I'll switch back. You know, to Doc, those. you're not president anymore. You can enter under the Brewing Network. I could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm you're not. a loyal guy. You're yeah. going to stick with those? Yeah, at least until Tasty Bale. <laughs> Look at you two. I will only retreat when Tasty does. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, anyway, good question. Yes, uh, put down the Brewing Network. It does yeah, help great. us. And it will help the club. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, speaking of competitions, the Brewing Network was represented at the War of the Worts 15. Oh, bro. Last weekend in Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania, War of the Worts is held by the Keystone Hops Homebrew Club and is one of the largest competitions on the East Coast. How come every competition is one of the largest somewhere? Well, it's one of the. It's like it's like in Las Vegas, yeah. you know, best comedy show before seven and after nine. Yeah, or, not that that makes sense, but you get the idea. Yeah, everybody has the best buffet. Yeah. downtown, three blocks from the gutter. Well, like in uh, in San Francisco, actually, we we're talking about this morning is uh, every cafe, every bar has the best Bloody Mary. Oh, is that right? Yeah, best Bloody Mary in San Francisco. And then in fine print, you know, rated by John, the home, the homeless guy. Yeah, like or whatever. (laughs) This one's great. Whatever magazine that nobody reads, like rates it. Yeah. Anyway, maybe it's one of the largest competitions in the East Coast. I'm just saying that every time I get one of these emails, it's like the largest somewhere. Well, you know, 25 entries is a lot. Yeah, they want it to be taken serious. This year there were 816 entries. Wow, that would be so. I think this one's uh, in the country. yeah, Yeah, this one's this is really bringing it strong. 
With the Brewing Network listed as my club, I was able to grab a first place in the English and Imperial IPA category, which had 25 entries, and a second place in the Smoke and Wood-Aged Beers category with 33 entries. All right. Give a lot of credit to the BN and the information I picked up through your shows. Um, So that was Blake who got that. Also, Ryan Maple entered on the Brewing Network, pulled down first in the Sweet Oatmeal Foreign Extra Stout category with 33 entries. That's a weird category. And, um, yeah, that was his oatmeal stout number two. Rumor has it he was using one of Jamil's recipes for the brew. But he said that's secondhand information. There were over a dozen BN Army shirts sported by the judges and stewards as well. So, all right. Good job, Keystone Hops Homebrew Club. All right. And uh, BN Army. Yeah. All right. uh, Remember remember I read to you about a broad who likes to hear us burp on the air? Yeah. It was the week before last or something. Her husband had written into us thanking us and encouraging us to burp more so that she would keep listening. Well, she wrote into us also this really? week. Yeah. Hey, guys. My name's Vicky. My fiance, Rich, wrote to you guys. And I actually heard you read it the other day. I'm the chick who, for some reason, can't help but laugh when I hear you guys burp on the radio. Oh. I know he wrote to you <laughs> and talked about winning his beer awards. But like all good beers, there's a woman behind it. Sure, Rich brews it and comes up with the recipes. But I'm the mastermind behind all the delicious flavors that get added. The best concoction that I suggested was a raspberry and blackberry honey pot. Honey pot, huh? It was so good, it almost made people come in their pants. Yes, it was that good. Almost. Unfortunately, I drank most of the keg myself. Sometimes they come in their pants. If A plus B equals C, and B plus C equals A, I'm just saying. Right. That's fuzzy math. So, anyway, um, she says, look to hear from us both on March 28th. That's the day after our wedding, and we're planning on calling in for Team Drunk of the Week. So we better be broadcasting, no excuses. From the chick who loves beer, Vicky. You know what we should do, Vicky, Not do a show that day. What you should do is uh, put us, let us give you a toast. Let us give a speech at your wedding. Oh. Yeah. Good idea. Somehow. I would like to vote against that. I gave you shut a, up. I gave a wonderful speech at your wedding, Bevo. Yeah, it was... It was fantastic. My nostrils was only flared for three quarters of it. <laughs> I thought they were just like that. It's because you were afraid That's he was going to do so. just the way my face looks. <laughs> I just thought you had big nostrils. Shut up. All right. Wait till Schumann gets married and I have to give a speech at that Schumann's one. Schumann's never getting married. That's true. No guy's going to have I kind of hope he does so I can give that speech, though. Remember the time you were choking the broad and Jamil could hear it out in the other room and then you shit on yeah. her chest. And then we had to take her for stab wounds to the hospital. Oh, that was great. Yeah, they never found her body. Yeah. Whatever happened to her? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, let's see. Here's another one. Oh, so here's one. This was a question, and... It was for Jamil, but you know what? You guys can answer this because we've oh, we've been oh, covering sure. this for Good. for a couple of years Got on permission. the show. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Jamil something okay that's, it? it's come up all the time. This is a, it's from a new listener, and I just thought, hey, let's let's just go ahead and get it done, so it doesn't have to wait for a Bruce Strong uh, Q and A show. It was from Brian. Um, Brian. He yeah, he said he just started listening. Love the shows. Very informative. Um, I'm writing in in response to a question from the chat room where a listener asked about temperature control during secondary fermentation. During the response, Jamil made the comment that he doesn't advocate a secondary fermentation and that it was old school, and it appeared that John agreed. Everything I've heard and read uh, has indicated that primary fermentation is done in a plastic bucket or other vessel, and after three or four days, it should be racked into a glass carboy for secondary fermentation for the length of the fermentation time. 
I've heard getting the brew off of the major sludge produced during those first few days is important to prevent dead yeast from leaching off tastes into the brew. Is this a myth? Could somebody please explain it a little uh, more fully? So I thought it was a good... We haven't covered this in a while, and I thought, why not do it again? Just real quickly, is it necessary to have a secondary fermenter gentleman in the room? No. JP says no, off the microphone. No. But he meant to do it onto the microphone. Chad says no. Uh, why? In the mic. Why not? T- uh, JP, why it is it... why is it? doing with it. What are, what are you trying to do? I don't, I don't like calling it secondary fermentation. Okay. I just use it as a uh, bright tank, a clearing bucket. Well, it's one ferment. Yeah, uh, yeah secondary fermenter, I call it. All right. I call it's it not another tank. fermentation. I just it's... call it a bright tank. It goes yeah. in there and... So as he describes it, to spend the first three or four days in one container and then move it to another to finish fermentation, is that something that is necessary? No, I th- because I think the prevailing knowledge is it's not picking up that that much in bad flavors that uh, that we you know we suspected before, mm-hmm. and then you're doing that transfer, you're just adding another chance to pick up oxidation or uh, right. somehow follow yeah. your beer. This, you know, basically the thinking is let it set, and you're you know, and people are trying that and they're having success. They're not getting any of these foul flavors that that we we're all concerned about. Yeah. Okay. So it's probably pretty safe to let the entire primary fermentation, the actual, that that fermentation happen in one vessel. Right. And then, as Doc says, putting it to another container as a a lagering vessel, conditioning, uh, clarification, carbonation. uh, But you can go straight to a keg from this this primary vessel. And serve out of it, right. Now, what what if he's bottling? Um, should should he bottle straight from the primary vessel, or should he go? You know, so he doesn't have a keg. Should he then go to a secondary, like a carboy or something, or and let it let it clear, or a bucket and let it clear? Yeah, before he's got to he... go to a bottling bucket well, to he, add sugar. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't need to let it clear though. No. Okay. Uh, that's that's a whole different reason to be in there doing that. So he would just transfer it to a bucket so that he could add his primer, priming sugar right. and then bottle straight from there. He doesn't need to let it sit then right. in another right. vessel. So we still can bypass this whole secondary myth. Yeah, I, I think he's talking also about getting it off the tube when mm-hmm. it comes over mm-hmm. and not having it sit on there. And most people don't care about that anyway. Well, the time to care is when you're transferring out of the fermenter into the, or I'm sorry, out of the kettle into the fermenter. Yeah, so trying to bring pull the tube back. You know, be really diligent. About making sure you pull over the minimum amount of troop. Okay. JP, anything to add? No, I agree. All right. Anything to add into the microphone? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So that was from Brian. Thanks for listening, Brian. Glad you found us and hope we helped. Uh, okay. And then finally, uh, you know, I don't do this very often, but uh, what the hell thought I'd do it today. It, um, it is a listener's girlfriend's 30th birthday. Her name is Heather, and we wanted to uh, say happy birthday to Heather. You're turning 30, and uh, there's nothing no. glorious about that. No. Uh, in fact, he might be packing your things. Yeah, you never know. That's true. <laughs> might you, be time for an upgrade for this guy. You might have reached your trade-in date, Heather. Thirty is uh, the ripe old age for for a young lady yeah. so who's no longer a young lady. No, so don't take it. Don't take this day and make it all about you. Yes. You make it about him to prove what you can give to him. <laughs> That's right. That's what being yeah. thirty is all about. Yeah. What can you do for somebody else? Right. Especially on your birthday. Yes. Happy Thank birthday, you. Heather. Yes, Heather. All right. Feedback was brought to you by Downtown Joe's. Go to downtownjoes.com or search for them on Facebook and join their page. They're a fan page. You can be a fan. I love being the fan of Downtown Joe's. They tell me all about the drink specials and the bar specials and the bartender specials. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
sometimes as a DJ. <laughs> I love the DJ. Dropping the hits. All right, everybody doing all right? Yeah. Great. Shit, we're way late, aren't we? Yeah. Why Let's didn't go. you tell me that, Chad? I didn't look at the clock. Son of a... I got to call Fred Bonjour. He is our uh, first AHA candidate that we're going to speak with today. Uh, Remember that you can vote if you're an AHA member uh, for the American Homebrewers Association Governing Committee. You can vote for me. How do you vote? You can also vote for three other people. You vote by going to Mm homebrewersassociation.org and clicking the vote button. You can vote for four people. And we're speaking to all of the nine candidates, including myself here on the Brewing Network, uh, between now and the 20. 8th of this month, and then I think that voting ends on the night of the 30th. Um, but you have to be an AHA member, which you can do by clicking the AHA logo right on our homepage. And uh, like I said, you get to vote for uh, four candidates. Uh, one of them, of course, should be me uh, because I'm the best person ever to speak. I don't know what the fuck. Just, you know, you know how it goes around here. Yeah. Hey. Tasty's not going to vote for me, so I need you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. the deal. That's right. And then, one to offset me. One of the other people that you can vote for is the wonderful Fred Bonjour, who should be on the line with us now. Fred, are you there? Uh-oh. Fred? Yeah, I'm here. There he is. Hey, Fred. How are you? Doing terrific. Good. It's wonderful to have you on the show. I've known Fred for a couple of years now. Uh, he's been uh, kind of around the homebrewing scene for, for longer than I have. I've met him at a couple of homebrew conferences, and he runs the uh, Beer Du Jour website, which has um, historically carried Jamil Show recipes. Uh, he's a big advocate of the uh, BJCP and what it brings to the table. And now he's running for the American Homebrewers uh, Governing uh, Committee. Do I have that all right, Fred? I think that covers it. All right. Uh, is this the first time you're running for the for the governing committee? This is the first time I'm running for the governing committee. Okay. And uh, why are you running this time? What interests you about being on the committee? Because I'm a sucker for helping people, and I love helping home brewers. That's a good enough reason. There you go. Vote for Fred. Yeah. That was, see, that was Vote for Fred. He's said. a sucker. Yeah. He's yeah. a sucker for helping people. Well, and you've been doing that for a while through uh, through classes and different things. Tell us a little bit about your background. Um, what I like is, um, uh, well, helping people uh, run classes periodically here, teach a lot of uh, um, beer appreciation, uh, judging classes. Uh, long as no one's li- no one's listening, are they? No, no one ever yeah. listens to this. I'm, I'm okay. The, you know, just between us, uh, one of the projects I'm working on is putting together an online BJCP course that should be released uh, right around the uh, convention. Hmm. But don't tell anyone. So you mean like a uh, <laughs> study course? A study course, like a study course we can take online. Yeah. Exactly. What That's a great, great what a great idea. Yes. It's too bad no one's listening cuz yeah. they would yeah. be they'd be very excited to hear that. Well, that's not going to travel very fast. Yeah. Good idea, Fred. But yeah, I mean, I love that. I mean, uh, that's part of it. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned my beer to your side. I put that up because when I was when I was starting to brew it, I got into all grain brewing, which didn't take me very long. Uh, I started to went to one of the online sites and started to formulate a recipe online. And I was stunned to find out that here, on the very first all-grain recipe I'd ever attempted as a total newbie, it published. Really? That, and I'm sure that you've run into a few friends and what have you that said, well, that said, uh, I know this is a good recipe. I'm planning on brewing it next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Well, and it's tough to find. Well, it used to be tough to find good recipes, but uh, through sites like yours, the Brewing Network, and of course Jamil's book, uh, it's it's certainly become uh, a lot easier. And uh, you know, you've been a part of that, Fred. So I have to give you kudos for that. And are you a BJCP judge yourself? Uh, I'm actually the assistant education director in the BJCP. How about that? Oh, so he's already on another major committee here in the home brewing world. He's got some clout. He does have clout. I like can, that. Can he give me my scores? JP <laughs> wants his scores, Fred. Is that possible? Uh, I don't have access to that. No, lost my vote. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could have really earned JP's vote. Just yeah. lie to him, Fred. Yeah. I, you get my vote for being honest. How about that? Thank you. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm not running. All right. Anything else that you'd like to say uh, You know, for, for what you will do on the committee and how you'll help us out uh, by representing us in the uh, largest uh, homebrew organization in the world? I like promoting clubs. Uh, you were talking about clubs a little bit ago. I think um, joining a club is one of the strongest ways any home brewer can uh, uh, do to help improve his brewing. Where else can you go where you can talk to a bunch of beer geeks? That's true. Yep. Yeah, we believe that here on the BN2. Uh, promoting clubs is wonderful. So so getting clubs involved with the uh, Homebrewers Association as well would be part of your agenda. Oh, absolutely. You know, Whatever it takes to you know to help all home brewers out, uh, whatever it's going to work, if that's what I'd like to do. Great. All right. Well, I think Fred's highly qualified. Uh, I think a lot of our candidates are our candidates are, are highly qualified. Uh, he's got a background uh, with the BJCP. He's got a background with his own homebrew club, with his website, with recipes, with organizing, with getting people together, with. Uh, all sorts of homebrew activity. I've seen him at every conference I've been to, I think. And um, he sounds like a good candidate. I, thanks for being with us, Fred. Is uh, anything I missed that you want to say? I can't think of too much other than, you know, vote, vote for whoever you think will do a good job. And we do have a phenomenal group of candidates up for uh, election this year. Right. Would you like to sling dirt about any of them? <laughs> Uh, there's this guy named Justin. No, yeah. just kidding. Yeah, F that guy. Even Tasty won't vote for him. <laughs> and Tasty will vote for anybody. So, all right, Fred. Well, I appreciate it. I wish you luck, sir. Uh, you sound highly qualified to me. So thanks very much for being on the show and telling everybody about yourself. No problem. All right, Fred. We'll catch you later. Hey, are, are we going to see you in Minnesota this year? I'm absolutely going to be there. boy. You know, um, we'll see you there. All right, good. We'll see you in Minnesota. Thanks, Fred. Okay, bye. All right, there you go. Fred Bonjour. You can go to homebrewersassociation.org and cast your vote. Uh, you might want to wait until uh, after the 28th. I will I will be putting up our last candidate on the program. We had to schedule them kind of spread out. You do get to vote for four people. Uh, we've heard from a few of them already. We're going to hear from another one right now um, as soon as I uh, make that happen. So you might have to hang in there for a second. But um, <clears throat> Tom Schmidlin is another one of our candidates. And um, I gotta, see, I had to get through all of our East Coast guys here in the beginning of the program. These poor bastards, they got to hang out, oh. talk late at night. The kids are going to bed. They're spending their time with us. Where's my little French flag? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't have a... Fr- I for- keep forgetting to, to, to give you your French flag. <laughs> nobody, you know knows, nobody knows what the hell that means. No, but that's fine. I will, I will cast my vote 
for anybody who can get me my BJCP scores. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a guy... I like that we're... Uh, only the BN will bring, will bring bribery and, I will bri- uh, yeah. in, into the AHA elections. Hey, you want to win. There's a guy on Facebook took his test a month after mine. Already got his scores. Is that right? I don't have my score. I want my score. Well, maybe Tom Schmidlin can help. I should have Tom on the line now. He's another one of our uh, governing committee nominees, and you can vote for him at homebrewersassociation.org. Tom, are you there? I'm here, Justin. Hey, great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, thanks. Where are you from, Tom? Uh, I live in Redmond, Washington. Ah. But I'm originally an East Coast guy. Oh, you are? Where in the East Coast? New Jersey. No, oh, don't admit Come that. Come on, bring Jersey on the joke. Bring them on. <laughs> Just don't admit it. That's all, Tommy. Uh, uh, and before you even ask, the answer is 63. <laughs> 63. Yeah, that's the exit I'm from. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gotcha. My dad was from Jersey. My stepdad. Yeah. The dead one. Yeah. <laughs> so watch out. Yeah, so watch yeah. out. Keep an eye out. Okay. All right, so Tom's also running for uh, the AHA Governing Committee. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your homebrew background. Well, I've been brewing for uh, just about 20 years now, um, and lately, you know, we uh, after I went to my first AHA conference uh, in Vegas like six or seven years ago, it was really kind of an eye-opening experience for me um, just to see, you know, people from all over the place and, and things that are going on, things you can get involved with. Um, so since then, I've worked uh, to, you know, kind of get things organized in Washington and uh, and kicked it off from there, you know, changed some laws that were causing problems for home brewers and you know just keep doing stuff like that working at it 20 years i always i'm always intimidated by these candidates who've been brewing for 20 years that's longer than tasty's been brewing i think it is yeah how long have you been brewing tasty yep. uh, 15 is that right yeah. and doc 18 18 wow you've got all you got everybody in the room beat tom yeah. well that doesn't mean i make the best beer though <laughs> Is it, that's true. I've had some of Tasty's beers, so he wins that one. All right, all right. Now, you're involved with your clubs up there in Washington? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm in a couple different clubs, um, Cascade Brewers Guild and the Mount Side Brewing Society. Oh, yeah. Um, that's B-Dog's club. Oh, yeah. You guys probably know him. Yeah, we love that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good guy. He is a good and, guy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the Washington Homebrewers Association that we uh, we put together a couple of years ago. And that... Um, it, it's not really a club exactly. It's more like a an organization of clubs, kind of like the AHA is nationally. Uh, we just wanted to organize all the clubs in Washington State. We have kind of a weird situation. We've got probably 15 clubs in the Seattle area that all have about 20, 25 members. Okay. So putting on any kind of big event was, was rough. Um, so we've gotten all the clubs kind of organized. You know, they're still autonomous. They can do whatever they want. Um, but this way we get better communication between the clubs, and we can put on bigger events. It's been pretty cool. What a great idea. Yeah. Especially, yeah, when you have to organize that amount of people. Right. That's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. So why do you want to be on the Homebrewers Association Governing Committee? Well, you know, I've been uh, I've been doing stuff in Washington for a while, and things are up and running, and uh, I just want to bring some of that energy, you know, nationally. Um, you know, help out some of the states that may, might be having problems with... Uh, their homebrew laws and, and want to get those changed. Um, you know, we've got some experience with a couple campaigns doing that. Um, and then, I mean, who knows what other uh, what other opportunities to, to help out or present themselves. Okay. That's a great reason to be able yeah. to move those expertise on to the national level. And so, as you know, there's a lot of that kind of going on right now. Uh, Alabama, I mean, different places trying to, to pass homebrew legislation. Um, I imagine you're hoping to be able to get involved with that. 
Yeah, I think that would be uh, that'd be great. I mean, I know it's not necessarily of interest to everybody whether or not people in Alabama can can brew or not, but uh, it's important to people in Alabama. And then you get states like Washington. You know, we've been able to homebrew since the beginning, but we had this weird law where we weren't allowed to take homebrew out of our houses. Oh yeah, that's I, right. I couldn't couldn't take a bottle over to my neighbor's house legally. I mean, I'm not sure. saying nobody did it, but you know, it's against the law. So. Um, so there might be weird laws like that in, in different states that you know people want to get changed. Well, I don't know, Tom. I don't know if I can vote for a lawbreaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never said I took beer out oh. of my house. <laughs> hypothetically, yeah, yeah. hypothetically. I was trying to throw it away, and I just threw it over the fence. Yeah, and he right. happened to catch it and drink it. This from the guy exactly. who will, who will, you can get his vote by bribing him. Uh, <laughs> get me? Can you get me my BJCP scores, Tom? I've, I've earned them. October third, I, I took my friggin' test. Oh, he didn't say no. He said he'll see what he could do. That's uh, why I might you know, vote I for hope, him. I hope it's not one of the the uh, sets that I have that I'm I'm working on. Tom, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna apologize. I'm gonna pencil you in right now. You get my uh, unofficial uh, endorsement. How funny would it be? If, I'll do commercials for you. How funny would it be if your test is literally sitting on Tom's desk right now? And, I would love it. I want you to fix. Actually, if it is, can you correct it on the air? <laughs> Where did you? Take it. Um, where the hell did uh, Pleasanton? Oh boy! <laughs> is that is that what group of tests is sitting on your desk, Tom? I do have a set from Pleasanton. Yeah. See, Tom, uh, see, Tom's too busy running <laughs> wow. for the governing committee. <laughs> what a I'm coincidence! Just giving you shit. Well, we, you know, the other guy that I'm grading it with is, has been in Hawaii for the last couple of weeks, so well, you know, I can't really blame him for I'm not gonna, getting things. I'm going right. to firebomb his house. <laughs> JP's very upset. He wants to know. He'll come uh, back to Embers. Tom, Tom, how bad he Tom, failed. just give us a number between 51 and 59. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm going to get. I'm not as great I, I as know, Mike over I, here. That, that might be overly generous. I know. Yeah, we all, yeah. Please be that way, though. Now, I, I so Tom, I'm erasing you my penciled in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're a uh, you're an official BJCP test scorer, Tom. Yeah, um, if you're a national judge or have a, um, I think it's a national on the the written. Um, I wouldn't know. Then you can be a BG, Then you can grade exams. And okay. so, if there's anybody out there who's listening <laughs> and is a national uh, judge, yeah. seriously, volunteer to grade because we're always short on graders. Right, well, and okay. that's that's why it takes so long to get exams back yeah. because there's just so, you know so many people who who uh, volunteer to do it. Well, okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you what: if you make me a national judge, I will grade <laughs> score. I will grade these things every week. If you if you earned it, then yeah. you can definitely do it's it. It's not working. He's a he's a grader, not a miracle worker. No. JP. <laughs> All right. Well, he already broke the law once, taking homebrew out of his house. He yeah. could do it again. <laughs> now, I think never that, convicted. <laughs> I think that Tom has another uh, qualification. You guys might be interested in. Uh, apparently, Tom was the uh, beer drinker of the year in two thousand six. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. a great award. Yeah. Uh, tell us Good a little time. bit about that, Tom. That's a really cool competition that they do out in Wincoop Brewing in Denver. And, um, I mean, basically, you have, like, a three-page resume limit, and you submit your resumes. They uh, they narrow them down to ten. Then they send those ten out to people like, uh, you know, Ray Daniels, Randy Mosher. And um, then they vote on the top three, and those three people get flown to, to Denver for, you know, the weekend. You, you hang out at Falling Rock a lot and drink a bu- bunch of good beers. Um, nice. Hang out with a bunch of cool people. I mean, the, the competition itself only lasts for a couple hours on Saturday, but the whole weekend is a great time. Hmm. So I think Phil Farrell, you know, yeah. he's lost three times. I think he keeps losing on purpose, so they keep flying him out there. He's <laughs> always right. a finalist. Right, because what happens once you win, you can't win again? That's it? Yeah. I mean, one of the prizes is free beer for life at Wincoop Brewing. I see. And so... 
I only have one lifetime, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you ought to move to Denver, though, if you get that. I, yeah. Well, that's why yeah. they fly you in, because they Make know sure you'll you... probably be only in Denver in twice a year or something <laughs> right. like that. Right. I know. Yeah, I'm there for the GABF and for the, the competition. How does it work when you get free beer for life? Do you, do they give you an ID card, or do you have to convince the bartender every time? <laughs> no, I swear, that's me on the wall. Yeah. No, it's, it's a little ID card, and you just flash it, and, and the bartenders know, and they're just like, oh, congratulations for winning. See you later. That's so they cool. They just walk away. That's wow. really cool. What does it look like? Can you fax me a copy of it? <laughs> yeah. I'll scan it in. You guys can put it up on the, uh, on the form. <laughs> cool. yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Perfect. Okay, Tom, anything else you'd like to say about running uh, for the committee? No. <laughs> That's all right. You did a good job. Don't worry about or it. Or about Tasty's beer? I think you could. Yeah. No, just, yeah. Uh, just let me know where I need to send the bribes. <laughs> Perfect. To JP's house, Yeah, I already apparently. told you. Yeah. <laughs> My right. address should be on cool. that stack. Wonderful. There you go. Tom Schmidlin, he's from Washington. He's running for the American Homebrewers Association Governing Committee. You can vote for him by going to homebrewersassociation.org, as well as three others. So uh, if you liked him, then uh, that's how you do it. Uh, we'll be speaking to all of the candidates here on the program. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it, brother. Cheers, guys. Bruce strong. Okay, later. Don't tell me what to do, Tom. <laughs> he's already pushing you around. Yes. Yeah, I see what kind of leader he's going to be. <laughs> A good one. All right. Great job to uh, to all of our candidates so far. Uh, by the way, uh, just just keep in mind, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, never done this sort of thing by uh, before, uh, spoken on the radio or anything else. Uh, it can be sort of difficult and nerve wracking. So I applaud every one of these candidates getting on, and and they all said, "Hey, what a great idea! We'd love to do it." And I applaud each and every one of them for coming on this program and talking with us about this. It's the first time it's ever happened in the history of the uh, of the AHA vote of the world where, where, yeah, of the world where you thing. get to hear the voices of the people who are going to be representing you on, on the committee. So I'm proud of that, and I think that each of these candidates should be proud of themselves, too. They're doing a good job. I agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break so that we can come back and talk to uh, Jeff and uh, Curtis. Yeah. Right, Jeff yeah, and yeah, Curtis? Right. You got it. Uh, from Alaskan Brewing Company, and we're going to be talking about smoked beers and smoked malts and a little bit of uh, sustainable brewing, too, JP's favorite topic. So. I love it. I want to save the world. <laughs> Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. This year, More Beer wants to introduce you to some of the amazing staff that bring homebrewing innovation home to you every day. This month, Concord showroom manager and award-winning brewer John Plaisé is here to tell you about the top five gadgets he can't brew without. Number one, yeast starter. So crucial to have active, healthy yeast going. Decreases lag time, you have a healthier ferment. Number two would be our oxygenation assembly. Oxygen is really important for cell growth for your yeast. Third would be a Cervomyces, the zinc source that your yeast need for a healthy fermentation. Fourth would be a wort chiller. I really enjoy the uh, counterflow convoluted chiller. It's compact and gives me the best control as far as cold break. Fifth would be the Morbury Conical, the new improved one with the sealable lid. It's pressurizable. You can inline filter. It's got a tri-clover lid on the top. You can repitch your yeast. It's got a huge blow-off tube. The functioning of this new Morbury Conical is far superior. All of John's favorites are on sale this month only. Hurry to morebeer.com or visit the Concord Showroom for the best innovations and people in homebrewing. Morebeer.com. 
Danica, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. to the program, everybody. Thanks for sticking around and listening to our AHA candidates. You're welcome. You are. Thank you. And welcome back, <laughs> you JP. Are, thank you. Thank you. All right. Now we're going to get on to the good stuff of the show. Talk to a brewery <laughs> that I, uh, I've admired for a long time. It's done great things in the beer world. Oh, thank you. From a remote location. Oh. And um, I'm happy to finally have him on the program. It's Jeff Larson and Curtis... Let me get these last names right. Curtis Holmes. You guys on the line? Yeah. Hi. How are you doing? All right. We got you both there? Yeah, we sure are. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. Are you, are you, do you hear us in a, uh, in a cave with echoes and no. like, or? No, you guys sound, you sound beautiful. You sound like you're in a broadcast studio. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, not quite a broadcast studio. We've got uh, snow, and we got a little front moving in. It's blowing about 30 miles an hour. and Really? Looking like Alaska. God, F that. What made you move to Alaska? Or were you guys, are you Alaskan natives? You get money from the government, man. Come on. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know I... Well, you do, but uh, this Curtis, <laughs> I, I moved up from Wyoming originally uh, just because I wanted to come to Alaska and see what it was like. And uh, been in Juneau ever since. Um, it's not as far north as Anchorage and Fairbanks, so we don't get the cold weather up here, but uh, still get the nice scenery and uh, wildlife. So I've enjoyed it. Okay. And so then I, I I ended up meeting a woman 
in Montana. I lived on the East Coast around Washington, D.C. And uh, she moved to Alaska, and I didn't get the hint. And so I ended up following her after a number of years of trying to carry on a long-distance relationship with the continent between us. Right. Man, even JP would take that hint. Listen, sweetheart, I'm moving to Alaska, okay? (laughs) But it's so far away and remote. I know. (laughs) And they don't have telephones there. (laughs) The mail doesn't even go there. Oh, well, you know what? So she she uh, was living in a small community of ninety people, and and I got kind of when I when I decided to move up to up here, I, I wrote her a note and said, "Yeah, um, I, I'm moving up." And so I moved into this community of ninety. Yeah. And I was the least liked guy in town by all the other single males. Really? Cause, mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you know all of a sudden one of the uh, um, one of the available women were. Now off the market. <laughs> oh. So I, you know, I've heard uh, yeah. that I've heard that rumor that there are there are really there's a lack of available single women in the state of Alaska. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a popular saying up here: if you're a, a woman moving up here, the odds are good that you'll meet a man, but the goods are odd. <laughs> That's very true. I see. <laughs> we have the same one in Pacheco, which is weird. Yeah. Hey, uh, Curtis, if I could ask you to, for the sake of my listeners, could you move uh, close to the phone like uh, like Jeff is? Because Jeff's loud and clear, okay. and you're just you're just a little back in the distance there. Okay, is that yeah. better? Yeah, that's better. They'll thank me for it. So yeah. A lot of people want to hear your voice. I don't know why, Curtis, but they want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> uh, for all the we- women listeners, though, these two odd goods are off the market. Off the oh, market. Uh, <laughs> interview over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So now, I-, I, didn't, I didn't do the math. How long have you guys been in Alaska now? Oh boy! That's even, for me. It's been about um, thirty years. Wow! And wow. I've been twenty-one years. Wow! So twenty-one for Curtis and thirty. Wow! That is that's a long time to spend in a cold state, if you ask me. And do they do they give you like a like a limit every year of how many seals you can club to eat <laughs> yes. for like warmth? Or yeah, what's that about? <laughs> yeah. uh, they're treating us really well, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? So, um, no, you know, actually, it's, it's interesting. Uh, coming from the East Coast, it's, it's really a, a remarkable testament about as you go further and further west, you know, you don't need to be, um, you know, born and raised in a locale to become essentially a local. On the East Coast, if you didn't get off the Mayflower, sorry, you're a newcomer. Um, here, here in Alaska, seriously, it's about 10 years. If you're 10 years, you're, you're, you're become what they call a sourdough, um, meaning, you know, you're, you're an old-timer. Okay. Uh, wow. But you know, it's it, 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 but it's it's really wild in that way, and I think that's what's really kind of cool about when we moved up here. Um, you know, I think most people really are not born and raised in Alaska. Most people are actually from outside. Okay. As we call it. It's probably easy to but, pick um, those people apart. But you know, I think in that way, though, I think a lot of people were uh, are open to uh, making new friends because they left friends and family behind, and that's what I found. Uh, hmm. I have an amazing amount of uh, close close associates uh, doing fun things that I enjoy. The reason they're here is probably in many ways the same reason that you know I'm here for the, the same reasons they are. And we enjoy the outdoors, hunting, fishing, right? Um, Running from we the law. We don't club seals. Yes. We don't club seals. Those are marine mammals. They're protected. Okay. Um, we but, only uh, club outsiders. We, yeah. 
Yeah, we we club at new single males. Yeah. <laughs> As a, a sacrifice to the wilderness god. Do you all have some sort of animal hanging on your walls? <laughs> you do, right? Uh, I I have a, a Wyoming animal. I have a jackalope, but that's uh, that's referring back to my Wyoming heritage. Okay. Uh, no new animals up here. I see. <laughs> all right. Now, how uh, long... Now, nope. Go ahead. How about Alaskan Brewing Company? How When did you found that? Um, 1986 was the first year we we uh, brewed and sold beer, and um, and the project itself was probably a little bit uh, earlier than that. But uh, um, well, tell us a little I, bit about that. Were you, were you a home brewer and and wanted to get into brewing? How did Alaskan come about? Um, I was a home brewer. Um, I think Mercy and I both enjoyed beer and uh, commercial varieties also. But we also were in the land of the last frontier which seemed to be the uh, the end of the road. So all the old, tired beer ended up getting sent up here. <laughs> so, I see. So, yeah, so homebrewing kind of became a little bit of an outlet to maybe um, liven up the uh, the old, tired imports. And But we, we started it um, really in many ways because we enjoyed working together, but we you know didn't have necessarily the same professions. Uh, Marcy was a photojournalist. She happens to be really good at numbers as far as accounting, and I was a, a chemical engineer. I was working in a gold mine, and so we ended up um, deciding to start a brewery, which at the time we thought was pretty crazy and novel, but in reality, we found out there were other people doing it in the U.S. Uh, right. But right. that was in the mid-80s, so there weren't that many. Yeah. yeah. And there was, was there anybody doing it in the state of Alaska? Uh, no. No. No, there weren't any. Okay. Um, when we started in '86, I think the next the next brewery that started after us was like ten years later. Oh, I see. Uh, nice. That's now a, I think we, it's a good run. But I think we've got. I think there's now close to fifteen or sixteen breweries in the state of Alaska. Um, wow! And they're doing great, great work. Good job. That's you. You know, see, I don't think of that as a as a a population that could sustain that many breweries. I don't not now. Granted, I don't know a lot about uh, Alaska, but uh, what I do know, it doesn't seem like it could sustain that much. Are these nano breweries? Are they much smaller than Alaskan Brewing Company? Yeah, I would say we're by far the largest, but I'd say many of them are, are, are uh, uh, brew pubs. Yeah, okay. And um, so, so there's there's quite a, um, um, a huge, diverse geographical spread. I mean, we're. We like to boast. Uh, if you cut Alaska into Texas, would be the third largest state. Got it. But the the thing is, is that we have breweries, uh, Father Snores Brewery in the in, in in the U.S., which is in Fairbanks, Silver Gulch. We've got um, breweries that do a really good job of uh, you know exploring different different uh, uh, Belgian styles. Uh, we have a number of different uh, breweries that can boast. Um, I think. Um, the unique attributes of the state, and so. Okay. The thing is okay. that I'd say most people in Alaska, I mean, enjoy um, entertaining and or to be entertained. Um, there's not a lot of things you can do in the land of the uh, midday night <laughs> uh, during the winter. <laughs> right. Uh, so enjoying people's company, having people over for beers or having potlucks. I'd say, you know, really in many ways, I think that. The social attribute of Alaska is that we enjoy each other's company, and we have to otherwise 
otherwise we'd go crazy. Another reason JP could not survive in Alaska, yeah. having to be social. <laughs> I don't need to move to Alaska to go crazy. No hockey. I like that, though. I think that's a great uh, way. Uh, by the way, you've got JP in here, Tasty's on the line, Chad, uh, who you might have spoken to, and Doc are all in the room, so they might have questions for you when we start talking about smoked malts, just so you guys know. How many barrels uh, were you brewing when you started back in the 80s? Um, the first year, we first well, first year, uh, 1986 when we started, um, we, were, we, were, we brewed like, I think, 25 barrels, but we brewed on like uh, and packaged on December 25th or something like that. I see. But the first full uh, year of operation was uh, 87, and we produced about 1,500 1, barrels. Okay. And I, I guess and, what I mean, was it instant success, too? I mean, did people really, and I just mean, did the community really take to your beer right away, or did you have to do some education? Well, I think uh, it was interesting. Again, back in 86, there weren't, it wasn't that uh, common for a small local brewery to start. I, I have to say one of the biggest hurdles we over, had to overcome was, first off, um, you're starting a brewery? <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as a small brewery. Um, yeah, yeah. But then also, oh, it's going to be local? Oh, great, it's going to be cheap beer. That's great. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's not going to be cheap. It's, actually, we don't have economies of scale. or you know, it's, it's, But what we're going to do is make beer with as much flavor as we can pack into the glass. And it'll cost a little bit more, but you will get more than your fair share of value out of it. Right. But I'd have to say that's the thing. As back then, it was really a, a different um, challenge. Today, I think uh, anyone on the street, literally anyone on the street, would understand that a small local brewery is going to be making something with huge amounts of flavor. Yeah. And it's not going to be cheap beer. It's going to be good beer. Right. So what then so, was your best-selling beer back in, oh, I don't know, 87, 88, after you had done it for a little while, when people started drinking? What, what was your what was your best-seller? Um, well, our best-seller was the only beer we made. Got it. <laughs> and it was, uh, got it, uh, uh, Alaskan Amber. Okay. But the interesting, that's an interesting story in and itself. Marcy was, like I said, a photojournalist. Photo so one thing that she did was look at, a lot of the old brew, you know, uh, memorabilia and advertisements, looking at something that could be kind of fun in the hospitality room as far as putting things on the wall. And what she ended up finding is that there was over 50 breweries in Alaska before Prohibition. Wow. And in Juneau at the time, which was a gold rush town, I mean, we had five mines operating concurrently, three of which were the largest, uh, of the largest 10 mines in the world, uh, the Treadwell, the AJ, and the Gastonal, uh, Perseverance. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that um, there's a whole bunch of history about the breweries in, in Juneau. They had interviews of the old brewmaster um, in the paper. We found a collector of memorabilia who actually had invoices of raw materials that were purchased by the breweries. Hmm. So we were ap- able to put together what we feel is a really close proximate approximation of, of the beer being served at the Douglas City Brewing Company uh, brewery, which is Douglas is a part of Juno. Okay. So the Alaskan Amber was based upon a historic recipe, and it was just we kind of backed into that. And uh, really, it, it's almost a testament because back 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 in 1910, when miners after working 10-hour days, six six days a week, they wanted to get not only a good beer. But they wanted a beer with substance, and it was a very full-bodied. Full um, it was a cold fermentation of an ale, 
the brewmaster had some trials and tribulations trying to keep everything warm during the winter um, for his ale ales. But what we ended up finding is, okay, so he's having a hard time keeping fermentation going. So actually what he's doing is essentially very similar to what an alt is. Yeah. So that's why we call our Alaskan amber an alt style, which is a cold fermentation of an ale. Um, but concurrent with that, he had a hard time getting his prized bohemian hop. Bohemian hop, sauce hops. Sauce hops is really the, 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 the name that you that hop would go go by today. Okay. Um, is what we use in the amber. But he was real frugal in its use because he had to get it from back in 1910 from Central Europe. Right. To Alaska. Oh, my God. So he had he he was real frugal in his use of the that hop. So our beer is much more malty, full bodied, cold fermentation of an ale, and that was our flagship. And we really didn't put out another product for a few years, as far as year round. Um, okay. We put out a seasonal beer, um, a smoked porter, um, in '88. Um, and um, so you started with but, that style right away. That's that's impressive. Back in '88, to go right for the smoked porter. Yeah, it was real soon after. We had a we had a, a neighbor across the street. We were kind of in the in the back uh, fields of, of Juno, so to speak. We were, uh, but across the street from us was a, a, a smokehouse that did uh, commercial smoking of fish. And during his winter months, when he would shut down his smokehouse and he would uh, clean it up, put it away, we would borrow it with his help to uh, smoke malt to make smoke porter. Okay. That's a great idea. Yeah. I, you know, the first thing I think of, though, when I think of smoking malts in a, in a fish, fish smokery, is you ever go to the beach and, and, get, and order French fries, and they give you French fries that they've deep fried in the same oil that they deep fry all the fish in, and your French fries taste like fish. Yeah. Uh, did you guys have fishy flavors coming through uh, in, in these early days of trying this fish smokery? <laughs> You did, didn't you? Your well, beer tasted like you had trout porter, is what you had. <laughs> Actually, you no know, salmon is is, a, is is in the trout family. Okay, there's, there's yeah. five salmon species. Trout and salmon are very related, very closely closely related. But yeah, I was close. Um, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> great. I have to admit, though. <laughs> I have to admit, though. You know, um, uh, early years of the GABF, we go, we go, and that was when the AHA and the GABF were together, and that was great times. I mean, really, when we had. The, the American Homebrewers Association national, you know, who, you know, hoorah for for the the best homebrewers getting their accolades. Uh, concurrently with the Great American Beer Festival, that was a hoot of a time. Yeah. Um, okay. But we would uh, we would we would bring smoked salmon and uh, uh, smoked salmon jerky, and we'd have a a, a a keg of smoked porter in the bathtub, and then we filled with ice with a whole bunch of this the smoked salmon, and we'd be eating it all night. And I have to admit, um, a lot of people would talk about uh, the Alaskan smoked porter tasting like salmon, and, and I actually would get very defensive. Really? Because we were so meticulous about making sure that that smokehouse was clean. Right. Uh, I tell you, it was, uh, every time I was like, this, this tastes like fish, and, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd get defensive. No, 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 this is what we did, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was years later. <laughs> you finally admitted it? I finally actually got enlightened. I see. By somebody um, who um, recently passed away, Greg Noonan. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Vermont. Yeah. Uh, what a, an amazing um, icon, but also what a, what a great fellow. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was interesting because 
I didn't. I hadn't met Greg, and somebody brought me a uh, a menu from the Vermont Pub and Brewery in Burlington. And there on the menu it said, uh, um, and this is like in, in um, oh maybe eighty nine ninety. Um, I think it was ninety nineteen ninety. The menu was dated, and there it said uh, we offer a smoke porter um, inspired by those folks at Alaskan Brewing Company who made the Alaskan smoke porter. And I was I was really kind of uh, kind of dumbfounded by that kind of graciousness uh, that he exhibited by saying, you know, he was inspired by somebody huh, across the continent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up going visiting with him, and, and I talked to him a bit about, about his experiences in smoked beer. And he, he had an interesting uh, story about he first made his beer with um, hickory smoked malt. And he said uh, um, his patrons would come to him and say, hey, did you throw a ham in this beer? <laughs> right. <laughs> I see. You he caught got, like, me. Really, he got defensive. He said, and he was telling me this, and I was like, "Huh? Yeah, I can relate." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says, "Well, he changed it, and then he went just using um, maple." Just, and he says that hickory was a little bit too. He said too harsh of a phenolic character. It really, kind of was a little bit too. Really, as I would say, negatively phenolic. Uh, he said, "But, but, um, but I used maple because I just want to get away from the ham thing." Right. And he says, "Lo and behold, people had asked me they about." Can- you throw sausage in it? <laughs> <laughs> maple, jeans, maple, you know, smoke sausage. Yeah. yeah. And Greg said, you know what it was? He said he finally figured it out. It was flavor association. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So yeah. your Alderwood, so your Alderwood yeah. was associated with uh, salmon, is that it? Yeah. Well, that's what people have right. only really tasted that from. Right. But now, you know, especially back then. But now, you know, we can yeah. probably differentiate the two. It's the same. It's the same wood that's used in smoked salmon here in the Northwest. Alder, alder smoked salmon, and it's alder smoked small that we use for the smoked porter. So yeah, uh, exactly. So you've always used alder wood. You've stuck with that. Yeah, yeah. It's a traditional wood up here that the uh, Native Alaskans use for smoking their fish, and so we use that as a historical tie-in to Alaska. Okay. And it's just a nice. It's a nice mellow smoke. Uh, not real overpowering, like Jeff said, with hickory. You know, you get kind of an oily almost taste to it. Um, so it really complements the beer without getting too harsh and having a burnt character. But, uh, yeah, you know, just about every year we go to JBF, and there's almost always somebody that asks how long we boil the fish in the kettle for. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Do you slap them? They, re- they recognize the smoked fish. I mean, they recognize that wood. Well, you know, the other comparison that uh, I hear that you must hear all the time is uh, is bacon, uh, is bacon beer. And, uh, you know, one thing I, I want to give you guys some, uh, you know, kudos about uh, when I go to GABF, I always look forward to a flight of smoked porter from Alaskan um, because you guys, you tend to bring several different years with you so that we can taste each one and kind of how they've aged and how they're different. And I really like to do that because they are very different. And some, uh, but anyway, as I'm doing that, I often hear people walking away talking not just about salmon, but about bacon. Um, (laughs) Is that just a natural, uh, another flavor association from smoke? I would say that's a positive phenol. That is a positive phenol, absolutely, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that I think... uh, um, Smoke as a, as a flavor component in foods is really now kind of you know unique and you know it's it, it's oh it's barbecue flavor or it's uh, on the grill or you know it, it's it's one of those things you 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 could probably say you could expect in certain foods but 
about 200 years ago, everything was smoked. Everything. I mean, you walk down any city street, you yeah. smelled smoke. Okay. And so there's, there's a difference now as compared to then. Um, uh, but, you know, I'd have to say that um, even some the, the classic old world uh, beers from Bamberg, um, Schlinkerla and Spezial, and there's there's a, like a, there's a there's a dozen breweries in and around Bamberg that have smoke flavored beers. Yeah. Um, there, of course, Beechwood is a traditional wood that they have in their smoked uh, malts, but its traditional use is smoked ham. There, in in that southern German kind of tradition, and same thing. I talked to uh, the proprietors and brewers at, at Schlinkerla, and they talk about the fact that they they often are accused of using ham. Got first, it. Now with Beechwood. Right, but ham in their in their brewing with the so. flavor association. Well, it's such a strong yeah. flavor character, um, which is why. And and this is this is really what we we want to get down and dirty with you guys about too. Is it's such a strong character to use and strong flavor to use in beer that it's also difficult to use because it can taste too much like a ham or salmon or yeah. or, or bacon. Well, next time uh, use a ham, and they might go. Did you is smoke? this hickory wood? <laughs> because I get some sort of. <laughs> it's a good idea. Well, our long-term goal is to have somebody eat a ham and say, "Hey, that tastes like smoked porter." Right there you go. <laughs> that would be my actually personal life goal too. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I think that's a great. That's a good idea. beer, and ham is great. Now, <laughs> did the locals take to the smoked porter right away? I'd think that they would if they're if that if that smoked salmon is kind of part of their cuisine. Uh, here now, there's this beer, whew, ready to go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I you know, I came along a little later after we'd already been brewing it uh, for a few years, and it was it was fun for me because we used to make a, a real limited amount of it because we only had a, a certain volume from the smokehouse before they had to go back to smoking fish. And so in our gift shop here, we used to have a sign-up sheet, and people would come in for weeks ahead of time trying to ask if the sign-up sheet was ready because they wanted to be at the top of the list to get their allotment of smoked porter for the year. Got it. I like and, that. I like that they're showing up early to be early to be notified <laughs> yeah i like that yeah yeah that's great and it was uh you know people would almost get frantic if they knew they missed the list and that they were at the bottom of the list and they might not get their allotment for the year and i think having the limited edition of it kind of piqued the curiosity of people and also made them really appreciate it you know that it was only going to come out once a year and it was uh uh you know, also held up really well, so they could store it for that year too. If they wanted, if they could handle not drinking it right away, they could store it and drink it through the year and have a have a nice uh, aperitif to go back to. Right. All right. Well, listen. Here's what I want to do. Uh, we we got into the smoked beers real real quick, and I want to keep doing that. And we've got two of them in our fridge. We've got the '07 and the '09. Um, I need to take a commercial break. If you guys can hang in there, grab yourselves a beer. By all means, are you drinking yourself smoked porters tonight? Uh, actually, I'm drinking winter ale. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I'm I'm deciding between we have a we have a spice golden, which is part of our what we call rough drafts, uh, which are kind of experimental beers here that we have our crew form groups to brew, and then also I have a winter ale. Yeah. And, and I, I'm I'm, I'm hard pressed to figure out which I'm, which I'm, which one I'm going to drink right now. I'd do the spiced golden. That sounds real good. <laughs> if he's going right for that. Yeah. Well, we've got a winter ale in our fridge also. We've got the Alaskan Amber in our fridge, and we've got the 07 and the 09 smoked porter. So what I'd like to do is take a break. We're going to go grab those smoked porters, and that way we can have them in front of us and start to talk to you about how you brew this beer, how you smoke the malts, and uh, if you wouldn't mind us picking your brain about how we could do it at home too. Okay. 
All right. So hang in there for just a second, everybody. You can join the chat room uh, by hitting the chat now button or call 888-401-BEER. That's how you ask questions of these guys. Everything smoked beer with Alaskan Brewing Company. Hang in there. We'll be right back. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate chip and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zalashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamel. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Hi. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby. I told her not to call me after 8. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? Set up, Doug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? If you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you know that. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. 
You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this, Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. (gasps) Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and craft Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting 3-Hearted Ale and the collector's item Super Alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Yeah! Welcome back to the program, everybody. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Alaskan Brewing Company, uh, straight out of Alaska. They're not in studio with us. But you can see what's happening in studio by going to justin.tv slash brewing network. If you had done that already, you would have just seen uh, Bevo and Sam making out. It was disturbing. They did it right here in front of everybody in the studio, and I wasn't happy about it, I'll tell you right now. But uh, hey, you folks at home, party. you folks at home might have been justin.tv slash brewing network. That gets you through to the webcam. You can see uh, Chad working hard right now in his Hartford Whalers gear. He's very proud of his his new hockey gear. And um, yeah. And uh, how long ago were the Whalers in Hartford? It was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a long time. That's why he's happy about his yeah. Hartford Whalers gear. But he's pouring us our Alaskan smoked porter. And we've got two different versions in front of us, uh, Jeff and Curtis. We've got the 07 and we've got the 09. I have three for some reason. You're just lucky. Oh, damn it. Now I got two. Or, or a thief. Both. Yeah. You guys still with us? Of hearts. Yeah. Yeah, we sure are. Just having a, we've got a little bit of a tough connection on on your side. Uh, we're cutting in and out, so if we uh, interrupt you, we apologize. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry about that. That could be uh, on, on my end. Uh, either that or it's those Alaskan phone lines that you have. I don't know. <laughs> They're going through Canada. Yeah, that's because they go through yeah. Canada. Exactly. Fucking Canadians. Got the Canadians listening yeah. in on it. <laughs> then he'd be hearing us in French, too. So. <laughs> right. Now, we, beat, we beat them in hockey, so they're kind of keeping an eye on us now. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Yeah. One out of two. Right. Yeah, not, the first not, time. Not when it counted, right? No. But they all come here for their paycheck, so, <laughs> you know. We still got it. Yeah, it's great to be from a country, but uh, when you actually want to get paid from what respected for what you do, I see. come to the U.S., baby. <laughs> we'll show you a good time. <laughs> show you a good time. Woo! Right. <clears throat> all right. So the smoked porter, same recipe every year, or does it change? Um, it's uh, uh, effectively the same recipe. Obviously, it's a natural ingredient. So the uh, the fun with the smoked porter and also why we put the vintage year on it is, you know, aside from the malts changing, um, we also have the alder wood that we get. Uh, it's uh, it's basically sawdust from alder alder wood, and every year is different just depending on where they cut the alder wood from when we get it from our supplier. Oh, and um, that kind of makes sense. You know, so some years you get a real intense smokiness. Some years not quite as much. Um, I think that's also a combination of the malt and how we prepare it. Um, the smokehouse itself has some variations, just 
you know, the time of year we smoke it, uh, if the outside weather's a little different, it uses a lot of outside air to bring into the smokehouse to cool it or to make the smoke. Um, and that can affect the temperatures on the malt, too. Hmm. Um, so, so every year we think we do pretty consistent, but it's always slightly different. And, uh, you know, even when we open up the wood chips and smell them, you can smell differences there, too. It totally makes sense. So do you do a pilot batch to maybe help uh, adjust the uh, for this uh, variability? Uh, no, typically we've not done that unless we make real big changes. Um, you know, a few years ago, the uh, the fish smokehouse that Jeff referred to that used to be across the street from us, they moved to downtown Juneau, and they were in the process of upgrading their smokehouse to a larger unit. And this smokehouse that they'd had would have been the same original one that we had always used. And in talking to some of the suppliers, uh, just a slight change in the smokehouse could have a huge change on the malt. So we decided to buy their smokehouse. <laughs> and um, so we bought the smokehouse, and we put it across the street in a... Uh, a separate area and cleaned it all up and got it ready for our use and just the you know just the process of getting it and changing how everything was piped and the ducting out the roof um and just our own handling of it changed things slightly but uh for the most part now i think we're more consistent because we're not dealing with the fish house having done changes during the year when we weren't using it that's but essentially the recipe is identical every year but, you know, like Chris said, you're dealing with a lot of, you know, these are single batches that are coming through, brewed one time. Hmm. And so, you know, there isn't the, 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 the sense of being able to follow the malts and being making adjustments based upon the fact that, you know, malt is a biological si- or sure. you know, a botanical system that you have to try to overcome its changes right. to be able to make consistent product. And it's always a new crop year, right? Because yeah. you only do it annually, so... We only do that annually. But the interesting thing, I have to say the most striking, I mean, when people ask us, is it the same recipe? Yeah, it is. Um, there are some subtle changes. But really, when people taste vintages year to year, yeah. the most remarkable change is time. Okay. And that probably overwhelms the differences that you maybe taste uh, from year to year if you could remember exactly yeah. what it tasted fresh like the year before. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because that's something I want to do right here with the staff. Uh, and, and, Chad, don't say it if nobody knows. Does anybody know which year you have in the glass in front of you? No, that's great. I was. You yeah, don't know. No, and, Tasty, no. you don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the only one who knows which year we have in front of us, right, is is, is Chad. You know I which, forgot. You know which no, one I'm you kidding. put in front of us. So I wanted to talk about that. Now that we know that the recipe is essentially the same, uh, well, at least in terms of, of additions and what you put in, uh, you've explained what, what the differences would be. Yeah. I'd like us to talk in here just a little bit, and then, and, and then Jeff and Curtis can help us. Uh, okay. Uh, which one do you think, is, JP, is the is the 2009 well, and the know. 2007? It's going to be hard. I mean, they're in different glasses, too. So, A, a, a BJCP-tested person like yourself Why are you laughing at yeah, can I knew overcome. Would say that are you guys, are well, you guys, if you put this to the, are you guys trying the, to, are you the guys same trying glass, to, it'd be a problem, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't know. Oh. We do it on Can You Brew It all the time. I can still tell with the different glasses. I'm just saying, how, you know, what, you don't think glassware uh, makes a huge difference in this? It, it does. On the aroma, for sure. Whatever. Hang on while we wrestle for a second, Jeff and <laughs> yeah. Curtis. Just, just give us a minute here. Why don't you guys sit there while we punch each other well, in the face? Yeah. That's what it feels <laughs> hey, like we, coming to work love, for me, okay? We love barroom fights from a distance. <laughs> yeah, from a distance. Right. It's very Canadian of you. Uh, well, obviously, in the tall hey. glass, is much more, it's got a much more reserved... Uh, uh, smoke flavor. 
The short glass. It's no, I'm getting early. the short glass as the more pronounced uh, smoke flavor. Maybe I, I agree with Tasty sure. on that one too. I think our tall glass is the reserved smoke flavor, and the short glass to me has more. I agree. More of a smoke flavor too. You get the opposite, JP. I get the exact opposite. All right, which is weird for me. Yeah, I do that all the time. On can- <laughs> I, now you're me on on the Canyon Brewery show. I'm always picking the opposite one. What about you, Doc? Uh, can you? Which one do you think uh, it, it has more smoke flavor? Out of the two, uh, it's tough. They're uh, both. They're both really close to the microphone. They're both smoky. Yep, it's a different smoke on both of them. So, judging by that, then tasty. Say, no, the tall glass has more smoke. You say the tall glass has more smoke. So you're with JP. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to change your uh, mind now that you know that you're with me? <laughs> Apparently, everybody hates me in this room. Let's make it 100. percent Only, only most of the time. Yeah, well. So then, which one, Tasty, would you say is the 07, and which one's the 09? Well, I would say the tall, i.e. Uh, more constrained smoke, would be the 7. Uh, primarily because the, the 9, or what I consider to be the 9, the short glass, uh, has much more uh, bigger malt presence, uh, yeah, which does. I'm associating with being younger. All right. It's a lot more fresher flavors, bigger maybe. Mouthfeel, yeah. Bigger mouthfeel, fresher flavors, a lot more going on there. Uh, okay. Things haven't started to fade. All right, which is not necessarily a bad thing. No. So, assuming then that that smoke flavor drops out a little bit, and that malt flavor would be a little more pronounced, that's why you would pick the short glass as the O nine. I don't know how the small glass and yeah, the O seven. Yeah, but I'm primarily for the malt. I'm, I'm saying that the nine is the short glass because it's maltier. And JP, would you say the opposite? Would would you say the tall glass is the O nine? Tall glass is the O nine. I get because uh, in the in the shorter glass, I get a little uh, almost a sherry oxidized thing. Uh, I get less um, less aromatic smoke, but kind of more smoke flavor. And in my opinion, um, that's kind of what happens to smoke beers over time. For me, is you get kind of less aromatics, but it ends up tasting. Still kind of kind of similar, whereas in the tall glass I get a lot, and it's like I said, it, don't laugh, but it's probably the glass because it's for me it's funneling okay that those kind of really aromatic flavors right into my face. Got it. I enjoy it a lot. All right, uh, Chad, which is which? <clears throat> so the small glass is the O seven. Got it. JP had it right. He's got it right. And the tall glass is the 09. I'm just saying that I am a BJCP. I don't know my rank yet. <laughs> but you're something. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, of it's some rank. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I mean, smoky is smoky. It's either it's on or it's off. It's no, it's, I don't think it's that restrained. You can't confuse yeah. it for something else. Very, is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like Do you, you mean that it, do, that, it, that it doesn't have more or less intensity? It's just there or not? Yeah, to me. Hmm. Yeah, see, I don't right agree there. with that. Yeah, Curtis and Jeff, what do you guys think uh, uh, about the way smoke ages, and is it either on or off, or, or can you change the intensity? Uh, well, I know me personally, I, I would agree with mo- most assessment there. You know, when it's when it's fresh and in the tank, even before we package it, it'll tend to have a sharper, acrid taste to it for me. Uh, uh, the smoke is obviously more fresh, but the maltiness hasn't balanced out with the smoke yet. And after about a year or two, the uh, you know you do get some of the sherry notes coming through, mm-hmm. and the malt tends to get a little. Uh, I don't know if it's the malt and the smokiness together get a little uh, sweeter, almost like a, a sugary sweetness too that faintly comes through in the malt. Yeah, and the smoke subsides a bit. Um, and to me, it gets more balanced. 
Um, the first year when it's fresh, I have a harder time drinking it than I do when it's a year old. Um, but I know other people that like it when it's really fresh because they want that dominant smoke character. The smoke up front. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that um, there's no question that, that smoke has a, um, um, a a life of its own in the beer itself. Um, and when people talk about vertical tastings, I, I definitely recommend that they, they go with the oldest first because it tends to be that the smoke character does step back a bit in its intensity. And smoke is such a dominating, almost saturating flavor. If you've heard, you know, I'm sure with the you know the venerated BJCP judges in the room. Um, oh, that's only singular, that, by the way. Just you know, <laughs> just <saying laughs> actually, just uh, actually, Curtis and I are BJCP rated. Oh, so, ah. all right. Well, good. <laughs> on, on the line. Yeah. My, so you know what it feels like. All right. <laughs> we got your back. Thanks. <laughs> probably got the But really, you know, yeah, you what, probably what got I think this thing, Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, gentlemen. No, but it's interesting. Uh, what in, in, in panels where you're you're asked to judge uh, in a homebrew setting, the, the, the smoke category that is to me the most difficult uh, judging job you can have, because smoke tends to saturate your palate. When uh, Ray Daniels and I went over to Bomber to do some research on writing the book about smoke flavored beers for the uh, the, the um, style style guideline series that yeah. the uh, Association Brewers put out. Yeah. Um, we discovered very quickly uh, with an experience where we went to one brewery and had these wonderfully intense smoke-flavored beers and then went to another one and kind of went, huh, sure don't get much smoke at all. Well, what, what had happened is our palate had become saturated. So we ended up committing ourselves each and every day we would go to a new brewery with a fresh palate to try their their beers, to be able to give them the best opportunity to showcase their interpretation of the smoke flavor, and I think that's what's what's, what's remarkable in this whole uh, in this whole uh, uh, category of smoked flavored beers for BJCP judges sitting down and trying to do it justice to the home brewer. I think what you have to do is really depend upon your nose to really kind of try to at least gauge a uh, an in, increasing intensity of smoked beers so you can start with a more subtly smoked beer to at least give that smoke character some chance hmm. because as you go up in the intensity in, in the beers you can't go back right. so in the beers before us i always recommend when you're doing a vertical tasting of the last smoke quarter start with the oldest beer and go to the youngest because the youngest will have more of an intense smoke character all right. Um, Great advice. And even with these two beers, you can really feel it sticking around on your palate, can't you? That's just, great. Just with both of them, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It's a bit of a meal. It tastes like, you know. Yeah. So a, so how many fish do you put in the mash tub? Is it? <laughs> that, was, that was a middle finger just for you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put the bacon in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so... Yeah, I love these guys. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, <laughs> well, no seven. We only put two fish. No nine. We put three. Yeah. Jeff, Secrets. Now, Jeff, they're small fish. They're small fish. Oh. <laughs> Jeff's going to invite you hunting in Alaska with him, JP. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, so help no, but, uh, us uh, learn how to do it a, a bit, if we could, um, from a from a brewer's perspective. Um, 
And let's start with using smoked malts, because a lot of our listeners aren't going to smoke their own, although I will maybe pick your brain about that, too. But so in, in using smoke, smoke malts, uh, you know, what's a good starting point? How do we figure out uh, uh, what kind of malts to use, how much of them to use, um, what beers to use them in? Obviously, you guys chose a porter. Um, maybe just some guidelines about how, as, as home brewers, we could do this. Um, you know, I think smoke as an accent, even if you use too little of smoke-flavored malts, um, it can add a wonderful um, complex accent. So I, I, I tend to say when you start, I think everybody that wants to make a smoked beer really wants to make a statement, which is, you know, obviously I think uh, that's the beauty of being able to do it at your home. You can do what, what commercial breweries sometimes are intimidated to do. You can do something spectacularly intense. But in smoke, that is one flavor that if you do too much of, it will, it will not be good. So I would tend to say if you're making your own smoked malt, Make enough where you can what you would think would be enough for multiple batches, and then then be restrained the first time you use it. Um, that'll give you an idea when you've made one batch of smoked malt. That'll give you a, a good grounding of what intensity you have in that smoked character uh, attribute. Um, there are breweries that will use 100% of their malt is smoked flavored malt, but you taste that malt and it's really subtly smoked. Okay, I've okay. had. And I don't know if, if you know some of the, the the people that remember the first time that uh, peat smoked malt was available in the U.S. I went to the actual uh, uh, maltster in Aberth, uh, Scotland, that made it, and the first batch they sent over was a malt they used for uh, um, certain scotches, but they said uh, they sent over the, their most intense smoked malt, and I remember homebrewers saying that even if they used 1% of their malt charge, their grist, was this peat smoked malt, 1%, yeah. and it would be overwhelming. I believe it. Since then, the, 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 the peat smoked malt is now medium or low as far as from the, the manufacturer. Um, but I'd say the peat, peat smoked malt is very fairly unique and different. Uh, it has a different character than what would be more typical of, of what I would say would be you know, your, your traditional wood smoked malts. I would t- I would tend to go five to ten percent max, and then you can always up it next time around. Um, yeah, you can't take it away. Yeah, yeah. And I've had uh, you know I've had a, a guy told me one time that he smoked all the malts and the hops, and his beer turned out great. But I don't know how heavily he smoked them. You know, it just depends yeah. on the smoke. Obviously, if it was great, he did it lightly. See Chad's wheels yeah, turning when you yeah. hear smoked hops. <laughs> Chad wanted to smoke. He, he, he honestly had that question about smoking hops too. Uh, Not out of a pipe or anything, but <laughs> yeah. I was going to say if it's not out of a pipe, they, they have a very interesting aroma. Only <laughs> right. for medicinal use, so right. <laughs> Give you a headache. Um, so, but I, I've, you know, you, I've talked to some of the guys. Oh, sorry. Um, I've talked to some of the guys that do it. You know, and it really depends on the wood too. Um, you know, I had a, a great hickory smoked amber from Otter Creek many years ago like 14 years ago and it was incredible but if you weren't ready for it you know it left kind of this oily smoky taste at the back of your palate um so i think somebody that was new to it it might have been a little offensive but i really liked it um and i've had other people you know they use applewood or anything like that that's lighter in a lighter beer you're probably better off with with that than a uh 
heavier uh, hardwood. Um, and I've done a, you know, we did one here, a fellow brewer and I here at the brewery that we did a, uh, a red ale with a little bit of our alder smoked. And we had to be really light with the touch on it because it really overdid it and you got a phenolic character almost tasted like the beer was off instead of coming through the nice smokiness. Right. So I, I, like Jeff said, I think you really need to experiment with it depending on what, you, what style you're really looking for. Yes. You know, it was interesting. I remember uh, having a, a beer that was made by a, a fairly well-known home brewer, um, Charlie Papazian, and he Who? had used that original peat-smoked malt, and he had used, it was something like 20% oh. of his grist. And he said, I could not drink it, but it kept the bottle. Yeah. And we had like a, a 15 or 20-year-old bottle, and you know what? He said, it's actually now palatable. Oh, wow. <laughs> So there but, you but go. Just wait long, twenty years for it to drop more out. More time. That's wow. Well, you know, um, but it goes to show. I think it's, that's that's the interesting thing. Um, and you know, the, I have to say, when we first made our smoke porter, we we didn't think you know anything other than it's best when fresh. But after a number of years of going back and tasting these older beers, we we started thinking that this this might not necessarily be. You know, applicable to here a fairly low alcohol beer. I mean, we're talking six point five percent alcohol okay. is the smoke pork. And and so I got a, a group of people together. Charlie Papazian was in the room. Uh, Fred Eckhart was there. Um, Tom Daldorf. Uh, let's see, Ed Lapero from Ball Corporation. We had a number of other brewers all in the room, and, and we did a little vertical tasting. This is back in oh, Michael Jackson was there. Um, wow! But this is back in good group in ninety. 93, 94, yeah. and I asked them, what do you think about these older beers? And and um, actually, it had to have been 92, because uh, that's when um, they, they basically said, no, these, these beers are, are great with age. Okay. And Michael Jack made a suggestion. He said, you know, what you might want to think of doing is not filtering the beer, leaving maybe some yeast in the bottle. Uh, and so in 93, it was the first year that we decided not to filter it's just uh, settled in the tank and then and packaged uh, unfiltered. Huh. Um, and so that was the beginning of when we said, okay, we're going to make these vintage dated, and we're talking about having a library. And you had just referred to uh, some of the vertical tastings we've done, I think, Justin, in GABF. Yeah. Um, and we have in our library here vintages that go back to 93. Um, and so for us, we, we, we like that platform to talk about beer in a different way uh and you talk you know when you when you when you refer to how the, how did the, the locals uh um um take the first year's smoke porter mm-hmm. it was shocking for some <laughs> i mean they were already kind of challenged with the amber <laughs> i mean right i'm amberly uh, challenged <laughs> right yeah. yeah this is the 80s i mean we're talking 1980 19 you know 90 and so the smoke porter was like for some, they loved it. Some, oh man! Yeah. Some, it was the third horseman of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this <laughs> this is what I put in my engine if I ran out of a ten W forty. But uh, no, so um, um, but I think the interesting thing is is really uh, the the dynamic character of the fact that you have a low alcohol beer that can take age really is an attribute to the smoke. Smoke's been used for for many 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 eons to preserve foods. Why? Yes, it's part of the process of maybe drying out the food a bit, which tends to preserve it, but it's also the impartation of all those smoke compounds, which are um, 
by the, their nature, uh, preservative. Many phenolic compounds, uh, glycol, eugenol, but there are more uh, phenols than, than I mean, I, there's 50 that could be in smoke, along with many other compounds. But that's one thing about the smoke uh, process, process that I think the homebrewers should be aware of. Yeah. Is there's ways to do it safely and, and does with it, some health attributes. And I don't, I don't ask this to be a dick, I really don't, but does it cover up other flavors too? I mean, when you talk about it as like a food preservative, is it not just actually preserving but maybe even covering up other bad flavors that would have come up in food? You know, it could be. It could very well be. You know, it's. You make a good point here, and I'll just say that that while I think a lot of people don't necessarily like fish, yeah. You know what? I give them smoked king salmon, and I have yet to find anybody who doesn't like it. I agree I mean, with you a hundred percent. I'm one of those people. Yeah. And it could it could very well be that fish flavor. You know, it's a subtle and it, it's a unique character, but. Some people don't like it. Well, but you, you all of a sudden throw in smoke, and all of a sudden it, the whole thing is changed. Right. And maybe people love it. That, that is an attribute. But I think uh, the, the, the health attributes, what I want to get, get to is when they smoke, when anybody smokes malt, I really suggest you try to keep the ash off the malt. Hmm. Um, that, those compounds that come from ash um, on your steak or hamburgers, you know, they talk about it being carcinogenic. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's the ash that's causing it, mainly. Uh-huh. Uh, and those are the... Uh, Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, and you, if you can just make sure you not get a whole bunch of ash on your malt, you're 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 home free. And that's the nice thing about using a commercial smokehouse; they're made for commercial preparation of foods, and for us, that's real important. And that's what ensures that 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 characteristic doesn't come into play on our malt. Um, but okay. I'd say, as far as the um, um, the wonderful thing about uh, this beer is is that even at a low alcohol, you can have some longevity, and that's the fun part of it, is to brew a big batch, and then a year later brew another big batch and compare them. And, you know, it's just fun to watch the beer continue to develop. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so what about types of malt to smoke? And, you know, so the common one for home brewers right now, you already brought it up, is, is peat malt. Uh, yep. You know, we go get peat malt and put it... I hate it. I, I, almost any amount yep. of peat malt in a beer, to me, uh, tastes like medicine. And it, it tastes Great. like a Band-Aid. So I, I almost yep. always assume that the beer's infected. I always have to ask before I insult somebody yep. if they've put peat malt in their in their beer. Or if their Band-Aid fell off. <laughs> right, yep. which is also <laughs> likely. Yeah. So uh, yep. what kind of smoked malts are... What are, what are you smoking for your beer? What What can we do? Kush. <laughs> I, well, I mean, you're asking us. I mean, we, we use alder, um, but I'd say um, oh, you use uh, alder wood, right? But what what malt are you smoking with? Is that the, so? It's peat wood smoking some kind of malt. Is, yeah. Just so I'm understanding this, or it's alder oh, wood smoking uh, some si- kind of malt. And are you are you smoking your your base malt? Is it your two row? What do you what do you smoke? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, we 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 we, we tend not to get into our, our our recipes specifically. You jerks! Um, oh, but but I can but, I can envision their lawyer right behind them going now now now. I think yeah, I hear yeah, her yeah, back yeah. there. Interview over. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know what? Go ahead. There are some obvious malts that you you should not use. Okay. Um, um and that is crystal malt and mm-hmm. possibly dextrin malt. Um, 
because one part of the smoking process, really, the way smoke deposits on malt is it's actually kind of a condensation. Hmm. Um, when when you, you smoke the malt, it's best to dampen it, just like as if you were traditionally malting the barley, which is now sprouted, it's moist, and now you're going to kiln it over direct-fired wood. Yeah. That cool malt that's damp is being dried. But in that process of that, that moisture coming off the malt, it is, it, is, it is noticeably cooler than the environment. And so what happens, just like condensation on the, on the windshield of your car in the, in, in the winter, uh, when your breath comes and hits the windshield, is analogous to the smoke hitting the malt that's cool because it's, it's, it's damp and being dried. That condensation is what's having the malt all of a sudden carry the smoke and grab it. Okay. So, so, so that's one attribute. The other thing is, is that smoke, most of these smoke compounds are somewhat what they call miscible or, or soluble in water, and that is what is allowing that um, fleeting phenol escaping out that whisk of your, of, your, of your barbecue all of a sudden to get captured and put to bed on the malt. Okay. It's the moisture that grabs it, but it's the coolness that condenses it. So, if you use crystal malt and you dampen it, you have essentially caramelized sugars. You're going to have a sticky mess. <laughs> Got it. So you don't want to use caramel malt. Okay. I would have to say that, that again, because you're using uh, water to dampen, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, coloring compounds, colored compounds in, in, uh, in uh, the highly roasted malts, the chocolate malts, uh, the black patents and the like, you, you, again, you're going you're gonna to see, you know, much of that bleeding out. I'd be looking at more of your base malts um, um, because they have, they have essentially the, you know, essentially they're, they're acting as if you are dampening the grain as if it were malt, just finished its sprouting process, ready for killing. Okay. And then you're exposing it to the wood smoke. Yeah, and um, something, something to keep in mind too. I, you know, like Jeff said, with the with the moistening of the grain, I've talked to people that have smoked malt without wetting it at all, and then they're always flabbergasted that it didn't pick up too much of the smoke character, or it ended up just burning. And um, you know, there's also a trick to making sure the wood is not too wet or dry, also because uh, what we do in our smokehouse is you want to wet the wood so it smokes nicely and doesn't actually catch on fire. Um, Good idea. Then you can get Pardon? Good idea. Not yeah. having a fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah just for safety sake. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's no ash then. Yeah, it's hard to keep the ash off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes the black malt real quick that way. <laughs> That's true. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's um, when you get the uh, wood just right, you won't get this burnt uh, kind of, it, it changes the smoke quite a bit. And, hmm. and even with our commercial smokehouse, you really have to go to a lot of extra effort to make sure the wood is is moistened just right because you know we get a bag of wood chips and sometimes it's really wet right off the tree and sometimes it's really dry and it'll smoke totally different you know mm-hmm. you might go through a, you know for us like a 55 pound bag of wood chips you might go through it in one smoking or it might last two if you don't wet it enough okay. uh, or vice versa you know um so that's so that's a big part of it um but the lighter malts do seem to do better and and the other thing with the moistening is you know you gotta be careful you don't get it super wet so you're not going to soak it for a long time because the kernels will plump up and the husks might fall off. All sorts of things will start going wrong. Um, and 
you know that'll that'll affect how it smokes too. Okay. Um, and you, you know if you, if your smokehouse is too hot, we always worry about you know are you going to start converting the malt after you soak it because you're basically you could create a mashing program. Um, so you also want to be careful you don't let your smokehouse get the malt real hot too after it's gotten wet because it could converting start converting with the enzymes. Hmm. Have you guys and, uh, have you had that happen? Have you ever used a, a, a malt that you found was wow? It's already converted. I mean, I guess I would. How would you know? Uh, what would what taste was it? Maybe. Despite well, eating well it, the nice yeah. thing that we have Maybe. though, again, you know, uh, we 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 have the really unique uh, situation where we have a computer controlled smokehouse. So we we've always been mindful of mashing temperatures, mindful of those issues. So we've always avoided them. Got so it. I guess we've never had the unfortunate experience of all of a sudden uh, entering into the smokehouse and seeing this gooey <laughs> right. blob <laughs> right. looks staring at us. But an but, excellent um, point that it other, could happen. Yeah. But the other things that I, I'd watch out for, too, one of the major uh, um, uh, constituents of, of pyrolysis that comes from you know the burning of wood is acetic acid. Uh, okay. That is probably, besides carbon dioxide and water, uh, acetic acid is way up there in in its concentration level. Not necessarily close to CO two or water, but but it's of all the compounds that come out that have a flavor, acetic acid is a very prevalent one. So now you have wet malt, and you have acetic acid. It will go into the malt. So part of the process that I really definitely have experienced when I was making real small batches of smoked malts to try straw, try corn cob, try uh, there's a whole bunch of different pecan uh, chips, pecan shells. I've tried a whole bunch just just to get an idea of the different types of smoke characters. Mm-hmm. Acetic acid will will build up on the malt, but if you can dry that malt at the end, and if you're doing it on a homebrew basis, take the malt after you've you know finished smoking it, put it on a, a flat pan, put it in the, uh, I'd say in, in an oven, open door open door oven, put it at 200 degrees, and let it sit there and just dry for an extended period until when you taste it. It crackles, so that it's not hmm. you're not you're not trying to toast it. You're just trying to dry it. That'll drive off the acetic acid. Because okay. I have had batches of beer on a homebrew basis uh, where I could tell acetic acid. Oh my God, where'd that come from? And it's obvious it's from it's from the What's acetic acid picked up from from the, the smoke. Got it. Hmm. All right. And then the other thing too, hmm. you go back to if if a brewer is going to sit there and make enough smoked malt to do multiple batches, you want it to be. Sh- Stable, so so you're going to have to make sure that you don't have moisture enough there that you could have mildew or anything else growing. And so, are you using this malt right away after the smoking, or is this do you kind of let it sit for a couple days? How do you manage that, and do you kind of pick up certain things from you know day old versus two week old? Uh, well, with our malt, we we let it sit about uh, five to six months, um, and that kind of came out of just how the smokehouse worked with the fish processing. They were really quiet in the winter so january february they'd have nothing going on and we didn't brew our smoke porter till july august and so we set this stuff around and it and you know like jeff said we dry it out so it's below 10 percent moisture in the malt and it's very stable it's just basically you're taking it back to being the standard malt and you can store it indefinitely um you know we've we've had some malt that's been three years old before that we've tasted and it actually holds up really well it will lose some of its smoke character as it ages that's something to be aware of but once you dry it if you get it down to where it's crunchy it's uh, very stable and we still you know once we bought our own smokehouse uh we basically did the same thing um and uh you know we actually we're smoking right now 
um, this week and the last two weeks. So we, we kind of we got to the point where we have this new smokehouse and we decided, well, let's keep with the pattern we've always had. We'll smoke it and let it sit for four or five months and then use it. Um, for one, it gives us a backup. If something goes wrong with the batch, we've got plenty of time to correct it. But also we wanted to, uh, we were kind of worried that the malt when it was fresh might have a little too accurate of a taste to it. So maybe it changes, you know, just as it oxidizes sitting in the bag. Um, so we stayed with that. But, you know, you could use it right away. But, uh, you know, even if you're going to use it the next day, I would suggest you still dry it like just, yep. just to get rid of that mm. that vinegar possibility. Gotcha. Yeah. Or make a Flanders red. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and you, you asked about styles. What do you use it in? And I have to say, that's what's what's great about you know the home, home brewing community. I mean, I think um, you know, regrettably, in today's society, I think a lot of people don't think about what they eat or what they what they drink. Uh, they just you know they just eat to live and drink to drink. And uh, I think home, the home brewing and the craft brewing segment really do think about all those various flavor associations. So you're right. Maybe in Flanders Red, you wouldn't want to dry it out totally. <laughs> I mean, that may be fun. Um, but also, um, you know, you, you talk about some of the, uh, you know, we, we talked about how the, that sweetness of the malt with older beers could uh, maybe help balance some of the, 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 the intensity of the smoke. Oh, obviously, there's m- many beers that are real malty in character, fresh. They don't have to wait for age to take care of the hot bitterness, because that's one attribute of age that diminishes on the the, the the hot bitterness over time, which then kind of puts malt in the forefront. Um, but there are many beer, you know, whether it be barley wines or scotch ales. Uh, scotch ales, for example, you know, many people thought scotch ales, oh, that's, obviously that's where smoked malt always has been. Well, Greg Noonan, he wrote the uh, the uh, style guideline on, on scotch ales, and he said, no, there wasn't a lot of smoked malt in scotch ales. That's kind of an Americanism. Well, that's fine. Um, but I, I think you, you, I, I think you can apply your own thought process as to what would be um, a great um, beer style to put in there. Um, okay, I have questions come through about that and what what you what styles you have chosen too. Um, I'm going to get to our listener questions in a second. I want to do. Let me do a little recap here, and let me see if I've understood. Because you guys have taught me a lot. I think. In fact, even when you said that that some brewers have used 100 percent of their malt has been smoked, uh, but you've but they've made fine smoked beers. That kind of blew me away. I didn't understand all of the of how smoked malt can be used. So let me just try to recap a little. You guys can help me out here. So uh, first of all, is that. Uh, uh, it sounds like we should be using our base malts if we're going to be smoking them ourselves. I think kind of said, uh, not specifically, but uh, your base malts are probably the ones that you smoke. And then, of course, there are different kinds of wood that you can use to smoke them. Both the wood and the malt should be wet. I mean, the wood, you, you wet a little bit because you need to get smoke out of it. The malt, you wet a little bit because you're saying that the components of smoke stick to the moisture on the malt. Well, you need wet wood. You always need wet right. to smoke. <laughs> All right. So, and then you also need the wet malt because that's what sticks to the malt. Um, and then after the fact, you need to dry out that malt. Um, yes. Otherwise, you will get the uh, the acidic factor. Right. Um, two hundred degrees. I like that. <clears throat> two hundred degrees yeah. in an oven. Yeah. Couple of hours. You said. Did I get that right? Yeah. Just. I mean, but you can you can go in there. Just kind of stir it around, and then just pop a couple caramels in it. Thick, real crunchy. Then then they're dried. And, and I would be careful about, you know, watch your malt, too, because they might dry faster. We've, you know, you have to be careful you're not toasting the malt either. So if 200 
seems too hot for the malt you have or if it's really wet and it's taking a long time to dry out, I'd get, I'd go even down like 150, 170. And longer. And yeah. longer. Then yeah. keep the door open. You don't really want it to be. You want the air to move around is the whole idea. Yeah, I would just take some of the uh, original malt and, and when they're the crispness is the same, then you're done. Yeah, yeah. Also, unplug all of your smoke detectors in the house because uh, <laughs> you might want to do that. Yeah, well, you want to go ahead and uh, yeah. you want you want it to smoke a little bit, right? That's, is that a smart yeah. idea? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or do it on the back porch. <laughs> back yeah. porch is better. Much smarter idea. <laughs> all right, so I think we've got those those kind of basics. Uh, you did say to use it sparingly. Although for some reason, I'm really intrigued with smoking everything, but just smoking it a little bit. I don't know. I like this idea uh, that, that you've just mentioned. Um, but otherwise, if we were to heavily smoke a malt, then we would want to use it pretty sparingly in our beer um, once we've done it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now that we have a little recap, a little idea of how we can do it, how we can use it. Uh, of course, there are different types of woods to use. Uh, you guys use alder wood. Uh, many people use the peat smoked uh, malt, uh, I, which I, I hate. Um, uh, what other kinds of woods have been used? Uh, Jeff, you said you've experience, uh, experimented with, with quite a few different ones. I would you know, some of the fruit woods really have a lot of appeal. You know, Chris, you mentioned apple. I'm, those are apple and cherry. I've talked to brewers that have used those oh. and really liked them, uh, especially blended together. Um, hickory, I, you know, I, I've talked to some guys that have used it. It's good, but it's kind of like peat. It's uh, really in moderation, and you can really overdo it really quickly. And it's a very harsh smoke that tends to linger. Uh, I'm like you. I, I usually can pick out peat, even if it's one kernel of grain in a beer. I just don't care for that phenolic yeah. character. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, beechwood, real common in, in Bomberg when Jeff and Ray went over there. That was very common over there. And that tends to be a little more subtle wood. I've had Bomberg malts that you can buy commercially. They're pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And that's in the, the Rash beer style? Is that, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I had a wheat beer, wheat beer made with um, um, uh, mesquite smoked malt, mm. and it's interesting because uh, we, you know there's traditional wheat beer, so it had a glycol kind of phenolic character. The glycol is a specific type of uh, phenol that's indicative of, of many of the uh, traditional Bavarian, you know, wheats. Um, but I, it just seemed to me that the, the the mesquite had also kind of a glycol character. So it was like, really, it was in your face, big time, that particular phenolic character, um, unique. So, I, you know, I, I'd leave it up to people. If you're really familiar with the wood and it's indigenous to your area, my goodness, you already have a leg up because you kind of know the foods that it's it's used in, and you could probably, you know, use what's local. I'm, I think that's a neat thing about what, you know, when Marcy did a lot of the research in breweries in Alaska before Prohibition, uh, our amber is based upon historic recipe. Uh, the, the winter ale we're drinking right now is using spruce tips from Captain Cook. He was brewing uh, on the inside passage looking for that north passage, uh, which now is opening up, regrettably, because of climate change. But um, So I think using what's local would be also kind of fun for, for, for everyone in the homebrewing community to sit there and Look at what's in your backyard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not if you live where I live in Pacheco, because it'll give you cancer. But yeah. everywhere else in the country, yes, <laughs> use what's in your backyard. Yes, please do. Yeah. And I think that's great for advice for someone like uh, maybe Bevo, who's only really smoked one wood. 
<laughs> the, the newlywed. That wasn't bad, JP. That was okay. I worked I, on it for like you did. five minutes. Really? Because I thought it was stupid. <laughs> Fifa well, thought it was yeah. stupid. Go put your Harry Potter costume on. All right. How about this? I uh, I've got some questions from our listeners in front of me. I need to take a quick break. What I'd like to do is do that, come back, ask you questions from the listeners, and then talk a little bit about your sustainable brewing practices. Can we do that? Sure, you bet. All right, beautiful. So quick break. Hang in there. It's the session. We're hanging out with Alaskan Brewing Company and having a great time talking about smoked beers, smoked malts, enjoying a couple of their smoked beers. I've got their winter beer in the fridge still, too. Plus, uh, oh, we got it out. All right, so we'll get to that. Listener beer to taste at the end of the show, and we're going to talk a little bit about sustainable brewing. Ever heard of a mash press? Alaskan uses one. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. There's an app on the iPhone for just about everything, including beer, apps for finding a pint of beer, apps that look like you're drinking a pint of beer, and now there's an app for brewing a pint of beer. Introducing BrewPal, the most all-inclusive beer brewing app for professionals and hobbyists that fits in your pocket and goes wherever you do. Recipe formulation that can be imported and exported with a customizable database. Mash and sparge calculations, yeast pitching rates, carbonation tables, and more. Available right now for less coin than a pound of grain. See BrewPal in action at brewpal.info and download it for your iPhone at a special introductory price right now. BrewPal, all the brewing software you need right in your pocket. 
When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot, and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Welcome back to the session, everybody. Hanging out with Alaskan Brewing Company. We got Jeff and Curtis on the line with us talking smoked beers. Join the chat room. Hit the chat now button. You can hang out with Bevo in there. You can go to justin.tv slash brewing network and see Sleepy Doc and Angry JP all on the webcam. Fuck you. <laughs> see? Yeah. God damn it. I was happy and waving. Ah, Shut up. Bevo's nice. Bebo's the nice one in the room. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. <laughs> no, but I could be. All right. That's enough out of you two. It's like kindergarten in here sometimes, Tasty. Oh, you got to, like, manage it. Like, oh, uh, I got, I've got esteemed guests on the line from Alaska. They're not even from the same country as we are. And you two are <laughs> going off the like, same time zone. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dark there now. Dark and you here. two talking like that. <laughs> it, it's been dark since 11 a.m. where they are. And they got to listen to you guys bicker all day? Been yeah. up all night. I'm sorry, JP. Shut up. <laughs> How does that work, Jeff and Curtis? It, is, it has been dark there for a long time, hasn't it? In the winter, it gets dark in the middle of the day? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we're not as bad as Anchorage and Fairbanks where they're further up north, but uh, it's still, you know, in the winter, it'll get dark about 3, 3.30, something oh. like that. But not like nighttime, uh, like, like a dusk, right, or something like that? Oh, uh, no, in the winter, it gets very dark. dark. Oh, really? Uh, Oof. Yeah, yeah, extremely dark. Um, but the nice thing in the summer, we get the opposite effect, where then it is like dust from about midnight to 4 a.m. right around in there. Oh, see, I can, can dig on that. Oh. A lot of golf. Oh, yeah? That what, I can is do. That your, is that your bag? That's my bag yeah. right there. That's I like the cut of that jib. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> score, uh, score a lid and just dig all over that thing. <laughs> but uh, you think you're depressed now, JP. Imagine uh, being in the dead of winter in Alaska. It's dark at 3 you See, don't like mind that. It. You'd be playing World of Warcraft anyway. I don't mind it. I just get depressed when I realize how nobody likes me. <laughs> I see. But you go up to Alaska and have nobody like you. <laughs> no, nobody likes you up in Alaska. Yeah. Well, I can make snowmen and have friends. And That's true. Have a snowman <laughs> tea party. Yeah. All right. Okay. They're about as cold as the people I know. 
All right, fellas, I've got questions for you from the chat room in front of me, and some good ones, I might add. <laughs> which, which is a switch. Which doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's a good topic for our listeners. They like to know about uh, smoking beers. Uh, okay, October in the chat room wants to know if you guys have used smoke malt in other beer styles other than porter. And if so, what were they? And what did you learn about that use? That's three questions. Yeah, um, it's loaded, um, huh? Me personally, me personally, I mentioned earlier, we did a, we did a red ale, with, but we used our Alderwood. Um, and uh, it turned out really well. Like I say, the biggest thing we found out was just not to get too heavy-handed with it. The darker beer of the porter... Um, could stand up to the stronger smoke, but the lighter beers you really had to have a deft hand to it. Um, and you also didn't want to get too light or it tasted like an off flavor in the beer, um, at least in that beer. Um, we've had some people try uh, a pale ale, um, and they did pretty well with it, but the same thing there, you just have to be really careful with it. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think that's about all we've tried with um, that I can recall. Okay. But... Yeah, just just the lightness of the beer can really overdo it with them all. All right. The Todd in the chat room um, wants to know if you've experimented with hard or soft water as far as smoke uh, beer goes. Uh, He says one of his favorite smoke beers had no harshness to it, and the brewer told him uh, he had attributed that to using soft water in the brew. So what do you think about water chemistry in, in, in a smoked beer? Well, I would say one thing that, well, um... One thing to be really careful of in water chemistry would be um, chlorination, because if if you happen to have uh, chlorinated water from your tap and you use that, because of course you have phenolic compounds in smoke, chlorinated phenols, uh, Band-Aid, are a thousand times more perceptible. Here you have a host of phenols. You want to make sure to use distilled water for Anything that's going to touch the the uh, your 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 uh, not only your smoking process but also the mash. Um, um, I'd say you know the hard hardness and softness would be very very impactful on obviously the uh, the style that you're brewing. Um, we have very soft water, so we're kind of like in a default mode. We we are using soft water because that's our water source. Okay. Um, so I don't have any experience on the hard hard water side. Yeah. Yeah. Nick. So you did say like did you, you recommended distilled water for the match. I would because you know, um, unlike you always want to you always want to be careful about chlorination in, in in your in your beers. But most beers don't have a lot of phenols. Smoke beers, you're going to have phenols. Okay. So if you have any chlorine, you're going to have chlorinated phenols. That's really going to be an off character. It's very easily. Uh, going to taint your beer. So I would recommend starting with as pure water as you can. Um, distilled, you, if you can remove the chlorine, some chlorine, chlorine yeah. sources in valleys are easily moved with uh, like car- uh, carbon filters. And then, I mean, so. we would then build it with, with minerals or salt, or you don't, you're not even talking about building the water. Are you, are you saying just use it distilled? Yeah, you, you you could build up you could build up the mineral content to whatever you want. Okay, but I just oh. be real cognizant of of the chlorine. That way, you're guaranteed no chlorine. Okay. Now, that's something that we have to be concerned with here, don't we, Tasty? Isn't sure. our EB? I mean, I, I'm just going by the tap water, which is you know it's what we're brewing with, uh, and our EB mud water uh, it it changes day to day. But sometimes I can smell that chlorine. Sure, and and so I'm wondering if if just a carbon filter. Which is all we use generally here is not enough to get that chlorine out of out of the water. 
Um, well, and there's yeah, and there's certain types of chlorine that they use. Some some municipalities where the carbon filters won't remove it, or it takes a lot longer to the, remove it. The chloride. So yeah. It really, really depends on your city water. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I know a lot of people boil it. You know, homebrewers to get the chlorine out. I'm not sure if the other type of chlorine that's used will boil out. Right. You might know. I'm pretty sure the other type of chlorine in our water is cancer yeah. in here. In, in Those are chlorides. <laughs> they, they don't, precip- they don't uh, I see. filter out, but they will precipitate. But you know, Good. And for as much as you need to smoke a small batch of malt like in a home smoker, you might be better off just to go and buy a jug of spring water from the store. That's what you're saying. It's not, you know, it's not like you need tons of gallons to, to wet the malt. You just need a little bit, and then right. at least you'd be safe knowing that you didn't have to remove anything. Okay. All right. Uh, another uh, monsters and pie in the chat room uh, wants to know: What do you think of using smoked malts with Belgian yeasts? Uh, those two phenolics together. I guess they want your opinion on how you think that would play out. I think that's a very good question. Yeah. Yes. All right. I think uh, it'd be worth uh, a batch or two. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting. You know. Um, I think we've all we've all probably experimented with different flavors where individually they worked really well together, and then you put them together and they clash. It, just, it didn't work. And other times when two flavors that you like all of a sudden they they, they add together and they add just you know they add a tremendous complementary note to each other. So you'd almost have to try it. Um, the it depends upon the the, the 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 family of phenols that are that are being. Um, um, Exposed with the Belgian beer, uh, I think. As far as the, I, I think you have to try it. Um, like like yeast and fermentation temp probably would be two big ones. I would imagine, right? Yeah, no question. I mean, you you can definitely get different um, uh, intensities. Uh, the higher the temperature, you can get different uh, attributes. The, the interesting thing that uh, you know, smoke is not very simple. I mean, it's we're talking forty or fifty phenols. You've got. Um, um, Many different other types of, you know, furans, uh, aldehydes. Uh, you've got um, uh, there's thousands of compounds in the smoke. So there are so many elements um, and dimensions, and that's why different woods have different smoke characters, and they're just it's just a different signature. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and different ferment temps will, I would imagine, would definitely bring that out. Yeah. You know, different mm-hmm. different things out. From the wood too, you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. Okay, why not? I mean, well, maybe not. Maybe not diff- bring different things out, but uh, like they were saying, just uh, complement. You know, right? How the yeast plays with it, then exactly the right. What es- yeah, what esters are formed at different temperatures might yeah. might either go really well. So maybe you make a batch and it's not really that great. Uh, maybe ferment a little lower, a little higher, depending on your yeast, and that might be the match you're looking for. What temp do you ferment your uh, porter at? Oh, it's. I'd say it's in the high side of. Uh um, ale, ale temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, guys. Yeah. I tried to throw it, it, it in there quick. It's an interesting attribute. You know, we, we only have one yeast strain in our brewery. Oh, you do? Yeah, it, so we... A proprietary we would, strain? So our amber is an alt, and it's a cooler fermentation. Right. But yet we'll also, you know, bring it up to the, the, the more traditional... Ale temperature from yeah. So not like the high side of an like a like a so more like a sixty two. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It's uh, and you know you, you it's kind of funny. You really start to learn uh, that you know the simplicity of having one yeast, right? But also you, you learn you you learn its, its character, and yeah, at the higher yes. temperatures, you know it, it has its traditional estuary characters. Yeah. Um, and well, with this you know smoke porter and a, a traditional ale temperature fermentation. Um, 
All right. You know, it it adds uh, another level of complexity that the smoke kind of has to kind of compete, but also work with. So, like sixty-eight. <laughs> Jeff and Curtis are sure. good because a lot of times, a lot of times when we get two of them together, yeah. we, I can throw in a question like that and they don't know what to do, so one will just answer. Right? Because there'll uh, be that long pause. Right? Yeah. But they're good. <laughs> yeah. Start at start at sixty and head up to seventy five and somewhere in there. You're right. Aha! So it's not seventy six. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. we get it. Right. We get it out of them. I recommend you two have another couple winter ales before this, before this interview yeah, is over. Get it out of you. Okay. Bug Eater in the chat room has written in. He wants to know, uh, he's got an interesting idea. Ask if it would work to malt your own grain, but instead of drying it after malting it, just put it in the smoker. And then you wouldn't have to go through sure. the kilning process the, or the drying process. After. Well, I think that's why you wet it is to, oh, I'm sorry, I'm totally answering that question. So Jeff, so, and, yeah. so they want to like uh, germinate it in the smokehouse. Well, no, I, it sounds like he would germinate it, but then instead of drying it to use as a regular malt, he wouldn't dry it out after it germinated in the water. He'd keep it wet and he'd go right to smoking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and yeah, that'd be totally right, and that's traditionally how it used to get done. Okay, um, because you know before uh, petroleum products came along or natural gas anyway. Uh, that the smokehouses used um, in their basement was uh, burning wood, and so the smoke smoke character would carry through their smokehouse. So that's where Jeff referenced earlier that all smoke malt or all malt used to be smoked because that's the only way they could do it at the time. Not on purpose. And then as natural gas and everything else came along, you know, they they got cleaner drying processes that got rid of the smoke flavor. Interesting. And then in the seventies, in the seventies, they actually converted over so it's indirect heating, and there was no direct. Uh, combustion gases touching the malt, but that was for a different reason. Um, it was for the uh, uh, nitrosamines that were they were finding in in uh, a lot of malts. Uh, one of the inspirations for even the smoke porter in Alaska was because of the breweries were also malt houses, and so they were malting their own grain, and they were direct fired heating the grain to drive off the moisture. The one cautionary note would be um, because you're going to have that much moisture you're going to probably have a fairly intense smoke if you have a real intense smoke fire drying the grain. In that instance, you could probably be a little bit more, um, you could probably have a little slower uh, fire with maybe less smoke, Hmm. but you're going to get a fairly intense smoke character in that grain without working at it. Um, And the other thing that's difficult is the drying. The grain, the whole grain will take a while for it to dry. So instead of a, a hot, smoky fire, I'd be talking about probably a real low heat, um, and it's going to be a while for you to be able to dry the grain without toasting it too much. Okay. All right, good tips. Monsters and Pie also wants to know, what about just uh, using straight oak to, to smoke malt? Could we, could we burn oak and, and get a smoked malt? Uh, we've tried that. I've tried that uh, um, in a small batch. Interesting, oak has a real interesting character. Um, vanilla. Unbelievable amounts of vanilla. Okay. Comes through. And, you know, you can understand that if you've ever used uh, any of the, uh, you know, charred barrels and the like in, in yeah. beers or especially or like wines. A, especially in American oak. Yeah, the, the vanillins are a very large class of compounds that come from um, cellulosic pyrolysis, which is basic wood burning. Um, vanilla is a very classic uh, flavor compound, just like phenols are. 
Okay. Um, I, I, it, it, it'll be very intense. I, I found, you know, I just, it, it, a, a little bit will go a long ways. Um, so oak is a, is a pretty strong wood, but I think you, you, it'll be interesting, and, and you'll recognize some of the vanilla. I'd like that in a porter. I think that'd make uh, a great yeah. uh, porter flavor. I'm sure Absolutely. Chad will make one for you. Yeah, Chad, get to work. <laughs> I'm on it. I'll yeah. buy the oak. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, the last question I have, I'm going to hang on to for just a second while we crack open that winter ale. Is it already is it already open there? It's already open. Let me try that. Did you guys Did you guys get any of it yet? Nope. Yeah. Uh, by the way. Oh, Tasty did. That's weird. The, the Alaskan Amber, still one of my favorite amber ales on the it, planet. Yeah, definitely. I have to say to you yeah, guys, uh, I've been drinking this beer since uh, uh, the beginning of my craft beer days. And uh, oh, thank you. The Alaskan Amber is nice. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm also an alt beer fan, and I didn't uh, I didn't put two and two together uh, for quite some time. It took uh, Jamil Zanishev to to teach me that your beer was an alt beer, and, uh, and I realized why I enjoyed it so much. All right, yeah. so now that I'm trying, go so go ahead. Sorry. Oh no 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 no. You know what? I think you need to ask us more questions because I, I have always been accused of running at the mouth. <laughs> Is that right? I just. Yeah, yeah. People ask me the time, and I build them a watch. I think you've done. I think you've yeah. done a great job. Okay, no, I've got well, a great question for you. What's the recipe for Alaskan smoke yeah. porter? <laughs> well, maybe I don't build a watch that well. Yeah. I was, was going to say they ask you for the time, and you tell them how to make a cog. Is what you do. All right. Pass me some more beer. There we go. Maybe some heroin. I'll tell you where I'd like to ask you some questions. Is at the. Uh, the Alaskan Barley Wine Festival. That's where I'd like to sit oh, down yeah. and ask you. Uh, Are we people going to have that? been telling me I should go to that for years, and, and boy, does it sound like fun. Let's go to it right now. You guys make a barley wine for that? Yeah, we do. Um, we've, we've done it for uh, several years now. It's a fun event. Um, it's kind of like a local uh, Great American Beer Festival. And, um, you know, in the middle of winter, there's not much going on up there, so they have this event, and we get a lot of people coming up from many breweries which is kind of the opposite. You know, you don't go to Alaska in the middle of winter, um, but we get a good turnout for it, and it's a fun event. Um, a lot of people brew special beers for it. That they'll, uh, They have a, kind of like a brewer's select beer that they release kind of as a surprise. They don't tell anybody what it is. And, um, and then they've got, of course, a barley wine competition up there as well. So it's a, it's a good-sized event without getting overly large. Um, I think it has the largest collection of uh, winter beers and barley wines in the U.S., um, but also, you get to see the Northern Lights ice sculptures. Really? Uh, two years back, it was hilarious because um, there was a volcano just outside of Anchorage. It blew its stop, redoubt, and uh, we had a whole bunch of brewers from, uh, I think, California and and other places in the Midwest. And, and I came in and said, well, I, you know, I hope you all are going to stay here. For, you know you know you're going to stay here for a while because the uh, volcano just blew and Ashcott's going to close the airport down. They all thought I was joking. I said, well, I'll just step outside and take a look. <laughs> it was a bird of... Perfectly blue sky day clear when they walked in there. They went out, and there was this big, black, gnarly-looking ash cloud coming wow. right. The, it, was, it was hilarious. I would do that. love that. I, don't, I know it, that was, it sounds disastrous, and I would love it. Yeah, but, you know, you know Alaska has, for, for good reasons, a lot of great, you know, reputations for great stories and we do have them once in a while but i just loved that opportunity to really make people feel like they're in a weird place yeah that is strange so come for the come for the beer come for the barley wine don't come for the single women 
uh, and come for the vo- <laughs> yeah. and come for the volcanoes. Yeah, I have a feeling. Stay if, for the volcanoes. Yeah, if we ever go, <laughs> yeah. we should make special Brewing Network shirt that says "We are not here for your women," <laughs> so that we can be accepted. <laughs> so that yeah, so that we okay, you guys are you guys are cool, but uh, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. When is it? When never- is the uh, Alaskan uh, barley wine fest? Uh, it, what, the second week in January. Oh, oh, okay, it's gone. No, we missed that. Yeah, I've See, already missed it this year. I'd worry about flying into anywhere where there's snow during the winter because I'm afraid the plane will freeze and I'll fall like a rock. Yeah, but you worry about flying out of San Francisco where it's sunny and warm. Yeah, but that's different. <laughs> that's a different fear. Yeah, this is this is more specific. That I worry about running into the sun. Yeah. All right. So Anchorage is a great town. You're you truly as you fly in. There's no mistaking the fact that you're in Alaska. You fly into the, you fly over uh, so many tidewater glaciers, uh, ice fields. Um, it's it is truly a spectacular yeah. flight in. That was And then the barley wine fest itself is is phenomenal. You got a, a great array of beers from all over the country. And then I have to admit, one thing about Alaska is we really do invite as many people as we meet down south, but no one generally takes us up on the offer. And uh, people are treated to a good time. So seriously, if you if you do want to have a, a winter uh, trip um, coming up in January to Anchorage, would be fun. Okay. Uh, well, maybe I'll. Uh, it, it works out well actually because I've like you guys know I've I tried to cut out travel this year for for being travel, but that's next year. It's January, so right. we, maybe we can plan for that. Yeah. I would like to go. It really has always sounded like a good time and an interesting place to visit. I think you should go. Can you make it uh, the Anchorage uh, Beer Fest in San Francisco this <laughs> yeah, year? Just move it down here. <laughs> then I will be there for sure. What do you guys think about this winter ale? Are you picking up any interesting flavors in the beer? Well, any I'm definitely interesting getting the spruce. ingredients? Yeah. Spruce? Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely getting that. It's very pleasant. Yeah. It kind is of. pleasant. And it's well used. It's not overly... It's not dramatic, that spruce. Kind of got a, like a berry kind of nose to it a little bit. I get yeah. orange, like uh, a little bit cir- of like orange uh, circus peanuts. You know, the the foam... Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. That's actually... But I, it, I it could be to. that. It could be because I have this layer of awesome smoke beer. <laughs> over it, yeah. Over it, and so I, th- I think the flavors are maybe clashing a little bit. It's a I, good blend. Yeah, it's a great blend. What can you tell us about your winter ale? Um, well, it's, um, it's, it's, the base style is an, is, is an old ale, just trying to embrace the fact that um, Captain Cook was from old ale country. Cool. Um, but also the, uh, the spruce tip, he, in his journals of his voyages, which, you know, traversed the Pacific, Captain Cook had... Uh, over over a dozen references to making beer on board ship using spruce as uh, a replacement of hops, and uh, he was he was an interesting character. You know, he was well known for uh, having a very healthy crew. Um, he the third voyage in Alaska when he was looking for the Northwest Passage was 1778, and he was using spruce. And he had one reference in his journals talking about how. The new shoots of the spruce were very um, well received by his crew as far as the additive to the beer. Um, there are times when, when he was brewing on board, his crew did not like the beer. And you could tell in his reference to his crew that you know he didn't appreciate that slight. Uh, he would talk about... Yeah. No, it was hilarious. He, yeah. He'd talk about his, his mutinous crew refusing to drink the ale that he'd made. That uh, is mutinous. Yeah. <laughs> Fuckers. It's it's free overboard. beer. Yeah. It's, yeah. Very pride. Home brewer. <laughs> right. Did he ever? But, uh, but the, the the spruce is very high in vitamin C, and so um, mm. so you know he, he was brewing on board for the health of his crew, literally, 
and you know psychologically too i'm sure his crew appreciated his brewing expert uh, expertise right um but this vitamin c of course prevents scurvy and it was not until 1781 that it was actually identified by uh Louis Pasteur, that, that uh, vitamin C was the, de- the, the the deficiency that caused scurvy. And okay. here, Captain Cook was making spruce beer that had vitamin C because of the spruce tips. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But interesting, when we go through the woods, I'll, I'll, I'll eat the new growth of the spruce, which is kind of that bright green candle uh, of the spring. Yeah. And it has no pitch pine character. It's really uh, citrusy. It has much more of a, uh, of a, a berry-like character. It's more fruity than it is uh, pine-like. Real interesting. Kind of like Chad. Yeah, definitely yeah. more fruity. Yeah. <laughs> I like this beer a lot. I've never had your winter ale before. And uh, this is a nice beer. Uh, one of our listeners wrote in about it. Milo's in the chat room, and uh, he wants to know uh, how homebrewers can dial in the correct amount of spruce. Because yours is, it's it's... It's very well balanced. I mean, it's, I hate to use the word perfect, but I might have to use it. It's a, it's a perfect use to sp- of spruce. Uh, it's how on do the we, high end of perfect. It's on the <laughs> high end of perfect. How do we dial in our use of spruce? Well, um, <laughs> Don't use it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I, 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 one thing I would do is also uh, have the people that are going to be using spruce tips taste them. I mean, if if they taste good, then you know you're 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 um, going to be adding something nice to the beer. I have tried uh, other types of evergreen uh, new growth in the spring, and oh my god, it's enlightening. I tried the blue spruce. The new growth is blue spruce, and guess what? That is a pine tree in a beer. <laughs> I, I I didn't do it I, because you could tell the character of the spruce tip was so intense and so pitchy, piney, uh, turpentine-like character. That's not what we what we find in our spruce tip of the Sitka spruce here locally. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's also it's also a matter when you pick them. Um, when you go out, you know, you get the new shoots on the trees, and they still have that little brown covering over them. You want to catch it fairly quickly, right around that time, because once the branch starts growing out further, it'll still get a pitchy, piney taste. Yeah. Um, so the shorter they are and the, and the greener they are with that covering, you don't want to boil with the covering over them because that'll add some tannins to the beer. Mm. But you uh, and basically add them just like hops, so you can add them towards the end of the boil forward. You know, you play with them a bit. Um, it really depends on you know, like Jeff said, the taste. If they're really strong, then try using them a small amount. Um, and it's uh, it's the same as your malt and everything else is natural product. So. We found some years when the trees are getting a lot of water that the spruce tips tend to be sweeter and have more of a citrus character, and you don't need to use as many of them. You have a drier year that the new growth will be shorter and uh, tend to be a little more woody with less flavor. So you really have to play with it. Um, but I, I would start out small um, and work your way up, just found what kind of flavor you're looking at. And I taste them. I taste them in the field. You don't have to necessarily swallow them. Uh, here, when I go out in the field and I'm, I'm taking them off the tree, I, I chew them. I swallow them. They're 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 very very tasty and they're they're yeah. flavorful. We traditionally around here use them for uh, other flavoring je- jellies, jams, syrups. Um, is pretty common spruce tip syrup. Mm-hmm. See, but, Jeff just eats them know. and look how he turned out. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> how and do no you? Scurvy. Yeah, no scurvy. <laughs> Jeff yeah, does not even thirty trace. years and no scurvy. <laughs> Come to Alaska, no scurvy. 
How do you get spruce tips? I can't imagine that that you 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 know you have your brewers go out in the field and actually harvest them. But uh, I mean, how how does a home brewer get spruce tips besides from uh, a spruce tree? Basically, that is go out and harvest them. Um, you know, we we there did some tests Move when we first started using it, where people were using uh, spruce extract, and it was uh, boy, this was not a good flavor. Um, so, you know, it, going out and uh, harvesting them, finding them, you know, depending on the time of the year in the spring, sometimes you have to go to a higher elevation where the spruce tips are still actively coming out. If you know they come out at a different time every year, so if you miss. At sea level, you miss the date. Well, then two weeks later, you might have to climb up to 1,500 feet and uh, grab them. But basically, you go around and just pick them off the lower branches of the trees. And, um, you know, we, we get fortunate that we've got some people here that help us with that in another local community west of here. And we have a packing company there that typically does uh, fish and salmon in the summer, and they kind of made it a community effort. So when we're getting ready for our spruce tips, they advertise and say, you know, we'll pay this many per pound if people bring in the spruce tips and they get, um, you know, all the locals just kind of make it a yearly event and it's a good way for them to make some extra money. I love nice. that. That is awesome. What a great way to get people involved. Is the beer you know, 100% spruce tips? No hops? No. There are hops. Uh, I, I can't remember offhand the percentage of it, but it's we still have some hops in there just to get some bitterness. And the spruce tips in ours is pretty light. It's pretty subtle. Okay. I've had some others. You know, like uh, Anchor Steam has a spruce tip beer that tends to be a lot stronger. I don't know what they do with theirs, but ours is just kind of a subtle background flavor, but we still want some bitterness from the hops, too. Right. Captain Cook, uh, one time, made a reference to basically his crew not liking one batch, but in that particular batch, he actually cut branches off of the the tree and used the entire branch. Oh. And he found... That's what he was talking about, his mutinous crew, right. not liking his beer. Well, and now you, I me too. Yeah, I know. Shove those blame. sticks right in his ears. Sounds like something I would do. <laughs> yeah. now, there's, there's not enough tips here. Just cut off the branch. It's great. Fuck it. It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, bike- Where do you think it comes from? The branch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, bike Foolery in the chat room wants to know if there is an IBU spruce conversion. <laughs> do you guys, do you calculate <laughs> yeah. the IBUs from your spruce? Just Google 45 IBUs to spruce. Right. And, and it comes up. It's really weird. Yeah. I don't think there is. No, I, nothing we've really found. We've, we've talked about maybe trying to get it analyzed and see if there's some chemical compounds that are pretty consistent with spruce. Yeah. Um, we did We did. We did have it analyzed for antioxidants, and vitamin C, of course, is an antioxidant, and lo and behold, yes, there is a, an elevated level of antioxidants in, in, in the winter ale. Okay. Um, so, but uh, but Good. truly, I think the, the bitterness still, still comes from the, uh, the hops, and what may come from the uh, uh, spruce tips is a little bit of acidity because there is some citrus notes, kind of uh, tartness to it, but also um, um, non-fermentable sugars because uh, oh, they are sweet. And yeah. of course, it's a new growth. That's where the new sap is hitting the tree, mm-hmm. but they're non-fermentable. So I think one th- one signature of the winter ale is is that sweetness, and it's a candy-like sweetness. I think it's complemented by that spruce character, which is not like people would think, you know, pitchy. Uh, it it kind of adds a little bit of a almost candy-like character to it. Interesting. I didn't think about the unfermentable well, sugar part. I and I wouldn't sweet. have picked it out in the beer either. I wouldn't have said it's uh, overly sweet, you know, the, with a lot of residual left. It's really a nice beer. All right. Well, I've kept you guys for a long time. Uh, there's one more topic I wanted to try to throw in here in our last 10 minutes or so, if, if you wouldn't mind. And 
it's sure. well, it's a unique thing that you guys do there. That um, you know, it, it kind of goes against what us homebrewers have been told to to do with our mash. And it's it, you guys use a, a mash press, and and you actually press the liquid out of your mash. And I wanted to ask you about that and and why you use it and. Maybe set it up just by saying that the, the sort of the obvious question is is that uh, us us homebrewers have kind of been told not to not to squeeze our mash bags, not to press our mash, not to do these different things because we we might get tannins and, and different things out of the grain. So it kind of goes against what we've been told. When I find out that you guys use a mash press, can you talk to us about that? Yeah, um, yeah, it was kind of an interesting uh, process. You know, the mash press itself. Uh, it used to be called a mash filter, and uh, they were they came out in uh, 1901 is when the guy first developed them. He was a Belgian gentleman, and uh, they first commercially started selling them in 1910. And and basically, uh, uh, Tours is the only U.S. brewer that uses it right now, aside from us. But uh, the mash filter originally was just a cloth, and they would grind the mash in there, and then it was basically a vertical water ton. So the water would pass through the mash vertically, or with the mash layered in there vertically, and it would act like a water ton, and that was it. And they dropped the mash out, and it was you know just as wet as it would be from a water ton. Mm-hmm. Um, the same company that's from Belgium, uh, Mira, is the name of the company. They in 1987 they upgraded their design because they realized um, basically it had the they had the same effect as a water tongue where they were losing a lot of efficiency. A lot of this grain they were dropping out had a lot of sugar in it still. And so they invented the idea that, well, if you put a, uh, a rubber membrane behind the grain and gently squeezed it, you could push just a little bit more of the liquid out of this grain and get some better efficiency. And uh, that's basically when they changed the name from a mash filter to a mash filter press right. because it was pressing out the grain. Okay. Um, but it, but it, yeah, it uh, kind of goes to the same thing. You know, when, when I first was looking at them back in the late 90s, um, we had the same concerns. I'd heard, you know, tons of people talking about, oh, you get tannins, your beer will taste different. Um, you know, this is only something the big brewers use because they have a lot of adjuncts. Um, so when we started talking to Mira, um, mainly the reason we started looking at it is because we have to dry our spent grains to send them to Seattle. Um, Why is Juno's that? Land- <clears throat> Juno's landlocked. Ah. Um, so we basically have no roads in or out of Juneau. So everything we everything we make as a waste product either has to stay in Juneau or get shipped out. And we have too much grain byproduct, and there's no farming or ranching in Juneau hmm. or southeast Alaska. So we basically had to ship it out. Um, the uh, the idea behind the mash press was well, you know, the more water we can remove during the brew process, the less we have to dry it to ship it out. And so I started looking at it as as mainly a cheaper way to get our grain south to start with, but it had the side advantages of better efficiency. Um, the uh, So we, in 2000, um, I talked to Mira. They actually had a pilot plant. Uh, it was a little three-barrel uh, baby mash press, I guess you'd call it. And we shipped it over from Belgium and kept it for about a month. And uh, we brewed all our brews on it. We even tried a lit beer um, because one of our brewers knew it could do about 50% wheat without plugging up like a typical water ton. And uh, we also tried our oatmeal stout just to see how it did with oats. And through all this testing, uh, basically, we matched all the recipes and nobody could tell the difference between the two. And once we disproved the the tannin issues and and any concerns we had, we felt very comfortable with it, that it was a pretty well-proven piece of technology. Yeah. 
Interesting. And, uh, yeah. Um, you know, they, Mira, we put it in in 2008 um, after many years of just kind of going back and forth with them. And, you know, it's not a cheap piece of equipment, so we, we weren't quite ready to buy one back then. And when we did put it in, uh, I was really surprised, you know, for for how much they basically grind the grain with a hammer mill, and it comes out about the size of coarse sand. Um, and you'd think that just because they're pulverizing this grain, they, they wouldn't really care about it. They were very particular about the types of pumps we could use and uh, how you handled this grain because they didn't want to shear it and grind it up even more. Um, so even though they are grinding it up, they're still being very careful how they treat it. And once it's in the brewing process, um, you know, compared to a home brewer maybe taking a cheesecloth and wringing the grain out at home, you're really squeezing the heck out of it trying to do that. They have a real gentle diaphragm rubber membrane that just pushes the grain and just gently squeezes out the remaining liquid in it. And it's, in many ways, it's keeping exactly the distribution, particle distribution, as your lotter ton, you know, as you clear the wort in lottering, all those, you know, uh, the filtering capability of the, of the, of the husks of your, of your barley malt is establishing essentially a filter mat with which it's clarifying your wort. They're doing the same thing, but just on a smaller basis. And so when they start the press, they're keeping that lotter distribution of grain essentially the same, except it's no, not any longer, you know, you know, 10 inches thick. It's only maybe an inch or two thick. And so it's, 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 it's in many ways analogous, but this last year, um, we we reduced our water usage by a million gallons of water because we wow. have to use less water. Um, That's amazing. We reduced That's a our lot. malt purchases um, by four hundred thousand pounds of malt because we use efficiency. The malt that we buy better in Europe. These things are really well uh, distributed throughout the the craft side of their industry and the larger breweries. Um, and and it's interesting, but I think it's just classic. In an area where you're really having to make sure that you're being efficient, like in Europe, which is actually a set of small countries, uh, they've had to be a little bit more efficient. We here in, in the New World have had the uh, luxury of, of being waste. Yes. And I think that's, that, that time is changing. Um, so well, the mash press... <laughs> has to brew what we want, but also the attribute of the mash press that's really pretty uh, helpful is it's reducing our water use, it's reducing our fuel, it's maybe the, the springboard for us to be able to replace our, uh, our oil-fired steam boiler with a uh, mash-fired biomass boiler. Yeah, but where's the, we're hoping, where's the fun hoping in that? To be able to do in the next 18 months or so. Wow. So you say your your grist is like sand. Uh, what are the husks like? Where, where are, they, are they ground up as well? I'm sorry, I, I meant cut out that last part. The, the husks. Uh, you say the the grist is like uh, sand. Uh, what about the husks? What happens to those? They're ground up as well. Yeah, the husk, the endosperm, uh, the the steely end. Um, it's the husk is, is is ground up. It's it comes out as a really you know, Curtis is being real careful because I think sand is a better descriptor because it, you know, it's real. They're very exacting on the the particle distribution, but it is like a coarse ground flour. Um, and, and part of that ground. is the husk of of the grain too. It's still in there. It's all yep. ground up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they. Yeah, part of the the filter cloths are kind of a finely woven uh, 
plastic mesh that they that they use, and they do actually still need the husk in there to help. Uh, even our wheat beer tends to run a little slower. Um, so if you look at this grind when it comes out of the back end of the filter, you can actually see little particles of husk in there, and that's why they don't want to grind it to a powder. If you ground it through a powder, you'd never get it through the filter. So it is still does act like a water ton that it's, it's really specific on on the type of uh, particle size that goes yeah. into it. I see. And like a water ton, the filter screen is is not really a screen. It's it's a filter cloth. So yeah. the the holes with which you know that have to be bridged by the particles. Are much smaller. Right. Again, it's it's really analogous to a lot of them, but just on a very different basis with you know some structural differences, obviously. And it, it yeah. sounds like uh, everything that comes out is 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 going to be a fairly high gravity. Should you add water back in on the uh, into the kettle? Well, it's still um, that was that was one thing we had to kind of play around with when we we had the luxury when we put this in last year. Well, in two thousand eight actually. Um, that we kept our old water ton in in process. We didn't have to remove it to place this unit where our water ton was. And so we did about six or eight months of testing back and forth. And the recipe itself actually was pretty easy to emulate, but the less usage of water and actually gaining 6% of that malt sugar that you didn't used to get was probably the biggest thing we had to play with because now all of a sudden you had extra extract that was coming in. And, you know, this machine's designed to take down to uh, half a degree Play-Doh. Well, you might have, a like our winter L, where we might want to stop at three Play-Doh. Their machine was going to take it all the way down. And so we did have to play a little bit with their technology. Um, and they were great to work with and helped us through that. Um, but, yeah, we had to make some changes to, I guess, uh, craft brewerize it. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't made for a large brewery, but just like a lot of time, you do have sparge. I mean, it's you're 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 right. you're taking you know your first work, but you're also sparging it. I mean, it, it it's it, it's it's very much analogous to a lot of time. So you're adding you're adding the water to to to, to push out the in plug flow fashion, push out the uh, the uh, wort, and and you're using the sparging technique to recover all that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, and the big savings in water comes at the end of filtration, like a typical water ton for home brewers or breweries. You know, you leave your uh, your water bed submerged underwater so you don't get oxidation of the top layer of the grain. Um, with theirs, they're pressing that with the membrane, and so you don't have to put that last batch of water in there. So uh, for our size, we have a 100-barrel brew house, so instantly we were saving about uh, 1,100 gallons of water per brew that wasn't just to keep oh. the uh, grain... Right. And then also uh, at the end when you know, even after let's say you're finished, not only the that foundation water that's keeping the grain bed from plugging your water, you're after you let's say, okay, you you've you've, you've quit collection, now you're gonna drain all the water out. Yeah, that's the stuff we're saving. Yeah. But then the grain that comes out is seventy eight eighty percent moisture. Sure. Our our cake comes out at sixty five percent moisture. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so so there there's saves you on the drying water. side, right? Right, right, right. Um, so I mean, uh, but again, I, I the extract that was in our grain coming from the water ton was going down the drain, yeah. which is just the that wasteful attribute wow. yeah. that that European breweries cannot do. Yeah, yeah. Well, the US we can. Brewing is just it's a it's just a wasteful process already. So is is nobody else in. I'm in awe at the amount of water that they have said they're saving. A million? How many gallons of water? 
a year? Over a million gallons a year. That's an unbelievable yep. amount of water. And, and you're all going to say it's amazing when we can't find water anymore. And there's like a bunch of people in Pacheco starving for water. None of us will be alive. And uh, don't worry about I don't care. It, I mean, just a mil- That's so much water. I'm really very, I'm very, very impressed by that number and just the amount. And if you found very little difference in the beer that when you did taste tests, people couldn't tell. I think that's ama- I think that's great. I think it's amazing. What a- Although now saying all of that. <laughs> It doesn't sound like it's a home brewer friendly uh, process. For one, I don't know how much how much water we would save, and it sounds like the process is a little different. I guess what I mean is, so I've yeah. got my mash tun. Could I just take, a, let's say, I took a round device, uh, the the just under the diameter of my mash tun, so that I could press down on the inside of it. I would probably clog and and push a bunch of the things that the natural husks uh, 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 had already filtered out and just push all that down through my beer, wouldn't I? I don't think that the same process would work in the same way. Yeah, and I, I think for a home brewer, it, it'd be a waste of time, honestly. You know, because you're not you're not trying to save that much per year, right? You know, doing twenty batches a week. You know, this this thing was really designed for a lot of uh, these breweries that are. You know, maybe out in the middle of Kazakhstan, Russia, where where they can't get ingredients out there. So when you save six percent of your malt over the course of a year, it's huge. Um, yeah. Where for a home brewer, you know, you can just run down the store and buy some more. It's not going to be any skin off your back. Right. And but but you even mentioned the the process where let's say I had like a mash bag, right? And I did the squeeze method. You guys mentioned that that sort of kind of abrasive, abusive squeezing, I might be pulling out tannins, whereas the process that you're using isn't abrasive like that. Yeah, I think you'd go more to, you know, you're wringing it out and you're probably squeezing out a lot of particles you don't want to. Um, there, there, There's where I think yeah. it is. It's the particles. Yeah, okay, and, I you see. Know, and, and maybe, you know, it might work if you could grind it as fine as what we have, where you know that none of the endosperm or the steely end is, is left unconverted. Yeah, um, but if you know, I think that's where you might get a lot of those hidden, you know, maybe even some starches that might ooze out of the grain if you squeeze yeah. it too hard. If you, they're a very gentle process. Yeah, well, if you wring it out like a washcloth, I'm sure. But uh, I think if you took your your grain bag and just kind of you know pressed it, mm-hmm. you know, and got a little bit more, that's fine. But but also what you guys are talking about about milling your grain that fine, uh, home brewers can't generally do that because you guys have different false bottoms than we do. We have perforated. Uh, right. sheets of stainless you know you guys have that right. wedge wire where it's it's you know you're talking 90 percent efficiency already uh almost yeah. you know 95 probably hmm. um and so i think it can take more of those tiny fragments whereas homebrew it can't we couldn't we clog it yeah i think you just clog it no matter what yeah 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 because the wedge wire is like like if you wanted a homebrew scale wedge wire screen you're like 300 bucks i see Oh yeah, yeah. Your costs definitely go up on it, and whether it's worth that extra cost just for the small savings. Yeah, I tr- trust me. I wish it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because then you'd yeah. sell it over at more beer. Then I'd sell it and make make a bunch of money. And right, yeah. Well, I still I applaud the process. I think that's really an amazing amount of savings. And if you found a way to do that without affecting the beer, because that you know. Uh, you know, quality is 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 of utmost importance. So uh, when you when you can do both, what a great way to do it! I, I'm surprised that more breweries aren't U.S. breweries. Well, I, I should say. 
You know, it's uh, you know, short of Coors in the U.S., um, yeah. we're the only ones that talked to him since then, and they they really, I think a lot of it goes back to being traditional, um, uh, you know, German brewers that came to the United States. You know, Budweiser, Miller, Coors. Yeah. Um, Coors went to the mash press, but originally they weren't, and um, they adopted that process for efficiencies for them. Okay. Um, but most brewers just tend to shy away from it because it's a non-traditional process, and it's, uh, you know, even the guys from Europe say it's kind of a uh, a bad PR thing. They think they think it's just a bunch of bunk that there's any flavor differences. Um, so hmm. it's, you know, maybe going back 100 years, maybe somebody just didn't like the process and started spreading b- bad rumors about it. But, right. but I think also, I mean, w- one reason why it hasn't happened is what um, what we've kind of faced many times. And, and our, our location where we are has created um, a necessity for us to look at what we do differently than others. So... Um, when we put in our uh, CO2 recovery plant to recover CO2 so we could have more control over carbon dioxide that we use to purge out our kegs prior to filling, purge out our bottles prior to filling, purge out our tanks prior to filtering into. CO2 recovery for a small brewery was not even thought of. Um, We put our our CO2 plant in when we were at 20,000 barrels of beer. Um, where I think the only other brewery that's done it, they're Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada is like six, six, seven hundred thousand barrels. They just put theirs in I think, two, years, two ago. years ago. Yeah, but again, it's, it's necessities the mother of invention is the old cliche. But really, that's really what it is. Um, so when we looked at the mash press, just because other people hadn't done it, you know, in our craft industry, there wasn't any reason for us not to do it because. Nobody else was located in Juneau, Alaska, where there's no roads. You can't drive to Juneau. It's expensive to get it there, so the less you need, the better off you are. And nobody yeah. else had done a so, lot of things you're doing in Juneau. Yeah. No yeah. roads. But, you know, I think, I think that's, that's, we're living in, in, in amazing times, and, and those times really are uh, ones to challenge all of us to think freshly at what we do, how we do it. Yeah. And in order for us to do it better, which we better do as a planet, um, I think it's time to sit there and, and doubt everything you do as a matter of rote. Review, and maybe because of necessity, you'll change, and it'll probably be, hopefully, a change for the better. Jeff Larson for president, nice. ladies and gentlemen. I love this man. <laughs> I think he's smart, I think he's thoughtful, and you guys are making great beer. I appreciate it, Jeff. I didn't realize we were going to be abused so heartily in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was only the first. It was only the first part, right, of the show. <laughs> no, I, I mean no more winter ale for you guys. Yeah, I, I'm off the soapbox. I had too much smoked porter. That's the problem. Yeah. That is your problem. You went for the low alcohol. I didn't even get to my uh, Inuit Indian jokes and my uh, my Eskimo jokes. Yeah, we went easy on you. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> hey, what? You're talking about clubbing seals. That wasn't very funny. <laughs> well, Not funny at all, JP. Not to you. It's always funny. <laughs> and to me, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to own up to one thing. All right. The I, first five years of our operation... I killed families I, of seals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did have a 30-odd six in, in, in the office because we would store our spent grain out in a big tub outside of the brewery. Yeah. Because the, the people that would pick it up to feed to their uh, their pigs and the like... Yeah. Couldn't pick it up that evening, and I just worried about coming in and having one of our brewers uh, being attacked or mauled by a bear. Oh, right. I did have a 30 for five years. <laughs> Let me tell you what I think is also funny about that story is when you said I kept a 30 out six, I automatically thought bears. 
When you said 30 sits, Doc here thought rats. He thought you used a 30 six to kill rats. I actually and have both the, of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I have the spent grain field uh, uh, in the middle of a landmine field, and uh, you know for rats. Right. Yeah. I figured it's all he had on hand. I think you're issued that. Yeah. When you move to Alaska, 30 six, a box of shells, and a check. Sure. Here you go. Welcome to Alaska. But after five years, no bear came by for the grain. I bet. Um, so I, I took taking the 30-odd six home. Must have, That's you too had bad. It. I bet it now, the, the fact that you have to dry out your grain, now every home brewer's left grain in the garbage can out oh, back too long. That cheese smell. That's nasty. You guys had some, you had some odor issues before this mash press, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit. You know, we got pretty lucky. The community of Juneau had a, a garden that the city subsidized. Oh, good. Um, where, where you could basically come out and stake a plot on this piece of property they had and grow your own garden. And so we hooked up with them pretty early where we could take the grain out and dump it there, and they would basically compost it. And oh, give great. It yeah, so we didn't have to deal with much of the smell here for very long. It went away pretty quickly. I like this place, Juno. I think I might be moving to Juno. I got to bring my own girlfriend, but I think that yeah. uh, no, don't be, don't bring her. She'll be gone in a second. That's bring true. an extra one. Yeah, be competition every day. You bring but your I'm, girlfriend, have her bring some friends. Yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. Just draw, just scar her up a little bit. I, but it sounds I like the policies of this uh, that you guys are doing out there. JP's a douchebag. He doesn't. Like that. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to rev my car before I leave extra long. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for all the time. And and really, this has been a lot of fun for me. I appreciate yeah. hearing what you guys are doing. I, I do think you're smart, and I think that uh, uh, you're, you're really trying to do the right thing for your community up there. I appreciate it. Thanks for, for doing the show with us. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. It was fun. Yeah. And thanks for what you all do. Keep uh, keep the beer flowing virtually. Hey, we oh, will. Thanks, thanks we, will, we will do that. And I'll tell you, we'll bug you again, because it sounds like we could do a whole show on sustainable brewing with you guys, and uh, and I'd like to do that. So I'll have Chad. I'll sick Chad on you guys again. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Can it not be all Chad right. this time? Could you send a female this time? Yeah. All right. We'll sick Bevo we on you. We got Bevo. How about that? She's stout enough. She'll she'll survive up there. Stout. <laughs> I mean, you're hearty. What's that even? Heart. Hearty. Yeah. He, he healthy. He meant healthy. Yeah, healthy. You eat well. All right. No, wait. Jeff Curtis from Alaskan Brewing Company. Uh, go to Alaskan. I think it's Alaskan Brewing. Alaskanbeer dot com. You can check it out and learn all about their different beers. Where you can find them. Uh, where they're on tap. They're all over the U.S. I think. How many states are you guys in? Just fifty-two. We're only in Alaska. We're only on the West Coast, pretty much, in the in the mountain states. Oh, is that right? God, I find. Yeah. See, I'm so West Coast centric sometimes because I find your beer everywhere out here. So I just assume it's all over. But uh, all right, so ten states. Uh, you might have to go to Juneau to the uh, maybe the Alaskan Barley Wine Fest, which is actually yeah. Anchorage. But then you can you can try the Alaskan beer. All right, fellas, thank you very much for doing the show. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Enjoy your <laughs> night. Cheers. Cheers. See ya. All right. There they go, to enjoy perpetual night in Alaska. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. I like those guys a lot. Good dudes. And aside from the fact, you have to admit, aside from the fact that we did not get a like a full recipe or something like that, we did they not. were very forthcoming about, uh, I think, different parts of oh, the yeah. process. And, yeah. and it's not as if they didn't want to answer questions to, to help us learn how to do it. They just have their proprietary things, which we run into from time to time. 
So I'm just saying that I I applaud that. I, I thought they were very. Uh, I thought they answered questions uh, pretty well. Absolutely. I agree. Well, I think if you take your house porter recipe yeah. or you find a porter recipe <laughs> and you follow their instruction on smoked beer in general, yeah, I think you'll come with something really great and yeah, uh, right. you know and like that and like that and stuff and things. <laughs> yeah. Is Bevo should I be- t- behind me with a knife? Because yeah, I- it's a big knife too. It's a really <laughs> large scared. knife. <laughs> You like feel me burning uh, totally, a hole in the totally I'm totally staring at you. Yeah, it kind of gives me hard. What? I'd like to thank Doc for uh, tonight's show. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. Move around and snore loud. <laughs> How you doing over there? Uh, Hanging in there? Hey, when when the room went up to ninety degrees in here? Yeah, yeah. that's when you uh, yeah. that's, that's when you conked out. Yeah, it wasn't ninety at five forty-five. <laughs> No. Maybe I we should have turned on the AC. That's when you nudge Chad with. That's when you do the old karate elbow to the Chad. The get the AC yeah. on. Get you in the throat and then the chad. Yeah, that's right. All right, we got one more segment to do. How about that, everybody? Everybody's excited, <laughs> aren't you guys? I have Ooh. to pee real bad. So do I. That's why we're taking a break. Oh, can we go together? Save water? Oh. Oh, now we you're into saving water, aren't you? If we you? peed together, I bet we could save 100,000 gallons of water. But you don't care about that, JP, so I know that this is just a ploy to see my wiener. <laughs> it's Okay, it's like global warming. It's Maybe it's not session. global warming, but we save the world we'll, anyways. We're coming so back cares? to do things and stuff. Yeah. Shut up, We've got quest, some uh, dark candy sugar to give away, some beer to taste, and, and some to announcements. Chat's announcements. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Fen. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. What's up, dude? Why the long face? Valentine's Day was awful. The World of Warcraft subscription was a strikeout. Ooh, yeah, I hear ya. A couple of years ago, the new Hoover I got my wife was a bomb, too. But last year, I found PlayfulEvenings.com. What? What's that? You know, Mrs. Badrock's store. It's awesome. Totally tasteful passion toys. Are you serious? Yeah. What's a passion toy? You know, it's a um, central aid in the bedroom. Ooh. All kinds of stuff. Massage oils, couples games, lingerie, and books. Books? Yeah. Where do you think Ticklist Pickle came from? Yeah, boy. Seriously. Fun stuff, and Mrs. Badrock takes care of the BN Army with 10% off. Go to PlayfulEvenings.com and click on Shop Online now. Put BN Army in the coupon code. PlayfulEvenings.com Thanks, Mrs. Badrock. You're a lifesaver. BN Army, it's Valentine's Day all year long at PlayfulEvenings.com 
what's funny is brewers will say, yeah, I don't brew to style. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a short beer. beer. <laughs> you know? The the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. You're listening to The Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Rockabye Docky <laughs> on the treetops. On the bean. When <laughs> the bell breaks, the cradle will rock. How you doing, buddy? My favorite part about people who fall asleep in public settings is they kind of just go, and then something wakes them up, and they know they're in the middle of a conversation. They start nodding their head like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. That was good. By the way, Beaver will be in right after the Best Actor Award is announced. I see. Oh, We're competing won? with the Oscars tonight. Very important stuff. Yeah. I know Academy we, Awards. We kept the uh, Alaskans from the Oscars, which Make are the same as the Academy Awards. Are they? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, uh, I just... what you win. Yes. Would like to let you know that uh, the beer tasting guy is back. So. The beer tasting guy is the guy whose beer, beer we're gonna, we're gonna taste. taste. Oh, I see. He's back. No, he's had I, to leave for I was a, a pretty while, sure I'm the beer back. tasting guy. <laughs> I've, I've been back Shut the up. whole goddamn time. Shut up! Can we wrap this up? I'd like to catch the Oscars. Really? It's the, the Academy, Academy Awards. Awards. <laughs> Same thing, retard. You are such a dickhead about things sometimes. It's what they give you. I mean, that's such a petty thing to pick apart. Same thing. Everybody calls them the Oscars or the Academy Awards, and to make a point about the Oscars, the Academy Awards, I'm just pointing out to you, it's a dick move. Okay. Do you not see that? Are you done? No. Okay. Because I asked you a question. Oh. Do you not see how that's a petty thing to, to, to pick between? I don't. Why not? I'll yeah, tell you why. Just minute back. Are All you right. ready for this? I'm ready. I'm asking you why. Because I didn't know that they were different, asshole. They are not different. Or the same. I didn't know they were the same. Yeah. I see. So now what do you say? <laughs> I say maybe instead stupid. of Maybe instead of trying to be a bunch of fucking pricks to me for once, <laughs> maybe you guys could say, hey, did you know that they're the same? And I'd go, no, I didn't know that. Maybe instead then of... then I would correct, learn something. Then why correct people if you don't know what you're talking about? Because I just said it's the Academy Awards. You corrected us twice. Yeah. yeah. On something that you don't know about. Well, it, it, I didn't know that I didn't know about it. <laughs> I didn't well, that's know. That's a good excuse. I know. But, oh, but then don't correct wrong. people. I, well, you said the Oscars, and I'm thinking those already passed, and these are the Academy Awards. Oh, but you didn't ask me. You didn't say, We're, isn't this the Academy Awards? You said, you're right. you just corrected me. You're right. Okay. And you're then, right. when I told you it's the same thing, you corrected Beaver. But see, in my mind, but I didn't believe you. <laughs> because well, cause I thought you were just joking. You're like, oh, it's the same thing. Like, who gives oh. a fuck, really? Because okay. they all are the same. The Spirit Awards, Academy Awards, whatever. But also, we're a topical show. And I didn't want anybody to think, because I thought the Oscars were a couple months ago. So yeah. I didn't want anybody to think that this might be a rerun. All right, remember? <laughs> that was politician bullshit right there. All right, and right. I liked it. Remember that time same. when uh, JP called me fat on the air? I'm the one that gets to whine. He called you hearty. Yeah. There's a difference... And I meant emotionally, too, by the way. Shut up. You're emotionally... What a rough night. My pants ripped, and oh. you called me fat. That's true. Bebo's well, okay. vagina ripped open her pants okay. tonight. My belt Crazy. loop got caught in the chair and ripped. Her Wait, vagina ripped open jeans. her pants. Taco chip. I would I like the, the idea. Yeah, I would like to point out that your pants ripped, and you're getting mad for calling you fat. 
Your pants ripped. You called her hard. The belt loop ripped because oh. it got caught on the chair. Maybe stop pulling them up. I don't know. All right. That's enough. I'm allowed to bitch. You're not. Yeah, Bevo. That's what happens here at the end of the program. How'd we do, Chad? I'm not taking my eyes off you. All right. <laughs> now they're gonna. Now they're having a staring contest. No, because I don't As want her to we stab were... me in the back. <laughs> we didn't get amateur enough in this room. Now we have yeah. to have a staring contest. Yeah, well. When it goes downhill, it goes downhill. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it goes down fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Bevo. Like an Alaskan snowball. <laughs> what? What? I was trying to bring it back. Really? What does that even <laughs> mean? Really, if you're abroad, man, go to Alaska, it sounds like. Yeah. You can get if you're abroad, for oil. If you're abroad, it needs to get late. Those guys well, desperate. that's true, yeah. yeah. If, you have, if you don't have any trouble with that, no. stay where you are. I bet they have a new chick party. You know, ticker tape parade for all the new broads that come in every month. I would. If I was the mayor of a town. It's a good idea. Yeah. Well, you know it's no secret for sure, it sounds like. They, yeah. They know yeah. I've, I know nothing about Alaska, and I know that it's hard to find abroad. Didn't we do a story a year ago or something about lunch meat, on lunch meat about a mayor in Alaska who invited all the ugly chicks in the lower 48 to come to Alaska because they'll get laid? That sounds real familiar. <laughs> I think we did familiar. do a story yeah. on that. Yeah. I have to ask one of our fans. Yeah. It listens. Our lunch meat One of our fans. fans. One of our... We have to ask our fan. <laughs> <laughs> Henning, call up. If you did, we do that. Did we do that I think story you did it on the please? CBS show. Actually, by the way, it was Henning's birthday. Could have been. Happy Could've birthday, Mister Henning. Happy birthday, Henning. All right, so a couple of things left to do. Not too much, um, you know, because Doc, he's, he's asleep no. again. He has been here for a couple of shows. We carried on. We'll yeah. be fine. I have to say, Doc, even though you've been asleep, I still have appreciated having I'm you. Glad here. He's here. Just in the, just having in the corner of my eye. It, I like it. Just so I was know. thinking about, you know, I'm so damn tired. Should I even go? Well, now we know. <laughs> now we know the well, answer was no. Sake, you shouldn't you, have come. I wouldn't you have stay. minded if you didn't come for your own sake. If you need the rest, rest. By all means. I don't want anybody here putting themselves out. Oh, I'm just rest. letting you know that I, as much as I'm making fun of you, I enjoyed seeing you out of the corner of my eye. And making fun of me. And making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. That too. All right. So what we have in front of us now is some beer sent uh, in uh, by one of our listeners. Uh, Brett. We do. Begani. Well, it's not. Uh, it's in front of us. Yeah, it's right here in front. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, so, JP wants to make sure he gets a taste of all this beer. He's very concerned that he's not going to get a taste of this beer. So, Tasty, why don't you pour JP? Why don't you pour JP one of each of these well, beers? I'm gonna just finish from, the rest of that bottle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just right. take it, chug so it right out of there. The I'll do that. All right. They, their listener beer sent in, and now I'm 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 using this as as an example for a couple of things. For one. This beer was not sent directly to us to be tasted. It was uh, it was sent uh, to Jamil, and then uh, here my glasses are full of smoked beer. Maybe we could use one of these clean ones yeah. for it. Um, I'll pour you that beer. It was sent to Jamil, and then asked to be delivered to me. All right. This is the mild, by the way. So the first one we're drinking is the mild. Now I have said to you, listeners, in the past, you need to 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 label this beer and tell us about the beer so we have something to talk about. Also, we're going to be honest about all the beer that we try on the show. So if you don't want honest opinions about your beer and what's been done to it and, and what you could or, or do better or, or what you did perfect, don't send us your beer at all. Don't send your beer to the Rat Pad if you have not included any information. Right. Now, Brett gets a pass because he didn't send it to the Rat Pad. He sent it to, to Jay-Z. So I'm assuming Jay-Z has all the information. We have nothing. But Brett asked us to, to try it and taste it anyway. I told him we would do. I asked him, I said, are we allowed to be honest? He said, yes, go right ahead. So, first one we're trying is a mild. And Brett is on the phone. Oh, you're really bashing. 
<laughs> can really rip them apart now. Hey, Brett, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, and yes, I did apologize to Jamil for the labeling <laughs> fuck-up because I did send him an email oh. after I sent it in UPS and said, oh, shit, I didn't actually label each individual beer other than the caps. What a douche. Yeah. And watch the language. Yeah. Douche. Watch it. Should I like <laughs> write it down on a piece of paper and then look at it? And no, then read it. And then read it back. Just to direct us. it towards JP. All right. Well, let me read some of the names. Maybe you can tell us what the beers are. So one is B picking. Well, what are we tasting right now? This is the mild that we're tasting. Okay. What's that one? So, uh, yeah, the mild. Is, the mild is actually from a batch of. Uh, I really fucked up on a, a run of cleaning kegs. So as Jamil said, it's got a bit of a slight problem, and I totally chalked that up to the kegs. All right, on this on this beer that we're on the mild, yeah, the mild it's got some problem. Yeah. I don't get a any sort of contamination. Really? Out of it, though, well, what do you get? It's all like yeasty or really something. Really, in the nose. Like. I get a, a, like a so huge, like a caramel butterscotch uh, frosting, like icing. Yeah, so it's that. some. I think some sugar. Uh, is there it's special thick. B in this? It's real thick. No, actually, that mild recipe is straight out of Jamil's book. Well, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't know Jamil's recipe. Is there a special B in it? <laughs> No, I don't have the recipe in front of me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Special bacteria. I said. agree with you on that. Fr- that frosting uh, flavor frosting. is a good call. And it's... so to me, it tastes like there's like a special bee or a, uh, some sort of cara hell, maybe. I don't know, something like that, where it's uh, maybe a little too much. I don't know. It's possible cara hell and special bee are two of my staple uh, specialty grains that I use around my brew house. Yeah. It even smells a bit, fr- it smells like a bit like cake. It does. It's it's a cake beer. Smells dude. like cake, and I think that maybe goes with the thickness that uh, Doc's talking about too. A lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of mouthfeel. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like residual sugar or like caramelized unfermentables. Yep, is kind of what I would get out of it. Well, I was trying for a mild with a lot of malt forward flavor, and so maybe you know that's just then give me the feedback. That's really the reason I sent them into Jamil was yeah. I wanted to get his feedback on on improving my brewing practices. And I figured I'd throw two in of each so that maybe he could share them with, you know, you douchebags. Which he did. Yeah. And so that's what that's why we're doing this here. Well, I would say, um, you know, for anybody listening, if you want to send your beer, also have your recipes and stuff. Because that's going to be really where I think so, it can help. Yeah. J- Jamil has all the recipes for all of those. I only made one copy, unfortunately. So we started with a mild. Then we'll have your Not Your Dad... Basta? Not Your Daddy is the uh, based on Sam Calagione's Extreme Brewing Cran-Daddy Braggot recipe. Okay. But I used, uh, I did some tweaks to it, made it an all-grain recipe, as well as it's my second batch of fruit braggot, where I used cherries instead of his cranberries. What's the bee picking? Or bee Berry picking is the third iteration of my braggots okay. with fruit, is where it's actually fresh-picked 20 pounds of blueberries in 10 gallons. So Basta and then wow. Oak Basta, is that Bastard, like Arrogant Bastard clone? That was my attempt at a Bastard clone. The 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 effing Californians is, uh, or the, the Bastard is basically where I, I used my normal recipe, where in my, in my cooler mash ton, it always came out great, tasted great, tasted like Bastard. When I moved to a rim system, for some odd reason, it tastes like a pale ale that's got really lots of Chinook in it. That's what we're drinking now. What are you from, Oregon? What's up with all the hate for Californians? It is hoppy. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm from Portland, so Oregon. You, so yeah, you fuck fucking you, called it. <laughs> but I I'm like from it. Chicago, so go figure. Yeah. So I like the hate. Yourself. I appreciate it. A little, uh, little West Coast rivalry is good for us. So what are we drinking now? 
the bastard. The bastard Actually, it was because it was it was fermented with California ale yeast, which is why I called it a fucking Californian. Wow, <laughs> there's a grapefruit grapefruit bomb. Yeah, for sure. very fruity. There's more malt behind it. I think. Yeah, a little yeah, thin. Bastard. I, I would have. I would almost. I would enter this in the fruit beer category. It's 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 fruity enough. Did you uh, forgive the question? But uh, no, sure. did you use special B in this too? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, actually, that that's the reason it's a staple is because I brewed so much of the bastard clone that I that I liked so much that I always keep it in my brew house. And um, after listening to the can you brew it on bastard, the last one I made on Thursday, I've done the bastard again. And it's in the primary fermentation right now with two different yeast strains in each carboy just to mm-hmm. try and, again, nail down the, the the differences in the yeast strains. And I really racked up the Crystal 120, the Crystal 80, and the Crystal 40, but still kept my basic grain bill because I really wanted to see if it would bring a different flavor to it than uh, just the massive Crystal grain bill that uh, Tasty mm-hmm. used. Yeah. Well, I would say uh, your color's a little light, but I don't know. I haven't had bastard in a while, so maybe you guys that that uh, actually drink that crap. Can yeah, you... yeah, a bastard's much uh, bigger, maltier, more yeah. crystal, one fifty oriented kind of beer. I think. I, I, personally, I think your special B is 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 kind of the problem it's in your last two beer. batches. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the fermentation's great. I think it's clean. It's a very nice IPA. Uh, but uh, Tasty's right; it's not enough maltiness. It's not a residual sugar, and I think the special B has a weird uh, biscuity, uh, grainy, well, roasty biscuit. thing going on. That it's not, you know, it's not a crystal malt. You know what I mean? I mean, it is, but it's not right. It's not a replacement for uh, for the kind of mid level crystals. Hmm. God, I sound real smart right now. I hate to say it, I like the BJCPJP. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I knew my fucking score. Tom. Well, you know, it's done something for you. The studying, the tasting, the uh, well, different it, things it, you've done, and I yeah. like it on this program. And imagine not knowing your results for seven months. <laughs> That'd piss you, you off, you right? May have well, to move, you may have to move JP out of the lowest douchebag uh, category, and no. he, you know, what are you going to take my spot, Brett? Intelligence on beer. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's I just and, like you know, it. I I was looking I was looking at the BNAs and said, what the hell, man? I was a pretty big asshole for drunk of the week for like four weeks running <laughs> and knocked out by a toddler and all that shit and then i was like yeah. well, i didn't even get an honorable mention i gotta step it up next year you do yeah you do well i just i think the difference here <laughs> is that jp's being assertive with his beer knowledge and i like it on the program that's what i'm yeah, telling you great. jp yeah. All right, we're well, going to try one more of your beers cool. and i'm going to talk over jp's negative comments after i give him a compliment so i want to get to one of these braggots because we got a couple of them in there, and that's all we're going to do. Yeah, let's do it. Do the one with 150 pounds of blueberries or whatever the fuck that's he said he put into it. 20 pounds of blueberry. And the one without special B. B picking, is that right? Yeah, no special B. Yep, berry picking is 20 pounds of fresh picked blueberries and 10 gallons of beer. That's so very... 10 per carboy. It's very right. Oregonian of you. 10 pounds. That was fresh picked. You don't get blueberries down there because you live in a desert. Is that right? Is that the way it works? Pacheco is no desert. Shame yeah. on you and suck it. We're, no, we nor- <laughs> we're Northern California. We're not San Berto. Pacheco is a plush land of, of fertile soil. And refineries. refineries. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's why it's so goddamn fertile. It's a landfill. You're a landfill, oh! you whore. You're a Sam fill. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't be jealous. Yeah. Uh, okay, I so, won't. I am jealous. No, we get a lot of black Actually, the, the braggots, I... You get a lot of brown berries, too. I have to tell you, on, on the braggots, I had to convince my wife to allow me to send them to you, Justin, because uh, she met you at OBF when you were there last. And, and hated uh, me. And she said, yeah, that guy just sounds like a douchebag. <laughs> so I... And the braggots, the braggots are, are my wife's beers, and she's the one actually that I just oversaw the process of the berry picking. Yeah. And I said, I really want to send uh, some some beer to the Brewing Network, and she said, no. That and I said, well, I'm gonna send it to Jamil. Right. And she went, oh, I like Jamil. You talk about him all the time. He's, he, you know, I've heard him. He's a great guy. And I said, okay, I'm going to throw in two, and maybe he'll share them with. Why did I sound like a douchebag? Did I, I, I say hello? Like, nice uh, to meet you. It's a pleasure meeting you, and she's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, he's no, a dude." No, she, she's the one that brought brownies that year. Yeah, what 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 was yeah. douchey? I'd like to know. You didn't. Is she uh, there? I, Did I you think it was a germophobia. Actually, is she yeah. there? Well, can what's we, douchey can we about ask that? Her? Can you put her on the phone? No, actually, uh, she she's uh, in the house dealing with the the toddler. You know, I'm the minivan guy, JP. You douchebag. He kind of talks a lot. The minivan this guy? guy. You want to talk about douchebag? I'm yeah. talking about Brett you know, here talking a lot. I was just going to say that. I mean, one little thing, and he's got to get in a joke and a dig and a and a this and a that. Well, you know how you hate dead air time. <sighs> he's trying to help me out. Is that what yeah, you're saying? He is. Mm. <clears throat> what the hell is a braggot anyway? Can someone refresh my memory? Beer and honey. It's a beer and mead. Yeah, I don't like the honey thing. I... All right, you're back on. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I try think it's that an one. interesting flavor. Too sweet. Yeah, Bevo's all about it. People will like it. It's um. I, I kind of think like a blueberry is the wrong. It tastes like bubblicious fruit. You ever taste grape bubblicious yeah. or like a yeah. big league chew? Sure. Sure. I was just gonna or or uh, bubble tape. You, you can taste alcohol in it too. It's uh, I think blueberry is one of the weaker fruits to be using in a ferment because it uh, it doesn't it's not assertive enough. It I like kind of goes away and it's, it's kind of a watery flavor and then it lets the base yeah. come through and that's what I don't like. So what's the fruit flavor coming through then if it's not the blueberry? I didn't say that it doesn't exist at all. I just said that. No, I'm asking you. No, so what is no, the fruit flavor? No, no I'm saying because this is way made with blueberries, right? Yeah, I'm saying blueberry. And to my opinion, is the wrong fruit to be using for a beer like this or for a braggot. I would go with more of assertive uh, uh, something. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Apricot or uh, peach or something like that. Because I think a blueberry is uh, it's kind of a thin flavor to begin with, and then when you ferment it down, yeah. um, it becomes a little it's, thinner. It's more earthy flavored, which is what the blueberry is. It's not a real strong, yeah, estuary fruit one dimensional like apricot or peach. So maybe. then, what is the strong fl- uh, fruit flavor coming through on this? Because I get a well, strong fruit well, flavor. The, the blueberry is obviously in play. Yeah. Get like fake grape though, like right. But like I think grape so, drink grape. I think that's what it is. Where you still get the flavor, but you don't get a lot of on the back end. So you still get some of the flavor, but in my the opinion, on this, it comes through like the honey comes through and the beer comes through more than like the fruit does. Where's, in my opinion, uh, yeah, we do need Terrence to black in here to talk. So it's like Kool Aid, is what you're saying? No, grape drink. I think like he's grape gone. drink. Grape yeah, no, Kool-Aid. he had to go pick up Becca from the airport. That would explain why everybody seems to like it that happens to be of the female persuasion, because they say, oh my god, it's so tasty. And Can black you dudes. be a female persuasion? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but yes. You wouldn't know, JP. You'd just go play your wow. <laughs> oh man, this show is toxic yeah. is what it is. Better than making Everyone's going to be in a fight by the end of it. <laughs> so, uh, oh boy. Are we done? Because I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Doc well, says we're not done. Actually, He's very excited to be here still. <laughs> 
End oh, this thing now. I'm going to drag you fuckers through this whole thing. End Let's it do now. It. <laughs> Let's take all sharp objects. Now, I, I, I will have to ask as a, as a favor, and, and I will repay Justin on this one, is yeah. if you give JP the stinky sour, because that's the 6% Berliner Weiss sour mash that we had a huge argument over. The chunky oh. one? But, but the Would you like over? to try the stinky shower, JP? <laughs> it's got a great name. you got to give it that. You gotta taste it just for the name. Sure. All right, give JP the stinky shower, please. All right. <laughs> that's the one I. That's the right? Apologize to him for. It, that's not where you like eat asparagus and then pee on a girl. <laughs> no, that would be your thing. Yeah. I like that version of the stinky shower. Actually, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. Better than the stinky chowder. Uh, a listener, B Dog, wants to know if you do any water treatment because uh, he says Portly, <coughs> Portland water is really soft. Um, water. Portland water is considered almost as close to reverse osmosis as you can get. And again, I, I have Beer Smith. Love the program. Bought it. Thank you. Use it everywhere. And uh, the, the Portland water profile is so low, I have to basically would add like three packets of Burton on Trent just to get even close to it of those premixed salts. Wow. So, yeah, we're really, we're really soft here, and I actually added gypsum to most of those, but I've cut that out trying to, to experiment this year and figure out uh, a better water profile. I'm going to be moving here in the next month and building a new brew house. So, All right. Stinky shower tastes like a stinky <laughs> shower. Everybody notice that? I don't want to taste it just based on its smell. <laughs> it kind of tastes like a stinky shower, Brett. Can't get past the stinky? To get to the shower. You named Very this tart. after you brewed it, didn't you? I, I did, actually. When it came right into the keg and it and it got right on tap for the first two weeks, it just it stank like nothing else. And the, the sour mash just smelled horrible. So, But after it uh, got over that in the first... Oh. Yeah. Try <laughs> try doing a uh, a longer boil and drive some of those characters up. Can I um? Just I give you an idea. If I can give you a tip, boil, I don't know. You should, yeah, well, try longer. You should boil as long okay. as it takes you to answer yeah. a question, and uh, yeah. that'll probably be right about the right time, Brett. Um, hour and a half is good for like ales and stuff, but try like a, a two or even a three hour boil. Okay, I'm actually going to. You're not going to do it, so I don't know why I'm wasting your fucking breath. <laughs> No, I was actually going to cut back on the sour mash. My Flanders Red just came out of the barrel, and it's so wonderful that the the sour that came off the the three sour beers with the sour mash I've done, I, I definitely need to cut it back from 48 hours and move it back to about maybe 36 because that that sour character is just way too strong. Or do a um, a, a partial sour mash. Oh, with only about half of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's a great idea. I know. Look at that. <laughs> Why did I actually say that? What the fuck? I'm supposed to give you shit. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah, because that never gets old. From JP, even. Amazing. Just saying. JCP, JP. All right, Brett. I told you, he might be losing his place as douchebag. He might be doing it. Yeah. What are we going to do then? I don't know. Oh, we have to like him. Give him a, no. give him a proper chair. <laughs> It'll never happen. All right. Hey, Brett, thanks for sending the beer. We, we fucked with you a lot, and you're a good sport. Thanks, man. No, I, I really appreciate it, guys, and I just killed a cream ale keg, so I got to do some work in the brew house anyway. So All right. You good guys boy. are awesome. Thanks, thanks so brother. Much. Later. How convenient for both of us, then. There you go. Brett. I can still taste the stinky shower. Yeah, it's... Uh, it stays with you. you, wanna, he's, you he is good at, he's really good at naming beers. Yeah, I'll give him right that. Yet. He, he kind of named every one uh, the way it should it should be done.
So, all right, 888-401-BEER, Drunk of the Week, uh, Skype as well. Uh, Brewing Network's the name, 888-401-BEER, Drunk of the Week. And then we're getting out of here. I know you guys don't want to get out of here, but uh, I, I do. It's time for me to go. Oh, yes. Okay, well, if you have to go. I don't think Chad has announcements. Yeah, let me weird. get it out of the way. You Let's know, for once, it. I'm quite happy to be here. Theme? All right, so while we're waiting on Drunk of the Week calls, 888-401-BEER, we've got a little uh, Shats announcements to do for you. Shats announcements are brought to you today by the 21st Amendment Brewery. Ooh, oh. Great people there. Which, by the way, have a beautiful new website. I don't know I've if they do. I've seen that. It's have awesome. You, yeah. It is really nice, yeah. It was done by our boy Andy Rue, who wow. did our website as well. Great job there, Andy. He did another great job on it. And uh, it, I love the website. A lot of content. Yeah. It's visually appealing. Uh, it's easy to navigate. And uh, just a, a, another great job. So, uh, to Shats Announcements brought to you by the 21st Amendment. That's right, cans. All right. Well, the big one coming up is uh, World Cup of Beer being put on by BAM. That's going to be happening on April 3rd. Deadline is this Saturday coming up, March 13th. So uh, go to worldcupofbeer.com and get all the info there. It's a big one, and uh, I'll have a bunch of beers in. Yeah, you get to go up against right against, uh, against Chad, so yeah. send them in. Against Brew Every Day <laughs> Chad. Beat up Chad. Two That's brews right. a day Chad. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the Indian uh, Peak Ailers are also going to be doing a uh, competition in Colorado. That's a race. That's on uh, March 27th. They're accepting entries 8th to the 19th. And uh, Maltos Falcons also coming up. They're going to be doing the Mayfair. That's a big one. Um, you know, people like Tasty McDole have uh, done very well at these uh, competitions over the past yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so, in, anyway, entries are going to be due the 24th of March through April 10th. Again, the comp is April 24th. And uh, there are some new styles this year. They're doing Black IPA, Belgian IPA, Wild Ales, and Wood Age beers. I like Black Guy PA. Yeah, they're not restricted by the BJCP. No. They're free spirits. There. <laughs> uh, also coming up is uh, Puget NAACP. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different beer well, category list on the NAACP. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Puget Sound Pro Am is taking place. Um, this is also a qualifier uh, to actually get a pro uh, beer made at JBF Pro Am beer. And uh, entries are due April twentieth. Competitions on April twenty fourth. Go to bewbc.org slash program to check out the information there. Uh, AHA rally taking place this Saturday at Stone Brewing. Uh, oh. If you're in SoCal, go check them out. Support the AHA. And uh, I'm sure they have tons of beer for you to drink there. Okay. Uh, also going on, um, this is coming from the uh, Waha guys, Washington Homebrewers Association. And uh, they're going to be doing a yeast talk. Um, I think they're going to be talking about wild yeast strains, things of that nature, with um, uh, Jess Caudill from Y-East at Big Al's. And that's on March 26th. And uh, go check that out. The Waha guys will be uh, in attendance. And uh, also, if you're in Philly, uh, there are some BNers in the area. They want to put together a little BN pub brewery crawl. Uh, so go to the uh, forum and check that out. It's under um, there's a poll under beer events titled Philadelphia, Philadelphia BN Pub Brewery Crawl. All right. And when will Doc be waking up in your announcements? <laughs> Any idea? Oh, he's up. Oh, he's awake now. Oh, awake. Okay. Good. Don't forget, uh, Shat's announcements are brought to you by the 21st Amendment Brewery. You can go to uh, 21st-amendment.com, check out their new website, sign up for their Twitter account. You can find them on Facebook. 
New site's cool, man. I'm checking it it's out. It's really nice. Yeah. You like it, right? Yeah. Looks familiar. You did a good job. Did I had the uh, first beer from their brew, their new brewmeister the other day. Z- uh, Z- Zamboni. I don't know. Zwambo. Yeah, Zambo. Brian Zambo. or whatever. The Zambo. Zambo. Right? That's it. Oh, yeah. Zambo. Yeah. Zambo is their new yeah. brewer. Yeah. Five and South. It's good. I, yeah. Hoppy Pale Ale. Not as uh, overly, you know, bitter as like uh, maybe uh, some of the other beers, but very well balanced, very malty, very aromatic. Okay. No special. So he's doing a good job. Not not a whole lot of special B. Not a whole lot of that. Which is a good thing. Yeah. But any special K? That's the question. Maybe special K. Put a little that in the beer. Have ourselves a good time. Just won't remember it. (laughs) Right. I'll just be touching my hamburger all day. No dotws on that phone line, Uh. huh, Beef? Hmm. You have a microphone. How about narcoleptic? Sorry, it was on off. People are boycotting uh, Drunk of the Week this week. Mary wants to be sober one day. Hmm. Fair enough. Works for me. Let's go. Who am I going to give dark candy sugar to then? Bevo. I am going to brew with Chad. We talked about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've heard that before. Yeah. Next year? You know, my offer still stands, by the way, but whatever. Yeah, but you're an asshole. (laughs) You called her Hardy. So you won't be brewing together. All right, I'll answer the phone, Bebo. Actually, he just farted on me. He did. Wow. Did you, you actually? You actually farted? I thought you just were. I yeah. thought it was a mock. No. No. You, you guys that aren't watching go. the TV are really missing a lot. You are, tell you, that. you think that the studio so cam is boring? No, sir. You miss a lot. JP just left ass on. Just on saying, you uh, you know, you've been hurting my feelings for a year, but whatever. Jason Young, you're on the. Oh, I can smell it over here. Don't wave it over here. <laughs> Hi, yeah, Jason. Yours. How are you, brother? I'm good. How hey, are you what's doing? going on, buddy? <clears throat> what's happening, man? Drunk of the week? Well, I was trying, but as I got up to get the phone, uh, my dog started drinking my Sierra Nevada torpedo. Damn dog! Oh, put yeah. the dog on the line. We'll see. He was. Uh, <laughs> well, I tried. The most. Maybe he was looking at his pink torpedo. Uh, you could still, you could still compete. You stink. Don't. When you're trying to take it out on her, try not to take it out on the rest of us. She waved it over here, man. It's not my fault. She should have breathed it all in. Shit, that's disgusting. Yeah, this is Studio D, not like way. yeah, one through seven. This is a small place. Yeah. One fart blows stop. this place up. What have you had to drink, Jason? Oh shit! Bunch of uh, mighty arrows. I've had some torpedoes. Had a uh, rogue. Uh, Mocha Porter. There you go. Oh, that's good beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds sober to me. I always do. Oh. <laughs> Another one. Of a good one of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, well, Dude, I drink 10 bottles of Jack. What? So what? I'm exactly. fine. Great. Right and I still sound sober. Yeah, that's weird. How many points Man, would I you blow? Off. You got a wife around? I'm in bed. No. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you, got a, you got a portable phone? <laughs> oh, by the way, hang on, guys. I'll send you up with the dog. All right. Close second, I guess. Yeah, I wonder how many people don't make it. Like, calling in. They can't even dial the number. See, like, those are the real... Those are the yeah. ones we want. There must be a lot, you know. I did have to ask the chat room what the number was again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's close <laughs> enough. All right, you're in the running, Jason. Thanks, brother. All right, brother. Later. Bye. There you go. That's one contestant. <laughs> Wow. I think we should be here silent <coughs> until the phone rings again. <laughs> doc, what's of, what's new, Doc? A busy do, 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 do. What's happening, Doc? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Anything new in Doc's world? I can sit here silent. <laughs> he doesn't Yeah, lie. you've been doing it for the past two hours. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hmm. How about I give? How about I give uh, Candy Sugar away to the best question uh, for our Alaskan Brewers today? No. Oh. Yeah. What would that be? F these lazy. I'm, I'm going to look through here. I think that the... Uh, oh, the one of them was really good. Uh, what what about it? oak and Belgian beers? No. Hmm. Looking through them here. Bug Eater had a pretty good question. Bug Eater did have a great question. Which ended up with a, a nice, a, a nice uh, historical answer about yeah. how um, uh, malts were, all malts were originally <laughs> oh. smoked. That was, uh, if you malt your own grain, instead of drying it, just put it in the smoker. Right. I thought that, and we ended up with a really nice answer out of that. A little history yeah. of uh, how malts were uh, kilned and then all smoked. The straight oak, that was a good question. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, whether or not, whether or not oak is, if you would, if you were to have sex with oak, would it be straight or not? Um, it depends if the oak finished. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I agree with you. We call you. it finishing oak. <laughs> yeah. It finished. It's you, not yeah. straight. You refinish a cabinet or something. Oak finished. The water question I thought was nice. Oh yeah. I tried to lob that over to Doc, but he was asleep. Yeah, well. Good questions. Hard or soft water? That one was good. That one was good. It was all right. Hard. All good questions. Um, let's see. I'd vote for those three. I'd I'd vote for the straight oak. The. Smoking instead of drying from Bug Eater. And the water question from the Todd mm. about, uh, because we we didn't bring that up at all. No, water. that's relevant. And, and, and Tasty, let's face it, you should have. <laughs> you, it's you, an obvious question. It is an that's obvious question. And you're, you're, yeah, exactly. And you're a guy who likes to uh, think yeah. about that. Well, our own and the, and the Todd really picked up your slack there. He did. He, carried, he picked me up. He did. If I were you, I'd vote for the Todd. I am voting for the Todd. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, a good question. Also, aren't the droids you're looking for? All right, so those are. That's how we're going to do this. I do have a drunk of the week call. We'll take that caller. You're on the air. What's happening? I want the drunk of the week. Who are we talking to? This is Richards. Richards. Seven hundred. Hey, brother. That's the seven hundred is relevant in any way. Yeah. Oh, it's not Richards two forty nine. Not anymore. We should. We should start the BN like the seven hundred club. You know how you get in the 700 Club? Pay a lot of money. You donate $700. Oh, is that what it is? I'm not Done. joking. I'm not fucking around right now. You get in the 700... You've all seen the 700 Club. Yes. You get in the 700 Club by donating $700. That's that, it. Isn't that a Christian thing? Yeah, it's a Christian no. thing. That's yeah, you how don't you know get about it? I and, thought you uh, did 700 women. No, you uh, you donate 700 bucks. We should start that here in the BN. Richard, you want to be the first one in the 700 Club? If you want to get in the BN 700 Club... Donate $700. Yeah. That's a good idea, Bridget. What's <laughs> your for, idea? Good I idea. For Bridget. I'm, I'm giving him Bridget, two stars Bridget right now. <laughs> what have you had to drink, Bridget's two stars? Oh, I've had uh, uh, a lot of homebrewed lambic that I made just because I'm running low on all my other beers. And mm-hmm. I've had a little bit of Doppelbach and a uh, bunch of melatonin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... <laughs> Is that a drug? It's a chemistry that joke. It must be a brew, beer, beer joke that I didn't get. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm Melatonin's the drug that makes you go to sleep. Oh. That's what Doc's ODing. <laughs> I see. All right, you're in the running, <laughs> yeah, Richards. Doc, Thanks, Doc. brother. Uh, okay, so uh, we have now Jason and Richards both in the running for Drunk of the Week, and uh, I've already decided that we're giving candy sugar to, to the best question. Let's vote on the question first. All right. So the three questions are from the Todd. That would be the hard or soft water for smoked beer. 
Um, the other one is from a bug eater, which would be uh, about after if you were to malt your own grain, could you then just smoke it instead of drying it? And finally, it was monsters and pie uh, asking about smoking malt just with straight oak. Yeah, those are the three questions. Um, okay, we'll start with the with the latter. Monsters and pie. Raise your hand if that is the question of the week. All right, that's one vote. Great. Again, nobody cares about what I say. I'll give one of my votes to Jamie. Fuck you. He farted on me. I'm sorry I called you an asshole. All right. uh, Raise your hand if it's bug eater, and uh, would you malt your own grain instead of drying it in in the smoker? Okay. That's another. Bevo's other vote goes to bug eater. And finally, the Todd about water. Raise your hand if it's water. And that is the re- the remaining votes. Hey, Doc voted. <laughs> the remaining votes. Uh, yeah. Only because he saw everyone else Doc doing something. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I well, put hey, some- I raised my hand too, <laughs> fuckers. Put some ink on his finger. Yeah. In case he tries to vote twice. All right, the Todd in the chat room, please send me your uh, send me an email, Justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. I will send you some Belgian candy sugar, courtesy of Dark Candy Inc., our wonderful friends over at Dark Candy Inc., who have been longtime supporters and a great product. You can brew yourself a nice Belgian beer, just like the Belgians do with Dark Candy Inc. So, uh, Todd, send me an email, Justin at thebrewingnetwork.com. Congratulations. Glopper Glop is on the phone. Oh, I'll take Christ. it. Go ahead. <laughs> As if JP's night wasn't miserable enough. Oh. Now he has to talk to Blobber Glooby 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 The missing link. Get on with this. Hello, JP. Hi, sweetheart. You have feelings tonight? He has a lot of fucking feelings. I do have feelings tonight. He's right out there. Oh, the sad, sad feelings. I know. Yeah. What I else? need a short, skinny, quote-unquote man to take care of me. Would you fit oh, that well, bill? I I would I would suit that bill. Homo. Only so for angry. you, JP. Such such an angry gay, JP. <laughs> the kind of guy who has gay sex and then beats up the guy afterward. Yeah. I've seen what, that. On, gay? I've seen that in a porn or two before. What? <laughs> I uh, would not usually enjoy that. Blobber, what, <laughs> now, <laughs> what else can we do for you? Did he just say he wanted to get now, beat up there's been me? a lot of hate. That, uh, apart from all the hate from, from the show, there's been a lot of hate for Canada. Yeah. Because we're kind of in the way for uh, of U.S. and Alaska. Right. And I was, I, as a good Canadian, I'd like to apologize for being in the way. <laughs> okay. Good. And, uh, and well, uh, if you. it's okay, yeah, I'd like to sing a song. Uh, you know what? I can't think of a better way to apologize oh. for being in the way. I think we're out of time. Of our uh, 50th state or whatever number of fucking yes. state that. Uh, I can't think of a better way than for you to sing a song for that us. That would be from the heart, I'm sure. What would you like yeah. to sing? Um, God bless America. Do you really want to hurt me? <laughs> okay. okay. Yes, actually, I do. <laughs> do you need... Uh, I hope you don't need music behind, because that's going to take me a long no, time. I, no, no. I, I wouldn't uh, want to bother you with actual work. Thank you. Good. It's late, and I agree with you. Yeah. Give me time to realize my crime. Let me love and steal. Wait Have a, a second. Inside your eyes. What are you at a poetry slam? Re- yeah, it's spoken okay, word doesn't the whole, count. The whole part, the whole beginning of the song. I don't give a shit. This is the part that really counts. Okay. Okay. Sing that. Okay. Take it from the chorus. Carry on. Do you really want to hurt me, <laughs> yes. Do you really want to make me cry? Precious kisses, words that burn me. 
Lovers never ask you why. Now, wow. this is... Uh, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Well, what's with all the hate? I, I don't know. JP's got to stick up his ass. Uh, Tasty is a dickhead. I don't know what the hell the problem is. Well, nonetheless, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed I like, it, too. I like, uh, I like the angst. I like the angst, too. Yep. Wait till after the show, though. You don't have to deal with these shitheads after the show. <laughs> Why did you say that thing to me that you said earlier? What thing I said to you? I don't know that thing you said. I don't remember, but it's that shit that you said. Wow, maybe Blobber has been at the post show yeah, before. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, it's a, you think the feelings are bad on the air. Afterward, Tasty cries in my arms, yeah. and, uh, and, and JP calls you the next off day. off in the corner. <laughs> Everybody just needs Blobber to go to their own trailers. Off now. Yeah. Yeah, I have to go around to everybody's trailer and and knock on the door, and I have to bring cupcakes that are made by yeah, Chad. Yeah, you think a deuce in the in the toilet just smells like shit? <laughs> it's probably uh, the most coherent conversation Blobber has ever had on, on it, this radio. That could be sure. so. He's enlightened us I'm all. Drunk out, I'm pretty drunk out of my mind right now. <laughs> are you now? All right, Blobber. No, th- I am. Thank you for the yeah. <laughs> thank you for the call, Blobber. Hey. All right. I love you. Thanks, man. He loves you, JP. Take it. Take it like a man. Not me. Take it like a man, Looking JP. forward to the Olympics. Yay, oh, yeah. Olympics. That's right. Are you going to be there finally? Or? Oh, of course I will be there. Right. Blueby, are you going to BNA5 slash NHC this year? Like I, I combine the names? What? I am not. I don't think I, in the country. I'm, not, I'm not sure I heard I'm, that right. I'm pretty sure you uh, said you're going. Yeah, the, the answer is pretty much 95% no. I'm what? so sorry. We might have to take a blobber raffle. We yeah. might have to do one yeah. of our monthly raffles for Blobber, Blueby. Yes. Send Blobber to NHC. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. Why don't you steal some of the diamonds you blow up out of that mine or whatever you do? Is he a miner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The dude works like 4,000 feet underground blo- putting dynamite into the earth, into the mother earth. He rapes the mother. <laughs> you don't care. No, I don't, actually. That's pretty cool that Canada. Uh, Jeff was, what, a gold miner? Yeah, that's kind of yeah. Cool. That is cool. Yeah, he didn't have to. He wasn't down there with a pickaxe or no, anything. No, he said he was the no, chemist, he right? Was a chemist. Yeah. He was. He was Still pretty uh, cool. He yeah. was defending cool. his claim from claim jumpers. The restaurant. Mm-hmm. They wanted to move in. All right, drunk of the week. We have Jason or Richards. Everybody, Richards. Yeah, All right, Richards. There you go, Richards. You are drunk of the week. Send me an email. I'll send you your medal. It's a. It's a nice shiny medal. With a D or a T? Metal, metal. Metal. <laughs> Look at Doc. What a big hot <laughs> Woke mess. Woke up to that. Yeah. <laughs> he is a big hot mess. Like that deuce dropped in the bathroom before the Jamil show. Which is great because you have an automatic air freshener that's motion activated. Doesn't matter. In the, that's what I'm saying. That's how bad the diet okay. of this person was. I hope it was the broad that Schumann was nailing. I, so do I. I hope it was her deuce. Because I want her to be that big of a mess. Did you hear it? Well, it was probably packed for maximum density. <laughs> yeah. It took off like a rocket. That's what oh, methyl duty is. It'll, it'll back you up. <laughs> well, Schumann's yeah. a very polite person. He asks, you know, do you mind if I push in your stool? <laughs> or maybe maybe she just got roto-rootered. Yeah. Oh. She got snaked. and awful. <laughs> roto-rootered. She got a little snake. Oh, she really she got a little that. snake job. A little snake. Bye, out. everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Uh, 
All right. Uh, is next week's show official? It's official. Uh, what yeah. a great show we have planned for you next week. Uh, Tasty and Nathan Smith are going to talk about competition brewing. They have a whole presentation prepared for you like to get you ready for competition brewing. I'll uh, bring my pillow. It's going to be a wonderful show. Doc's going to bring his <laughs> pillow. I'm going to have to put in a recliner for you if this keeps up. I'll bring my hammock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little, little hammock up in the corner. Uh. Bring some amphetamines. Good Lord. Uh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Good to see you, Doc. Thanks, man. <laughs> good to see your sleepy self. Yeah. All right. Hey, we'll have a real BJCP judge next week. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Chad, you, you wouldn't even last two, two hours in that test. He just has his score. That's all. Isn't the test two hours? <laughs> no, it's like four. Nice. <laughs> I hope you get your test scores, JP, so you can stop being a shithead. I won't. Actually, once I get them, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I renounce yeah. my title. Fuck the BJCP. Oh, Fuck come them. on. Fuck them. How can you be so angry about it? You're going to get it. It's, Everything's going to be it's fine. It's been five months, dude. I'm over it. It hasn't put you out. Yeah, it has. I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> oh, man. Nobody become a judge. <laughs> That's your statement? Yep. That's your final word. Bankrupt that whole organization. Oh. They take too long, man. Sorry. I'm over it. You ruined it. Volunteers. You know what it's like to be a volunteer. Yeah, I know. I'm over that, too. <laughs> I'm over all of it. Get off of me. JP needs a hug. Oh. You need a shower. Ow. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into The Angry Show. And thanks to Alaskan Brewing Company. Great job. Those guys uh, were great. Oh, wow. man. Jeff and Curtis love yeah, talking to you. for sure. And, Jipper, when you weren't being angry, you were yep. a wonderful expert tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right. Good job, angry. everybody. We'll see you next week for the Competition Brewing Show with Nate and Tasty. All right. I'll leave the camera on just long enough to, so you can all watch us hug JP. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. Love of that homebrew Can't get enough of it Homebrew blows my mind